penis pods. If you find this recording, don't feel bad about this. Part of the journey is the end. Just for the record, being adrift in space with zero promise of rescue is more fun than it sounds. Food and water ran out four days ago. Oxygen will run out tomorrow morning. That'd be it. When I drift off, I will dream about you. It's always you. said he was going to do. He wiped out 50% of all living creatures. We lost. All of us. We lost friends. We lost family. We lost a part of ourselves. This is the fight of our lives. This is going to work, Steve. I know it is. Because I don't know what I'm going to do if it doesn't. We met a few years ago at the airport in Germany. Got got really big. Is this an old message? Ant Man, Ant Man. I know you know. I know you know that. It's the front door. That's me. Can you buzz me in? Episode two hundred sixty-two. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a wall, Brad. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the left. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And we uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five four, four, three, three two, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, leftovers. the leftovers. Yeah, um, I got real loud there with my hey. Hey. I know. That was fucking ridiculous. It's stupid. <laughs> You're ready to go. Energetic. No, I'm not. Excited. I'm not energetic. I'm, I don't know. I'll get, maybe I'll get excited later on in the podcast. But like right now, not, no, zero energy. It's all <laughs> fake. It's fabricated, Jake. This is fake. This is just synthetic energy. <laughs> Monster energy. I had one energy drink today. 
I don't drink monsters. I drink rock stars because I'm a fucking rock star. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't know rock stars still existed. I rarely see those anymore. Oh, I know. I, I'm the only one keeping them in business. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. We have people on the show. Uh, this week we are joined by, uh, welcome back, Ashley Deriveter. Welcome back. <laughs> Well, thank you for having me. I hope to, I hope to get some Ashley deriveting conversation from you. Always, Brian. Always. <laughs> that did not go over well. Um, <laughs> did that really happen? Yeah, it did. I, I just let it happen. I was like, yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, I know. It's like it's everybody's touchy with like their names and shit. Ah, oh, don't do that. Uh. Anyway, uh, and and we're not alone again. We uh, are joined by uh, the queen of the leftover army, Rebecca Daling. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. And it's great to be on with Ashley for the first time, talking Captain Marvel stuff. Oh, spoilers. No, I'm kidding. Um, Yeah. Yeah, We're we're, going to be diving in very shortly into the Captain Marvel trailer. We're going to be diving into the Avengers uh, Ed Gabe trailer. And um, I have seen Bumblebee, so later on in the podcast, I'm going to give everybody kind of like a non-spoiler review uh, in Good Pop, Bad Pop. I'm not waiting two weeks to tell people about this shit, Jake. No, that makes no sense. (laughs) It makes no sense. I'm not going to hold on to this for two weeks and not say anything. This is the first time on the podcast that, you know, I mean, we are going to have a regular Bumblebee episode. Well, this is no, it's an, it's an advanced screening, and, yeah. and, you know, you're a critic. We want to hear it now. I'm not a critic. Come on. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, uh, I'm a guy that does a, does a mediocre podcast with an opinion. I'm pretty sure that's all you have to do to be qualified to be a critic. Uh, don't call me a critic. It feels gross. Stop it. I don't. <laughs> Never say it again. Don't. Ew. God. <laughs> you're a critic. No, I'm not. Stop it. I'm critical of being called a critic. Anyway, we're going to be moving on in here real quick. Guys, yeah, we're going to be doing our stuff. We're going to get to the content. First thing I want to do, we got to do our uh, – we're going to start off with Flick the Bean this week. So these are our Podbean reviews. Oh, God. Oh. Oh, yeah, right there. Oh, right there. Jesus Christ. All right. Still going. It goes on forever, it feels like. It's ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, we got one here from D-Man1991. To the fucking goddamn hosts, you guys are hilarious and very informative and all that good shit. Your best episode to... Any, I don't know what this word is, dude. You get people. You got to start proofreading your shit before you hit enter. The word. The, use, use your grown-up words. The, the your best episode too. And here's the word that he gave us. It's it might be uh, it, this might be European. I have no idea. K e c i s. Your best episode to K e c i s to Kessis, right? <laughs> Your, your best episode to Cassis. What language is that? I have your no fucking clue. Mind. I have no idea. Your best episode to Cassis, the Infinity War show, and Deadpool 2 later on as well. It's D. Rogers, 1991 from Twitter. So that, thank, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah, Infinity War, that's my favorite Cassis episode too, actually. Oh, man. Uh, 
I'd say pre-Kessis. My favorite episode before that was probably The Force Awakens. That's pre-Kessis. <laughs> now, post, post-Kessis. post That's the Kessel Run. I think you're mixing things up. Oh, the Kessel Run. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, yeah, thank you. You're be- Kessis. Proofread your shit, people. It, takes, it doesn't take that long. Jake, do you think he meant to write Kessis? No, I don't think so. And normally we're all about, like, we advocate you that you don't change your mistakes. But here I'm kind of for it because I have yeah. no fucking idea what this guy's talking about. I know. I Kessis. <laughs> your best episode, Kessis. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Uh, that is not his best review. The, the best pod. Pod being reviewed to Cassis. I don't know. Jeez. Anyway, yeah, let's move on into iTunes reviews. It's one star five. We don't give a fuck because we really love to hear just how much we suck. Guys, Chris Dumont and your host is a jerk. I'm an opinionated asshole whose dick don't work. Yada, yada, blah, blah, fuck you too. These are iTunes reviews. All right, here we go. Go. Uh, this is uh, this is a fantastic iTunes review. I'm not even going to lie, people. But uh, I don't know who it's from. This is crazy. It's by AJXHJCJCCUUX. I think this person just went nuts on the keyboard. <laughs> Maybe they tried to spell Cassis. Do you think, Jake? <laughs> I think they had too much Cassis, and then they couldn't be forgot how to spell their name. Oh, OD on the Kessis. <laughs> guys, that's not, no, not even once. Don't even try it, guys. It's not worth it. <laughs> you'll write you'll yeah, no, it. No, no matter how much Pop Culture Leftovers talks about Kessis, yeah, we do not condone actually doing it. Don't do it. Then you'll write a fucked up Podbean review uh, <laughs> that no one understands. Hey, uh, it's titled Brings Laughter Back After Tragedy. It's a five star and goes on to say, I would like to give a shout-out to the PCL guys. Nothing but love for you guys. I recently experienced a loss to my family. My brother was taken away from us too early. I'm now taking care of his two boys. We recently started listening to podcasts and started listening to PCL. We love your guys' content. You guys brought, back, you guys brought laughter back to our lives. Thought they're still young. Uh, though they're still young... I let them listen to you guys. Keep making great content because we look forward to listening to you guys every week. Oh, man. Yeah, that's fantastic. I lived to nitpick these iTunes reviews, and I can't even with this one. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful. great. Yeah, that's an awesome review. That's great. I know. It makes that Cassis one sound like a pile of shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Cassis could be something even more emotional, but the fuck if we know, since this guy can't even proofread. Yeah. <laughs> this is a fantastic... Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm glad that we can be a uh, positive influence for you, and um really sorry for your loss. Um, that's, that's, that's terrible, but um, you sound like a great person taking care of these two boys. I think that's fantastic, and... and um, they are if they're young and they're listening to our show. Yeah, all right, I'll, whatever. I'll take it. That's awesome. I really appreciate it. That's so cool. I, I love this review. It actually kind of it kind of brought a tear to my eye when I read it for the first time. So um, much appreciated. Thank you so much. Yeah, fantastic. I, I love to hear that too. I know that loss does have to be hard. So 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. Though. Oof, yeah, young boys listening to our show, but yeah, fuck it. If, if it <laughs> teaches them, them not to be, yeah, <laughs> if it teaches them not to be jackasses, then we're we're helping too. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Um, I don't know if I'm the guy to not teach a child to be a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, lead by example. Yeah, or, you know, <laughs> guys, don't be like him. All right. That's, that's the at least moral. they'll have good taste. Yeah. Okay? At least they'll they'll know how to how to navigate the world and find good things. Yeah. And, and shitty things. Now they they know about pink sock. You know they know what I mean. What... <laughs> oh, you're you're molding young minds. I am. I yes, Every I day. am. I am. Every I'm day, like uh, I'm like Robin Williams in that. Uh, what's that movie? Patch Adams? No, not Patch Adams. What were you saying, Rebecca? Dead Poet Society. Dead Poet oh, Society. Captain, oh, Captain, yeah. my Captain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You yeah. guys can stand on your desks in uh, homeroom with your iPods on. iPods, your iPhones, your iTunes playing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> I'd rather see you with the red nose. Fuck that. <sighs> Let's see here. Um... Oh, yeah, I'm inserting timestamps into all the episode show notes, people. So check out those timestamps. That way you know what we're doing every every week. It's awful big of you to cave into that demand. I know. Yeah, I'm shocked, Brian. I know. Timestamps. Timestamps, wow. yeah. So check it out, everybody. Go to the show notes. Check out the timestamps. You'll be happy, all you time, all you people with your fucking timestamp, uh, you know, demands. The show would be so great if you had time. Well, here you go. You got them. You won. You're the big winners this week. Good week to introduce it too with the you know Captain Marvel talk. Yeah. Talk and oh yeah. Stuff, so. You can yeah. just like skip to the part you want. Yeah. Right. Three minutes totally. and forty five seconds. We talk about Cassis, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, the Kessis timestamp, huh? you think people are actually going to be coming and looking for the Kessis talk before even the episode? I, I basically it's these are I, I'm going to insert like timestamps for things to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward past. Right. Yeah. From three forty five <laughs> to four fifty nine is when we talk about something incoherent. So just fast forward through that. And then we'll get to the good shit, because I have no... Cassis. Cassis! Cassis, everybody. Does that sound like a uh, young female pop star name? Well, it's close to Kesha, yeah, so it's hard to not... Now coming to the... your brain goes that. Yeah. (laughs) Next up... Or it sounds like a stripper, right? Next on the stage is Cassis. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't blink at that announcement. You know, and she's uh, riding the pole, you know. All right. <laughs> As strippers are want to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, when are they going to start doing something different? Is it always is it always just a pole, Jake? Everywhere you go? <laughs> I mean, isn't that... I, I, think isn't it's that a, I think it's a space thing, right? Like, they can... The pole doesn't take up much space. It's, they can do all this stuff on this pole and have multiple of them. But it's it's a little dated. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just a... It's a and how did that start? Who started that with the pole? We're like, I don't know. Did somebody have? Did somebody get a little weird and kinky at like a uh, like a like a firehouse or something one day? Ha! You know where these would go great? Yeah, <laughs> a, da- a naked dance club. Fireman, yeah. 
firemen were sliding up no. and down that thing, and they were like, "Yeah, women should they be." Need to go for the glory and do like uneven parallel bars or something. Like that's where it really needs to get. Oh, wild. now that now that is interesting. <laughs> that's that exactly is right. Yeah, naked gymnastics. That pole, is, that pole is like you know boring, but you know parallel bars. <laughs> that's a whole level. Exactly. Oh man, yeah. See, that's the thing. Then we're competing with the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> And the Russians are dopey again, and it's jeez. Uh, and it's instead of instead of scoring them with, uh, you know, like the cards, you know, throwing up the tens <laughs> and the whatever, we just give them singles, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The German judge gives them four wadded up one dollar bills. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, do we go, like, full Olympics and, like, we have commentators, too, and it's, like, joining us now is Kessis, and Kessis is just coming off a terrible pelvic injury. Let's see oh how she God. does. Like, do you think we're going to get, like, that kind of stuff? Sorry, everybody has to be silent spotlight. Goes yeah, on. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, Kessis is just there. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Okay, we got a lot of chattering going on at the same time. I don't even know what the fuck you guys are saying. I feel like I'm at the club right now. It's ridiculous. Anyway, it, it's and then they play like shitty music too. Like here's Godsmack, and then you got I don't know. Moving on. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Let's jump into. Oh, real quick, a quick reminder: uh, Brute Force and Ignorance, the D and D podcast that was on the Leftover Army feed. I still think it's there, but they do have their own uh, RSS feed, so they have their own uh, iTunes. Uh, link right now. So you guys can, if you want to subscribe to them, I put their RSS feed in our show notes as well. So you can click on that through iTunes or through any device, really, I believe, and it should set you up with being able to listen to those episodes and that way you'll be subscribed. But let's move in. I want to move into our Captain Marvel trailer. You guys ready to do that? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start off talking about this Captain Marvel trailer. This trailer, it starts off uh, with an extended scene of the subway fight with the old lady that we saw Captain Marvel punch in the first teaser trailer. And uh, we then hear Nick Fury say, so scrolls are the bad guys and you're a Kree, a race of noble warriors. Carol responds, heroes, noble warrior heroes. And then we get a... Uh, did you, I don't know. Did you guys want to rate this one first before we actually break it down? I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. too. Yeah, let's rate it up. Yeah, I should have asked that first. Um, yeah, let's see here. I tell you what, we'll start with uh, Rebecca. We'll start with you. What did you think about this one? And should we um, should we hit our bumper real quick? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play our rating system. I am all out of sorts. This Kess has fucked me up. <laughs> You're in the fucking Kess's zone. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, so toss it, taste it, Tupperware. Rebecca, what'd you think? So I, I like this trailer a whole lot. I, I actually liked the first one a little bit more than this trailer. Um, 
I, that's not to say I hated this trailer in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to give this trailer a high taste. It. I'm still super excited for the movie. Um, a lot more, of course, was revealed in this trailer. Um, some of the effects looked a little off to me. I mean, not like, you know, Black Panther final battle off, but like a little bit off, like not quite as sharp as I would like it to be. Um, but I still enjoyed the heck out of this trailer. Um, and yeah, I, I'm going to give it a high taste. It. All right. Yeah. Jake. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give this a Tupperware. The art of the Marvel trailer has just in the last like year and a half, two years has just impressed me so much. It's just leaps and bounds over other blockbuster movie trailers right now. And man, I loved it. I know a lot of people complain that it's kind of just an extended version of the first trailer. But for me, as as a trailer, I really appreciate that. Just keep the mystery. Keep not showing me too much more. I don't want all new footage here. And I thought the new stuff we saw was really exciting. I, I thought this trailer like hit all the marks for getting me more excited for this movie. And I absolutely loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. The Jude Law stuff is still really undercover. I think they're doing a great job promoting this movie. And I hope that there's one more trailer. It's still, you know, very under the blanket and not really spilling everything that's going on here. So I thought this was fantastic. It did its job perfectly for me. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, we'll save our uh, Captain Marvel, uh, <laughs> you know, fangirl uh, last. So I, I, um, I'm going to give this a taste it with Tupperware moments. I there, it's. Uh, I'm still thinking this is going to be a fantastic movie. I mean, Marvel has proven time and time and time again. Uh, and I'm not even going to say like, oh, Avengers Endgame came out and like other trailers came out this week that overshadowed it. it that none of that. That's just that's all side stuff. I'm focusing on this trailer. I uh, It gave me enough to really want to kind of talk about and break down. Um, but overall, it's a taste it for me with Tupperware moments. There was couple moments in this one that just like, I was just kind of like, yeah, this is what I fucking came here for. This is what I fucking came here for. So I, I, my biggest problems with this is I'm is the Ben Mendelsohn stuff. Uh, he's the, you know, he's the scroll here in this. He's the villain. And I'm really kind of not impressed by what I've seen here. And I know that I don't know because I haven't seen the movie, but that's all I have to base it on. I'm just worried about him being another kind of like uh, Malekith from Dor- Thor the Dark World because I've seen nothing different so far. So, and I know that a lot of the Marvel trailers are that way. We are all still kind of worried about how Thanos was going to be when we went into Affinity War. And I think for the most part, the majority of people love the way that we saw the portrayal of that character in Infinity War. But overall, like I said, taste it. And it does have Tupperware moments. So that's, that's my rating. What did you think, Ashley? Oh, right on. Um, so I honestly, uh, when it comes to this stuff with Carol, because she is my number one, my, uh, my like titular character. It is honestly sometimes hard for me to watch this stuff because my bar is set so high and I have such high expectations for this thing that I love so much. Um, that can be really, really difficult. And the first trailer, like kind of like Rebecca said, like I really liked it. Um, I think I gave it a high taste on here. Um, I really, really liked it. There were really great moments, but there was, there were pieces missing for me. So, I was a little anxious coming into this trailer as much as I was excited. Um, but with that being said, um, 
I fucking Tupperware this shit. I Tupperware this and Taylor so hard because for me as a fan, this was two minutes of complete body goosebumps and complete uh, just it took me to that place. And the reason I say that is because the first trailer, I missed some of Carol in it. And granted, this this doesn't really even give us much, right? Like, uh, in Jake referenced it too. They're pretty still pretty mysterious with, with Carol. She doesn't have a lot of um, the scenes that she has, are one or two sentences back and forth, and that's it. She doesn't even get like a full scene. You're not really seeing her. Um, but what I did get, you know, in that that moment um, that you referenced, where she's in the car with Fury and she's like heroes, noble warrior heroes, and you get that smirk at the end of like, I'm proud of this, and yeah, this is what I do. I'm a hero. Um, I don't know, man. I guess it's 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 with that and what I know of Brie Larson. So a lot of people reference Room, and that was a beautiful movie and really powerful, um, but not necessarily you're something you got to watch all the time. But my a lot of my experience I have with Brie Larson is actually from a show called United States of Terra. I don't know if any of y'all have seen it. Um, but yeah, on that there was a lot of drama, but there was a lot of comedy, and she was. Uh, she was so complex and interesting on that show. And I know that she's going to bring that to this character. So I think for me, the reason why I give it a Tupperware is because it, it, it fulfilled that last piece of like, I know that this movie is going to be kick ass. And I know that Carol is going to come to life and she's not going to be this kind of, I've seen people reference her as wooden and all these other things in the trailer. And I think I, I saw enough to know that it's there and seeing her go binary and seeing her in that helmet and seeing her do all these really fucking amazing cool powerful things like just yeah make my skin crawl in the best way it's just fucking beautiful so yeah that's where i'm sitting very cool awesome yeah so we're kind of like all over the place with this one uh two tupperwares a high taste and a taste it for me um so yeah let's go ahead and we'll break this one down and we'll have discussions throughout the breakdown and, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I've, I've found myself having to kind of like as I break down these trailers throughout the week and I do my research and I and things like that, I sometimes I get a little bit more excited than I should. So I try to keep my emotions in check because it is it is it's it's a lot of fun piecing these uh, these trailers together. Um, but um, let's see here. We get a shot after the noble heroes quotes. We get a quick shot of Carol and the rest of Star Force, and they're walking towards a Kree ship. I want to mention that the Star Force members that we see here are uh, Jaiman Hansu's Koranth the Pursuer. We've got uh, Algenis Perez, Soto, Atlas, uh, Rune Tempty's Bronchar, and Gemma Chan's Minerva. And what we know about Minerva is that she's a Kree geneticist. And I think that I, there's going to be a lot of discussion about, I think, hopefully a lot of discussion about Minerva in this. When we break this down, I'm really confused about how Minerva's character and how Annette Benning's character kind of coexist in this movie. And I don't know if you guys have thought about that. I have theories. Yeah, okay, good. Because <laughs> it's driving me nuts, Ashley. It's driving me nuts. And I have theories as well. And we might even be on the same page. So after, the, after we get this shot, we see the Marvel banner. Then we see this crash of some sort. And it looks like it's on some, like, it looks like it's on dirt. But it kind of looks like a desert. But I saw some trees over on the left-hand side. So mm-hmm. I just think it's kind of like uh, it's an area, a patch of land that has no grass. Uh, we see then see Carol Danvers on her back with a nosebleed, 
And then there's this huge debate over whether her blood is green or blue. And I honestly don't know if we're getting trailer trickery here that we've seen in other Marvel films as of late that we might not be getting the final color here. I think we are getting a bl- I think it's blue and I'll talk about that. But I do think later mm-hmm. in the trailer we do get blue with hints of green. And I think that that might even tie into some of my theories. Ashley, are you under- Are you picking up what I'm putting <laughs> yes, down? I'm okay. here with you. I'm your uh, mind melting. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And I think this will all kind of like make sense as we kind of like break this down and talk about it. But I don't know if Marvel's trolling us with this but i do think that do you agree that that it looked blue in that first shot it's it's i i think it's blue and i think it's and then it's consistent right with like the blood going in her vein later and kind of with some of my other things so i firmly do think that it's it's blue and people are seeing it as a kind of a dark green and kind of like thinking it could be a green but i think if it was also green it would be very visibly green yeah. Like it wouldn't be like yeah. super, you know, I don't know, there is, you know if they were going to do that. When they inject her with the, bl- with the blood, it's blue. And then when she has the nosebleed, it's blue. But <laughs> later when she looks at it on her hand, it looks like there's a tint of green on the outside. But we'll, I'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. So because like since we learned that she's going to be part Cree, you know, she, she would have that blue blood. But the trailer, it <laughs> looks like there's a tint of green. So I, some are suspecting now that she's like part scroll, so maybe the Cree right. added, maybe the Cree added scroll, scroll DNA to her genetic engineering, or maybe it's both. So she might be like a, we might be looking at some combo action here, right? Well, but if they do scroll stuff, that means that she would get scroll powers? Question mark. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> and 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 the thing is, what she's already going to be super powered mm-hmm. as a Cree, and then you're going to also give her the ability to shape shift. You're going to also let her like what? Like that would be a, that would be almost too much. I feel. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. Uh, well. <laughs> I think it is a little too much. I don't want to see Captain Marvel start shapeshifting. Okay, I don't either. Yeah, <laughs> I really don't. You know, I wonder. To, yeah, but we like, don't know that. Ha- we don't know the chemistry of like ha- what happens when you mix the bloods. You know what I mean? We don't true. know. We don't Very know. Very true. So, um, we see her laying on the ground, and she's being approached by someone. And I think this is the event that leads to her gaining her Kree powers. And I'm not sure, but I, that's what I think. Hmm? With the explosion, yeah. right? Yeah, could be. Could well, be. Yeah, it looked very or- like an origin shot to me too, a little bit. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, we see her giving Cree blood, so as far as I know, that's how she's going to get powers. I don't, you know, I don't know anything besides that. Um, we do see some other shots in the trailer that we'll talk about that could be activation or something. But we see her injected with what looks like to me blue blood, uh, and then we see like this blue electrical energy that surrounds her body. So maybe I don't know. Is this is does something else unlock her binary powers later? Or or basically like okay. I think this my is all pre, it's all pre-training stuff, right? This is like this yeah. is like when they my, find my theory for this is that like she somehow gets caught up in this explosion, which is almost like akin maybe to a radiation, but like a Cree radiation. So it basically makes her like unstable and not okay. And then if you look at that shot where she's kind of on the ground, somebody walks up and it looks like it's um, Jude Law, at least. He kind of has a, the green uniform. And so it's I think he kind of it's a different, takes her in this. I think, it's a, I think it's a different uniform. I think that Ooh. I do. I think I don't think that that is Jude Law. Okay. okay. I, think, mm. I, was thinking, I was thinking it might be Annette Banning's character. 
And I think, but I don't know. I don't think it's Jude Law. It's not his costume. It's not. I don't think it's his costume. Yeah, I don't. I don't know which one has the like weapon on that left side where they show like the kind of hip. I think and he has like some kind of weapon yeah, there. Yeah. It, it, so. And and so I think basically what happens is she kind of gets like unstable, and then the Kree take her, and then they infuse it, infuse the blood, and they kind of stabilize her in mm-hmm. a way. And by doing that, they kind. I mean. She's basically like a human test subject at that point. They don't care if she dies. And maybe they have this experimental technology that they wanted to try to kind of make their own version of a super soldier. And so she gets all these powers and they're trying to train her. But maybe they mentally kind of put a lock on her ability to go like super cyan, you know, like going all binary. So and then she eventually like is able to tap into it and then unlock her for a follower. And then who knows what happens. But that's kind of like part of my theory i've got i've got different stuff that i'll bring up and i kind of like want to hear what your thoughts are um we we do hear annette benning's character say to her your life began the day it nearly ended we found you with no memory we made you one of us so you could live longer stronger superior you were reborn first off annette benning has been rumored to these are rumors she's been rumored to play her mother in this film we don't know if that's true that is just a rumor the only thing that we do know is that thr has said that she's a scientist of some sort and that's all we really know at this point so she might be a cree she could be a scroll we don't know some are saying that she's actually supreme intelligence the leader of the cree, um, uh, the leader of the cree empire um some are saying that she's actually a gender swapped marvel and she's the that- one that's what I've heard as well. That mm. uh, that she is actually Marvel, and they've just they they've done that that flip, right? And made made Marvel a woman, right? That that she's the one that finds Carol in the beginning of the trailer. But interesting, we, we don't know. Hmm. I definitely don't want her to be her mother. That I, I I really really don't want her to be an alien and then get these like this stuff. I want her to be a human who kind of intercepts it in an accident and then chooses to be a hero. That makes me feel so... Yeah. Yeah, there's no real twist with the mother thing. I like the the gender swap because it, it, it would come as a twist to the viewer, totally. too. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think that when... Okay, let's say that it is Annette Benning's character that finds her. She is some sort of... I don't know if they're replaced... If, if she's a gender swap Marvel, but instead of her training... Carol, she basically she's the one that kind of like does some of this uh, genetic uh, altering to mm-hmm. her chemistry. But in order for her to get trained for Star Force, she gets trained under Star Force Commander is what we're going to call him right now, which is Jude Law's character. And the only reason we're calling him that is because we don't know <laughs> if he, we don't know who he is. We don't know if he's if he is Captain Marvel or, or uh, Marvel or if he is Jan Rog. We or we don't know. For all I know, he could be a scroll. Um, I actually think that there there might be a couple members of of Star Force that have been infiltrated by scrolls. But I, I, but I'm not sure at this point. It's all, it's all speculation, and uh, maybe that makes a lot of sense. Kree scroll, you know, against each other is legendary, so it's mm-hmm. obviously going to happen to some extent. Well, here's here's a little bit of my theory that I'm going to throw out there, and we're going to unpack it as I as we go on a little bit more. Uh, we're going to unpack all these theories, but here's a little bit of my theory: is that 
you know, I, I, I think that we've got Annette Bening's character here, whoever she is. She's the one who's kind of doing these experiments to keep Carol alive. Maybe she feels like Carol can be uh, something to help them kind of like win this war. And so she does the Cree experiments with the blood and keeping her alive. On the flip side, she also might think that the best way to go about doing this is to, you know, that big chamber, that Cree chamber that we see later on Mm -hmm. in the trailer Mm -hmm. um, with all the lights and that looks like uh, electronics kind of moving around. Um, A lot of people are saying that that's the MCU's version of Supreme Intelligence. And so that is probably, I'm guessing that might be what they do to remove and kind of like manipulate her memories in that chamber. And so we do see a shot of her upside down in this trailer and in the previous trailer. Mm -hmm. And the machine is sending some kind of like energy waves and it looks like it's like electricity going straight to her head. This Mm -hmm. might be Kree Supreme Intelligence in the MCU wiping her memory clean. And we don't know how long they have to do this, if they have to do this all the time or if this is just like a one-time thing. But um, I think... What's wild uh is like if you... Okay, so they show that scene, right, in the first trailer. And when they show it, it's just her upside down in kind of a wide angle and nothing is around her. And I've been rewatching the second trailer and what's fascinating is like later on when they show it, it looks like there's a scroll... On the left-hand side. And mm. this uh, convention that just happened in uh, Brazil, mm-hmm. CCXP, I think it's called. Yeah, CCXP. Have you re- did you uh, have you read the stuff on the the scene that they showed? Yeah, I'm. I've got okay, that. Okay. I've got yeah. that in my notes and ready to go. So we, perfect. Yeah. And I won't go into it. I'll wait for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, go ahead. Well. This is what I'm trying to figure out, and I don't know who does what and who does why, but I think that there's a lot of experimenting going on with Carol, and I think, like, Annette Bening's character is doing what she can, and she's actually doing some good things with with Carol. But on the flip side, I do think that that's why they introduced Gemma Chan as Minerva, as she's also, uh, as we know in the comic books, she's a, a scientist, a geneticist. And I think that maybe her and Mar- uh, Jude Law's character are working together and doing some side experiments that maybe not everybody uh-huh. else is privy to. And they might even be scroll experiments. They might be scrolls that we're dealing with in this universe. So I- I'm not sure. And are they going to be mixing her blood with scroll blood? Possibly. I don't know. But I don't know if, this cre- if, they're going- if they are going to Supreme Intelligence and doing this memory wipe. With Carol, if it's if it's Jude Law's character, if this is something that Annette Benning was Annette Benning in that scene with the chamber? Not that I saw it. when they showed it in the second one, um, at least in the trailer itself, it's a lot more it's closed in a lot more. Yeah. So you really only see a flash of the purple uniform and his green face. And um, it's, it, but it doesn't it also doesn't give you the, the vibe that it's in that like Matrix Supreme Intelligence room either. Right. It looks like it's more in like a darker like. I don't know, deep <laughs> science dungeon or something. Yeah. Some kind. I think, I think Annette Benning's character is doing some good things with her, but she can't do the training. She's not doing the training. Ah, and that's, okay. that's all star force. And you've got star force commander, which is Jude law. And I think when he gets her alone, I think that he's on the side. I think him and maybe Minerva are doing some experimentation themselves and trying to use her for like, I th- because I do think that that Jude Law's character is the one that's going to influence 
Ronan the Accuser to be the Ronan the Accuser that we know from mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy that is this radical Kree. Right. That would make a lot of sense. I didn't think about that. So, yeah, I think that there's – I think – I don't think that – with him, with him being the leader of Star Force and Ronan the Accuser being in this universe, I think that, yeah, that's what I think. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think Jude Law's character is going to be a good character, and I think there's a good chance with, with uh, Gemma Chan playing Minerva as this geneticist mm-hmm. that she might be doing some bad experimentation with Carol on the side. And they're basically maybe going out and like testing her abilities and doing these quote-unquote hero things when they're basically just doing field tests with her yeah yeah very true Whoa. yeah minerva's always been portrayed as an evil character in the comics too aren't right. all of them evil like aren't all of them bad guys at that point because korath is not great either <laughs> yeah i mean in the beginning is yeah, yeah. when the career introduced they're definitely not really good characters at all no we get our so, but- oh go ahead I was just saying, Minerva, they use a lot during Galactic Storm and that Mm storyline, and she's pretty much a bad guy in any storyline I've ever read with her in it. Yeah, like, what if if Carol at this point has kind of got that, like, um, what is it called, when, like, your kidnappers kidnap you and then you start, like, loving them? Stockholm (laughs) Syndrome. Yes, like, what if she kind of has that with them, where they kind of feed her these false memories and they kind of tell her that what they're doing is right, but all of them are actually doing not great work. And kind of working towards an evil motive. Oh, it sounds like it sounds like the cosmic version of Room. <laughs> oh no! Hurry, <laughs> get out of there! <laughs> yeah, kind of does. Yeah. We also get our first shot here in the trailer of uh, Carol in the Mohawk helmet, and it's mm-hmm. she's in her Star Force uniform now. This is the yes, yeah. So it, we we're not seeing we're seeing her in the Star Force Cree green. But later on in the chair, we'll talk about that. We do see her in the full-fledged um, Captain Marvel colors. But here's our, here's our first shot of what I would say is many <laughs> shots of her in the Mohawk helmet in this trailer. So I thought it was awesome. And, I love this part. This part gave me chills. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Same. Yeah, same here. Yeah. It's, Exciting to know the Mohawk stuff isn't just going to be like a you know 10-second fan service moment and that it does from this trailer seem like it's going to get some time on the screen. One of the things that I wanted to see more of in this, though, was just like for me, I wanted to see more of like the Nick Fury, uh, Carol Danvers road trip. And like those same. Two, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got all the. I'll be honest with you. Those Tupperware moments that I'm talking about. It's this. It's it's the uh, of course her picking herself back up again, doing the Chumbawamba. Mm-hmm. You know that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> but it's also the stuff at the end where she's flying around and she's going binary. Yeah. That's that's the Tupperware moments for me. But I think a lot of this kind of rests on like the buddy cop fucking relationship between mm-hmm. her and Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury. And we get, and I think the thing is that what they're wanting to do is they want to keep it close to the vest here because they know we're dealing with a different Nick Fury. It's kind of like his origin story too, is what Brie Larson said mm-hmm. at CCXP. Like we're also getting like the origin story of Nick Fury here, and I think they're wanting to keep a lot of that close to the chest because he's not going to be the Nick Fury that we know, the the snarky, you know, cocky, confident Nick Fury that we know, like. This is kind of like, you know, it's almost like if he's on the police force, he's like a beat cop. He's not a detective yet. Right. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. So. 
my excitement levels through the roof. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Marvel does that kind of stuff so well too. Like the, the buddy drama between like Carol and Nick, like you're talking about, like I do imagine that that's going to be some of the most fun, like interplay in the movie between characters. And yeah, I'm really excited for that stuff. Well, yeah, they steal a fucking Quinjet later. <laughs> well, yeah. it's also, it's also kind of cool too, because it's, I mean, he even said it in the first trailer, right? Like, you know, basically my whole life changed and then she showed up, I was going to walk out the door and maybe this is kind of hit the unveiling for him. So they're kind of growing and learning these things together. So yeah. it really bonds them in that way yeah. because they're both kind of seeing the underpinnings of the beginnings of like shield and what's going on and these scroll things. And like Whatever they, whatever they're doing here, they're starting it. Like they're, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like they're, mm-hmm. they're, mm-hmm. they're, the, they're the cornerstones of what shield's going to be. So uh, it's cool. As many movies as we've seen Samuel L. play this character, too, it really feels like this is might be the most like inside look that we get at this character mm-hmm. and maybe the most screen time that he's ever gotten yet in a Marvel movie. Oh, yeah, and he's going to be 100% uh, de-aged throughout this entire film, which is incredible. Uh, we get scenes of Carol and Nick doing investigations, and these are not being done under S.H.I.E.L.D.'s approval. We see the two... Uh, taking over an aircraft, uh, I think it's a. I think it's an earlier version of a Quinjet. Did you guys notice it had the mm-hmm. Project Pegasus logo on it? Yes, I did not notice that actually. I, I didn't see that. Yeah, so this is like, like this is not. This is that same facility that's out there in the desert that we saw for Thor, correct? Mm-hmm. And and where and where they do the test for the Tesseract? Yeah, it's Avengers. all exactly. This is like this is like that same facility where they, you know, uh, was that 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 was the same facility where Hawkeye was guarding Thor's mm-hmm. hammer, Mjolnir, correct? This is all happening out there, right? Yeah, that's what it seems like to me. Yeah. So, yeah, so Project Pegasus has been around for a while, it looks like, because whatever ship they're taking over here, whatever aircraft they they got, it has the Project Pegasus logo on it. And um, the cat is there also. Yeah. yeah Interestingly well, enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that this is, yes, fuck mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah, I didn't even think about that. Oh right. my the cat the cat is strategically in the place where all this is happening. Yeah. Fuck yeah, this is some fucking X-Files shit. <laughs> <laughs> um and so even though uh we got Carol she she's without her memory uh of her past, she's got these these few muddled flashbacks and um she knows how to fly this thing. That it's no problem. She's been a pilot. She's probably been pl- flying for Star Force. This is nothing for her so she's she's flying this aircraft we see ben mendelson's scroll villain uh probably it looks like he's most likely attacking carol after she had her cosmic uh uh accident that turned her part cree um he's not um oh shit yeah this is where i'm this is might be the confusion it's not him that shows up uh after her first uh when they uh when she first crashes so it's not him. So at the beginning, that could be Jude Law. Well, the the reason why I think it is too is because there's a shot later on that, that it's kind of a it's from an, an aerial shot and uh-huh. it's right above the explosion where it's about to happen and it's kind of in this like it looks like Colorado <laughs> like it's got this kind of opening but it has these big pine trees and mm-hmm. stuff and then there's that shot later of Jude Law walking up and then he's on in all these pine trees. Yeah, I bet you're and so right. So I'm like he so he had to have showed up. Jude Law's there at some point. I don't yeah. know when. 
but he's there at some yeah, point. Yeah, I think he's definitely out in the field. So, yeah, it doesn't I, – I was thinking I, – I don't know why I got that confused, but you're, I think you're 100% right here because I think, like, he's the one that's out in the field. Annette Benning's character, she's part of, like, this Cree science group or something. You know what I mean? She's, like, probably, like, the head of their science yeah. program. She's, like, basically, like, their – Exactly. Sh- like, their Shuri. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. So then, no, yeah, I, I agree. But it's not Ben Mendelsohn's scroll character that visits her first. Um, but we get tons of flashes of her past. We see her riding as a child in go-karts. Uh, we see her later on being a member of the Air Force. Um, all stuff that, you know, that she did before uh, she had her memory wiped. And so she says to Fury, I, ha- I keep having these memories. Something in my past is the key to all of this. Um, what is it? What, what, is that, what is that one thing that we're missing here? That's going to be the thing when we watch this movie that they're going to kind of reveal to us. And, like, of course, like, everybody's thinking, uh, oh, Annette Benning's her mother or so. You know what I mean? And it's, mm-hmm. and, but it makes – I mean, guys, think about how many Marvels, Marvel movies that we've seen where the parents have been a big deal in these films. Uh, Black Panther, Thor. Uh, Guardians. Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've all had like connections with the parents here, and so that's why a lot of people are thinking that. Um, any- Tony Stark. Tony Stark, <laughs> exactly. And Winter Soldier. So yeah, and, yeah, yeah. They don't really get into Cap's past, which he's got a dark past. If you read the comics, mm-hmm. his father was an alcoholic. So um, it looks like they go to Shield for answers about her past in this trailer. We see. Uh, because at the end of this, we see her, they, they steal that aircraft and they take off. But, um, you know, Carol tells Fury, um, which leads them on a merry chase through the classified files, uh, and restricted shield areas. So basically she's looking through these photographs and, um, we see Carol's melted dog tag and (laughs) then, um, I have a comment on the dog tag too. Yeah, is it about the <laughs> is it about the Funko Pop? Yes, and absolutely. The star- yeah, yeah. No, I mean you can go ahead and talk about that. That's fine. Oh, uh, so when we see the dog tag, it's kind of broken off or melted off or whatever, and it's it says Carol Dan. Yeah. And then in the Funko Pop, when she's in that green suit, it shows her as Verz. So I think when they find her, the only thing she has is that other half of that dog tag. It says Burrs, so then she just assumes that that's the closest thing she has to her name. So yeah, that's why they start calling her that. She find yeah. yeah, exactly. They call her Verz. That's her Star Force name, and yeah. so yeah, because that's the name of the Funko Pop. Which is, I, I think, I'm loving how they're doing the toys with this and not oh, giving stuff away. But um, she finds that other half, the original half, to to, to complete her name. She finds right. that I, th- I think she finds that in her old house. I don't. That's not. That's not at S.H.I.E.L.D. She's looking at, like, the photographs of her in the Air Force <laughs> and stuff like that. That's what she's looking at at S.H.I.E.L.D. I think, like, from S.H.I.E.L.D., she probably gets the address of her uh, of her home and she gets more answers there. It's like an Easter egg hunt, you know? One place will totally. lead you. Yeah, it'll lead you to another place. And I think that's where, like, kind of like this road trip with Nick Fury leads. I think, like, when we see them in the car together, that's probably on their way to this facility. And then once they get mm-hmm. to the facility, they're like... Well, we got we got to make we got to make some time here. So like like let's steal this fucking Pegasus aircraft. Yeah. And How do you think be, this? Oh, sorry. 
Oh, no, it's okay. Uh, I was just going to say it'd be really cool, too, as part of that journey. It's like she finds Maria Rambeau, and she's like, do you know who I am? What can yes. you tell me about me? You know, and that starts to unlock those pieces. Yeah, exactly, because she's going to be able to talk to somebody that was kind of – that was very important in her life. Do you mm-hmm. think that she'll talk to her mother at any point? I feel like they're not going to touch on her family. They're just going to touch on her no, I mean, I mean, uh, recent history. I mean Rambeau. Oh, oh no! That's totally yes. Like that's going to be um, Monica going forward, right? Like the, her her daughter that they reference, or that yeah. she's a single mom. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the best lead. And then it, it's so sweet, right? Because her call name and call sign is Photon. So then Monica grows up, and she's like, "I'm going to use my mom's name." Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's beautiful lineage. But we're talking beautiful. about that. That's like sequel stuff, right? That's yeah, like totally. we're talking. Yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah, down the line. Yeah. yeah, they're setting it up though, which is awesome. So, yeah. Um, back to the trailer here. We get Jude Law's character, who we don't know who he is yet, but the. Um, he says, you've come a long way, but you're not as strong as you think. So this is like most likely during her Star Force training. Is he trying to just keep her down? Does he, he, I think he knows just how powerful she could possibly be. I don't think they know the full extent, but I think they have an idea. Oh, totally. I feel like that's very villainy. Yeah. (laughs) Like you're a bad guy. (laughs) Yeah, they're like scared of it a little bit behind the scenes, I'm sure, too, right? Of the potential of the power, obviously, too. Well, yeah, he's saying you're not as strong as you think. And part of that is like going back to that, you, I guess you could say that Stockholm Syndrome, where it's kind of like they're tr- wanting to keep her in check. They don't want her to totally. ever get to the point where she gets so angry uh, and basically gets to the point where she starts to overpower them because they want to keep her in check. They want to keep her as like their little secret weapon. Um, in the, uh, second to last scene of the trailer, we get Carol going full binary and she says, I'm not going to fight your war. I'm going to end it. So we finally see her in the red, blue, and gold suit with the full mohawk. Mm-hmm. Earlier we saw her in the Star Force screen, and now she's flying through space. She's not in a ship. She is just blasting down ships left and right, showing off her, uh, her true power. She's, she, she's flying. She's maneuvering. I think the Carol that we saw earlier in this movie, and she's talking about, she's so proud. She's talking about being a a noble Cree warrior. I think she's finally realized that she's been lied to and is now Mm -hmm. going to war with both the Cree and the Skrulls. And that's why she says, I'm not going to fight your war, basically talking about the Crees. I'm not going to fight your war. I'm going to end it, meaning she's going to end it for both sides, I feel like. She's just going to go hard as a motherfucker on everybody here. Yeah, totally. Uh, when, when she's saying when she's saying that scene, actually, too, if you look in the background, it looks like she's in that Matrix kind of Cree central intelligence or whatever oh, it is. Supreme um, intelligence. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Supreme intelligence. Um, it looks like she's in that room. So, right. So I think you're I think you're right on it with that. I think she finally realizes that neither one of them are good and they've been using her this whole time. And um, and weirdly enough, those that line and that kind of sentiment is very, very like symbolistic compared to Wonder Woman. Same kind of thing. The whole movie was about her fighting, ending a war and love. And I'm not going to do this for you. I'm going to end it with all this stuff. So that was giving me all these. Yeah. Is this is this what basically is this 
Is she the reason that they kind of signed this bullshit treaty that we found out about in Guardians of the Galaxy where they, they – you know what I mean? Where like mm-hmm. you, you do have Ronan mm. – you do have Ronan who's kind of like the radical. Was she the catalyst for that? Was she the catalyst? Was she the – did she – was she Superman in Superman 4, A Quest for Peace where she says, I'm getting rid of the nuclear weapons – and you know, we all have to make up. Yeah, was she? I mean, is this all going to tie in? I want to know if Carol's the catalyst for all this because that, we, that would be a fun tie-in. Not for nothing, that would be really fun to tie that into Guardians. Yeah, it's basically it's like you know, me and my sister as children in the back seat, and I'm you know, I'm I'm, I'm uh, blowing bubble gum in her hair, and she's kicking my seat, and then mom yells at us and says, stop it, and we stop it, but on the flip side, we're <laughs> sitting there, and we're glaring at each other, and we hate each other in that moment. This is exactly what's on a larger scale, a much larger scale, is what we see in Guardians of the Galaxy, is basically, you have the Kree and uh, the scrolls uh, that have kind of like... Uh, signed this treaty but on the flip side it's like neither one of them respect the other and and with this movie it seems too they stayed around right because i think what if the scrolls stayed on earth even though they they basically broke the treaty and i know that it's the the catalyst (laughs) i know that the treaty in um guardians was with the zandarians and everything but i think it all kind of like i think it has to do with all the races of different aliens at the end of the day. Carol could be the catalyst for like the changes that were made out in the cosmic universes. And now, now that she's tackled that, she's gone off and she's gone into deeper, deeper space. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just making shit up. Am I crazy? Am I nuts here? No, I mean, that makes sense that they're going to like definitely do stuff like to connect the dots with the movies like that. Like why include yeah. characters like Fury, Coulson, Ronan, if you're not going to, you know, connect the dots and like do foreshadowing, you know, of mm-hmm. things that you know are going to happen, it's really easy to write foreshadowing when you know the future events. So that stuff is definitely going to happen and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, we get Fury petting uh, the cat. It's the cat is not Chewy from the comic books. It's named Goose. So probably we've all speculated it's Goose after uh, after Top Gun. Um, so um, <laughs> that's fun. The <laughs> The Funko Pop toy kind of con- – was it – yeah, I think it was it was the toys that confirmed the name. Mm-hmm. and uh, But it is also confirmed that the cat is a flurkin. So it is the alien cat. So, totally. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so um, that's basically our trailer. We got Nick Fury petting the cat at the end there and hopefully the cat will – I don't know. We'll get to see a bunch of pink tentacles come out of that thing <laughs> and hopefully get to see it lay some eggs and, and do well, some fun it, stuff here. And it kind of makes sense, too. It's interesting because it doesn't have something to do with time, like time dimensions. Like, yeah. what if the what if they're actually looking for this creature? Yeah. And they, she and she and that's the something they want to know is because she knows where the cat is. Or oh, my God. Did. You just described men, you very, described very men in black. black. Thank you. Yeah. It's men in black is what it is. <laughs> Because, like, the cat had that universe around its neck. So, but, yeah, they have um, the Flurkins. This, it has a, a pocket dimension inside their mouth. So they can, they can actually, you can do dimensional travel through, through, through a Flurkin. 
Or the cat is he unlocks he unlocks Infinity War and unlocks Avengers Four. Well, some people <laughs> some people are saying that they, that's where Captain Marvel's <laughs> been for the last in twenty the- plus years is you know this pocket dimension. So we'll find out. But yeah, I have uh, the uh, MCU Exchange talked about uh, the. Uh, Captain Marvel footage that uh, was uh, released at CCXP in Brazil, and they said, according to their writer, Tiago Feebane, uh, they were treated to a clip of a scene from the trailer where Carol is hung upside down and trapped in some probing device by the scrolls in Ben Mendelsohn's Talos. Talos describes Carol's mind having everything they need, indicating some secrets they're dying to get their hands on. Carol breaks free from the probing device, but it is restricted from using her powers thanks to a nullifying device. So she screams at the scroll saying she'll do it old school and proceeds to beat them up with ease. She then manages to destroy the nullifying device and blows a hole in their ship, blasting the remaining scrolls away to space. The clip ends with her riding an escape pod. Uh, Tiago says this clip transitions into a brand new sizzle reel which showed a heck of a lot more good stuff than this week's trailer. Annette Benning's mysterious character describes Carol being reborn in, reborn in Hala. Uh, that's, I mean, that's got to be part of that blood transfusion. That's got to be, I mean, it, which they show a quick training scene with Carol and uh, Jude Law. Uh, it showed them walking in a training area where Law's character knocks her down. Carol lights up her fist and he tells her she needs to control her powers. Uh, they also finally revealed some actual shape shifting. At a very quick glance, Tiago described it as a smoother, more reptilian version of Mystique's transformation in the X Men films. But upon seeing the transformation a second time, it was described as several bits of human skin growing and they meet eventually to form an actual skin. He also compared it to the particle visual effect of the Reality Stone in Infinity War. Tiago loved it, so we're definitely optimistic about it. So, yeah, this, I don't know. Some of this stuff, I don't know if we're going to get to see all of it. Some of this stuff, I think that we will eventually get to see in the third third and final trailer, and some of it may be shown, some of it may be pulled back, but some of of it may be shown for TV spots. But we'll we'll find out. Sounds like they put a lot of thought into what it looks like for a scroll to transform. I, I can't wait to see that. And that's that's probably a sign that they're gonna there's gonna be a lot more stuff like that happening in the future, right? Mm-hmm. No, we're definitely I, I, not Yeah, I think so. We're definitely not done with scrolls and shape shifting. Yeah. It'll be really cool if cinematically they develop a way in Captain Marvel for to like nod and wink at the audience when we have scrolls in play without tipping the characters off, but the audience knowing there could be a lot of fun drama in mm. potentially this movie or future movies with the establishment of what it looks like for a uh, scroll to do its shape-shifting and, you know, what that entails. We're going to take a quick break here in just a moment, and we're going to come back and talk about the Avengers Endgame trailer. But I got a question for all of you, and I want to hear all of your answers. What trailer has given us more, Avengers Endgame or Captain Marvel trailer number two? I mean, what trailer has given us more info? Like, because honestly, 
I can't even decide. I feel like I am lost with both of these films, to be quite honest with you. You can go back and listen to the tale of the tape with me, Ashley, Jake, and Rebecca talking about the Captain Marvel trailer. We're all over the place. We don't know what the fuck is going on in this movie. We just, we, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I was just going to say, like, the one thing that really, like, is getting me is at what point does she go from the green suit to the red suit and why? Right. Where does Captain, where does Captain yeah. Marvel, uh, the name come from? All of these pieces, I'm like, I don't. It, how does she get this awesome red suit? Where does it come from? Yeah, how, how does the pacing work in this movie, guys? Is it, is it? It's not one through line, right? We're gonna get multiple flashbacks with one through line. Is that kind of what you're I, feeling? I think. I mean, Brian, didn't you report on an earlier episode that this was like not gonna be your typical origin story, as mm-hmm. I recall? Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's definitely we, we took that to mean that there could be like some back and forth. I, I, I don't know how the movie's going to – I think the movie's going to start with a big action set piece, and I think it's that action set piece that they were uh, – they teased. We've seen some set photos of where Star Force is trying to steal something, right, from I believe from maybe a scroll base, and then the scrolls uh, – and it might be that scene. Do you remember from the first trailer where they're underwater and they've got the mouth-breathing mm, devices? Yep. I think yep. that I think that they're kind of trying to pull off a mission here. And I'm not going to say they're trying to pull off like an Ocean's Eleven heist. I'm thinking <laughs> more of like a Tom Cruise Mission Impossible, we got our shit down kind of like uh, uh, mission where it's like very stealthy, very splinter cell. Uh, but in Star Force, you know, uh, cosmic world here, the the MCU, and I think that I think they're they, they, I think that the Carol that we're getting here is like a Carol that's been working with this Star Force team for quite some time. Because by the time she meets Nick Fury, she's she's very proud of what she is now. She's she mm-hmm. does feel like she's been reborn in Hala. She's like a noble Kree warrior. That's how she views herself. She's part of a team. She's part of this of this cause that she that she believes in. So totally, I I think that the movie's going to start off with that, and then something goes wrong, and the next thing you know, she's crashing through a goddamn blockbuster, and we got our movie. Mm. Yeah, I like that. The old Raiders school of thought where you start start with the action sequence. Very Star Wars-y too, especially with the kind of action sequence you're describing. So yeah. I guess the perfect way to bang off the movie. Yeah. Maybe the, the scroll takes whatever they're after, and so she, then she's on a chase after it. And it goes to Earth. She falls at the Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and, then, and then we see, like, she maybe she gets it, maybe she doesn't, but she crashes through that blockbuster roof. Well, yeah. don't yeah. miss – And then we, hey. we're, 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 we're back on Earth and <laughs> there's definitely kind of figure out her memories. Well, there's definitely a scroll that's chasing her because inside the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters – we do see human Ben Mendelssohn, who I think has infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. as a scroll, and they are doing an autopsy on a scroll. We saw that in the first trailer, correct? Yeah. So, yes. yeah, we've got our whole Area 51 scenario happening here at the beginning of this movie. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. I don't Did I even get your answers? <laughs> I asked the question. <laughs> but did, what do you think? What, what, who's being more cryptic? The, the Russos? Or uh, uh, who's our director for this one? Anna Bowden, Brian Fleck. Yeah, there we go. Who's being more cryptic? Captain Marvel directors or the Russos? I feel like so far it's the Russos. Mm. 
Yeah, I yeah, would agree with Jake. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think it's more the Russos being more cryptic. Yeah. Ah. I don't that think so. so. I'm going with I'm going with the Captain Marvel directors. I I already saw I already saw fucking Infinity War. At least I got a movie I can fucking mm. you know kind of like go with before this. Like Captain Marvel is just like we we're working we're working with little. You are blowing the fuck out of it. Can you mute? <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> no, I, I feel. Oh wow. Anyway, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm hanging out in a room with like Kevin Smith or something. Is it- <laughs> it, totally, both of those things at the same time. No. Um, let's take a break. I'm ridiculous. <laughs> let's take a break. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. All right. Hey, we are back, and we are going to be talking about the. New Avengers Endgame trailer. I don't know about you. I was hoping that this movie title was going to be uh, Avengers and the Fantabulous Emancipation of Corgan Meek. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I started a write-in campaign for that, but nobody helped me. So it's all your guys' fault. <laughs> nobody joined in. Rebecca started a uh, change.org. I did, and nobody signed it. <laughs> I think the hashtag was way too long, too. It, it, you know, in in retrospect, if the hashtag goes into like three lines on Twitter, it's probably too long. Let's let's jump. Lesson learned. Let's jump into the title. I know, Jake, you got to be hating it. Oh, I do hate it. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's stupid. It verifies that the stupid Doctor Strange line from the last movie was the dumbest part of the movie and it was just ham fisted advertisement for the next title. So yeah, I don't I don't like it. I wish they could have came up with something a little bit more original. I still love Avengers Forever to be honest with you. But I guess that kind of It seems more hopeful. You know, pers- it personifies that they're gonna win, I guess, and you don't yeah. want that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I I don't care anymore. I just I got the trailer, so that's all I really care about at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, it's not it's not that much hate, honestly. Um, it just I just don't like it. It just doesn't sound well or roll off my tongue well. But the actual meaning of it, I, I kind of do like that. Like I do like the finality of it. I do like the fear of what it could imply. Like it's it's not the worst thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're getting the movie a week early, April 26th. This happened with Infinity War, uh, so I'm not surprised by the move. Um, I also wanted to point out that Avengers Endgame, it's the most viewed trailer in history. 289 million views in 24 hours, so. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it beat, it broke records, people. So. Yeah, not surprised, right? (laughs) What was that? Oh, sorry, Jake. I was just saying I, the power of Marvel, right? Like, yeah, yeah not, not surprised. Just like what Ashley's saying, the power of Marvel. I, I think everyone kind of saw this coming. If you just said, do you think this is going to beat the trailer record? Pretty sure everyone would have said yes. All right. Before we kind of break down the trailer, I want to point out that it doesn't explicitly show us an indication of a time jump. We've always kind of talked about how uh, that we were going to be getting a time jump as far as our characters are concerned here. Uh, I'm not saying that the trailer doesn't give us proof of time travel. That is completely different, people. 
I'm talking about a time jump as far as like the characters starting out a decade later, which we've heard. You know, what evidence? Like, what evidence did we hear about that for a time jump for Avengers Four? There, we saw set photos where Tony is wearing a Shield uniform and he looks older. He's got more gray hair. Um, we saw the casting of an actor who's uh, an older Cassie Lang, about 16 years old. So about. I don't know, about a decade difference between the, uh, the, the, the two different actors playing that character. And then we had Gwyneth Paltrow say in a Marvel magazine, not necessarily an official Mar- Marvel magazine, but she did say in a Marvel magazine that 10 years had passed and Tony and Pepper had a kid. So are we going to see that stuff? I don't know. I'm not – possibly. Um, I think that there is something in this trailer that does show us I think there's a few things in this trailer that show us time travel, that show us time travel, that do show us later points in the, uh, in the Marvel Universe that I want to kind of talk about, or proof of time travel, uh, is what I should say. Um, but um, uh, This trailer kind of made me think that both things are happening, right? We're going yeah. to definitely have the future visions to time travel, but we're also going to pick up pretty close to where the left, last one left off, it looks like, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Same, Jake. I, I agree with you. It's. I was surprised that it, the way the trailer is set up. If if everything we saw is when we think it is, then yeah, it seems like we pick up almost right after Infinity War, and then there may be a time jump later. So let's jump into the trailer. We have uh, at the beginning of this trailer, we have Tony on a ship floating in space. Uh, this is not just any ship, though. This is. Uh, it looks like it looks a little different, but it is. I believe it's the Guardians of the Galaxy's second ship, not the Milano, but I think this is the Benatar. Hmm, I, yeah. I did not pick up on that. I I, I think you're right, Brian. I, th- I think it is their ship. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if did you guys see that picture of the of the you know the, we saw that 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 shot that scenic shot of the Benatar out in space and you got a good look at it from the outside. Did you, did you guys see that picture where somebody posted, um, the, the way that that ship looks and the bird, the swallow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you did see that. Yeah. It, I, it's, it's almost identical. Yeah. And they're talking about. I like, didn't see that, but that totally makes sense. It's how it's just the the wings are angled and like it's just like small and mighty. Yeah, I'm trying to. Th- oh, I'm trying to find that. Uh, I had a picture here of like what that means and what the swallow means. Maybe I can find that later because I'm not pulling it up right now. Ugh, yeah, I'm definitely. I'm not prepared. Is, is, it's like a metaphor, is what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, here it is. I found it. Yeah, it's uh, basically uh, symbolism here for uh, – looks like the, the bird, the swallow. The swallow tattoo is a symbol used historically by sailors to show off their sailing experience. Usually tattooed on the chest, hands, or neck, seeing swallows was a sign that their travels were nearing an end. So that uh, – if you look at the, the, the tattoo of a swallow or the shape of a swallow, that bird, and then the way the ship looks in that shot, they look nearly identical. So very cool. That's um, very cool. <laughs> so, do you think the symbolism is there that it means they're at the? We're at. I guess it is that we're at an end of a journey, huh? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, or that like his journey is about to end because he's about to get saved. Yeah, exactly. Or, or <laughs> and because that's he's, really on the nose. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we got we got we got Tony Stark. He looks weak. He looks tired. He starts to leave a message on his Iron Man helmet for Pepper. Uh, the rest of his suit's been destroyed. He says, "Hey, Miss Potts, if you find this recording, don't feel bad about this. Part of the journey is the end." Just for the record, being adrift in space with zero promise of rescue is more fun than it sounds. Food and ro- water run out in four days. Oxygen will run, out this, uh, will run out tomorrow morning, and that'll be it. When I drift off, I will dream about you. It's always you. So basically, he's preparing for the end. And, uh, you know, uh, we see that his arc reactor has power. It's powered up. But basically... Iron Man's still a human. He needs to eat, drink, and breathe. And so, like, basically for, like, for all the resources that Thanos promised, he's not off to a good start here because Tony's going <laughs> to possibly die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think he was only counting, like, like Turan, like actual, like, land, right? I, I know. I just be- find <laughs> the irony pretty hilarious, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is kind of just like that part in Iron Man, the first film where Tony could have died in that cave. Uh, I saw a really cool meme showing kind of both, both versions of that. I thought that was really cool. Like bookend symbolism too. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually posted that one on the Facebook page, which I thought it was pretty awesome as well. Um, We see the Marvel studios logo uh, get dusted by uh, Thanos probably dusts the logo here. Um, and uh, they are now calling the snap, Thanos' snap, the decimation. This was released in the tie-in novel Cosmic Quest Volume 2 Aftermath book. So it's now being called in the world, uh, people are calling it the decimation. Um, so... Before we move on, it's an interesting choice of words here that Tony uses. He says, zero promise of rescue. So we've seen that pic on Instagram of Gwyneth (laughs) Paltrow wearing what we think could be the Pepper Potts rescue armor. Could she show up with another suit for Tony out in outer space and save the day? Or is it all kind of misdirection? Part of me thinks like he got out of that cave He's going to find a way to get off this fucking ship and get back home. Well, let me ask you a question. Are we thinking, are we on the same page that this happens in the beginning of the movie? I don't know. I mean, I okay. I would imagine that everything that I've heard that we saw in this first trailer, Rebecca, every from every source that I've heard or sought out says this everything that we saw in this movie in this trailer was from the first quarter of the movie okay yeah so if that's the case because we talked about this on the supercast if this happens in the beginning of the movie there's very there's like a limited amount of people that could theoretically go into space and get him so it's like we're talking, does Captain Marvel show up this early in the movie to save him? Or is it Pepper Potts that shows up with her suit to save him? Or does because Thor, uh, does Thor have a way to get out there? Does Thor even know where he is? Um, 
I mean, it's like a limited number of people, so it just depends if they're going to bring Captain Marvel in at the beginning-ish of the movie, and it's her, but otherwise it could be Pepper Potts. That seems like a, a, a reasonable guess. I don't like either of them. I mean, I, 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 want, I he got out of the mm-hmm. cave. He got out of the cave. We saw her rescue him in Iron Man 3. I, 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 I mean, she came in there and did it there. I mean, I, he's lost in space. And he got out of that cave. I, I, I want to see Tony be able to do this himself. Just when you think that, okay. that, he's, that he's not going to get out of this. He, he's a brilliant mind. I want to see him get out of this on his own. It, it, it's anticlimactic for me if somebody just shows up in space and rescues him. It's not, it's, that's not exciting to me. Yeah, that's just like a old school serial, right? Where you just always know the next episode's going to pick up with the instant rescue, no matter how like death, you know, near death experience you are. So I kind of agree with that. I want to see Tony get get out of it, either with himself or potentially with people that might be with him too, right? Is there isn't there a chance that Nebula's around there somewhere? Nebula is in yeah. there. She is in she the is trailer, there. and we see her with Tony in the trailer, and we'll talk about that later, but. Here's the thing. It's like any brilliant mind in the Marvel Universe, whether it would be Bruce Banner up there, whether it would be Shuri, whether it would be Tony, I would want to see them kind of get out of this situation on their own. I I just find it very kind of like boring if Captain Marvel or Pepper Potts show <clears throat> up and we're here to save the day. Don't worry about anything, mm-hmm. Tony. Tony, you, you've learned nothing from this whole thing. You know, you've, mm-hmm. you, you haven't grown... And we've seen this guy grow as a character, but I think, like, even in this situation, there's still room for growth and, 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 and still room to kind of, like, show us that this character is still that same guy that got out of that cave. He can still do it now, even when, when things seem so dire and he's on his, he's what's on his last legs. I, I just I think it's very boring to just to have Captain Marvel or Pepper show up and say, oh, I got a suit for you. Let's go back to Earth. Okay, I, I hear that. Agreed. Yeah, and as much as I love Captain Marvel, I honestly don't want her to be that person, right? I, and but it, <laughs> it does kind of seem a little interesting in choice of words, and being that they put Endgame with Doctor Strange in the first one, maybe they are going for that very direct <laughs> kind of uh, foreshadowing of her him or her rescuing him, right, Pepper. With the rescue suit, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's also him too. Like, he's he was so desperate to try to save all of them, and then he failed again, and everyone is gone. You know, so he's at that level of, you know, does he just give up at that point? Like, because I yeah. can you can someone remind me how did they get to Titan? Was it was it was it strange that like portaled them there? No, no, they rode the ship. They got on the ship. The Q ship. Okay, okay, yeah. There was the, the Q. The, there was the Q ship. They boarded the Q ship. Spider Man boarded the Q ship, and him and Spider Man and Strange all went on the Q ship after they took out uh, 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 Ebony Maw. They took out. They killed the Okay. Maw. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't because I was like, maybe that's why they can't get back is because you know they went through the portal and they don't know the direction. But no, they rode the ship, so they should have some semblance of like kind of remembering how to get home. Well, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, all these ships on Titan though look like they Titan's destroyed. I mean, that's that's Thanos's old planet. Like, I don't True. think that there's anything on that planet that's functioning to be quite honest with you. <laughs> except for See, except for, you know, the the Guardian ship. So, 
I mean, but couldn't he? Couldn't he try to program that to like direction to back to Earth? Right? Yeah, that's he's on like, his unless way. Unless it's not working, he's on his way now. But they don't see. That's the thing. Oh, I see. I see. He's hold on. Let me explain. He's on his way now. They have one more day left of oxygen, and the trip takes four, I believe. Ah, uh, okay. So he's like, oh, we're on our way there, but guess what? I'm going to be dead before we get yeah, there. Yeah, when I okay. basically, okay. I'll, yeah, Pepper, I'll be on your doorstep in four days, but I'll be dead. <laughs> yeah, no. so <laughs> we we do see <laughs> we do see Nebula. She's on the ship at some point uh, because later in the trailer, she's the one that rubs Tony's back while he's sitting down. And we do see her in the trailer. We see her shadow, her silhouette. I've actually taken the screenshot and lightened mm-hmm. it up, and it, it's Nebula. Uh, it, it's the shot where we see Thor and he's sitting down and he looks sad. And then the, <laughs> then there's another shot with Nebula. With, with Nebula. The M&M the, shot. Yeah, those memes about the rap battle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's very accurate. He definitely looks like he's about ready to go eight mile it. Uh <laughs> That, but in the, in those shots, we we see Nebula, and she's on the ship, and it looks like the Guardian ship, and that's the same ship that Tony's on. So they are there together. I don't know if they're going to stay there together the whole time. Uh, I was thinking to myself, like, what what if uh, you know, what if the Ravagers come out there? But th- then again, th- that's still boring. I don't know. It's we'll see. Um, we then get this shot of what uh, we're calling. They're calling it Titan 2, I think, from the Russos. The Russos did a Q&A hosted by Collider, and they kind of clarified where Thanos is at the end of the Avengers Infinity War movie. At the end of the movie, I'm just telling this to our listeners here, at the end of the movie, he's on this countryside, he's looking over a field after the snap, and he grins. And here's what they said about where he's at. They said, we'd always just refer to whatever planet he's on as Titan 2. You know, and I think they probably just didn't put the two in there as he found a new home. So I don't think that they've ever called it like Titan two in the comics is I don't think that like that's a Starlin thing. But we do see some stuff happen here uh, with Thanos that's directly from the Starlet comic Infinity, uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's, It's the beginning of Infinity War, right, is what we're seeing here. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we see Thanos' armor and it's hanging up on a post on the countryside on Titan 2. And there's a lot to, it, it symbolizes a lot here, in my opinion. It symbolizes like Thanos, uh, you know, it's a symbol to Thanos that there's kind of like peace now because of him. And like, you don't need, he doesn't need to wear the armor, like the fighting is over. He doesn't have to war. And everyone's going to learn to prosper because of what he's done. But it's also a reminder. It's like a message of fear. It's propped up like a scarecrow. And, yeah, that is directly from the Infinity Gauntlet comic. Mm-hmm. So I, I personally haven't – Jake, and I don't know about you. I'm going to ask you this question. They call him the Mad Titan for a reason. I don't think we've seen the Mad Titan yet, man. I, I, you know what I mean? I don't think we've seen the Mad Titan yet. I think we're going to get the Mad Titan here. And I don't think that he's going to be... I think even after he did the decimation, I don't think that Thanos is going to be content with just being a fucking farmer on Titan 2, man. I, don't, I think that it's going to drive him crazy. I think that the balance goes beyond just the resources. I think the balance is a part of him as well. And it's balancing that part of like, of 
there's a part of there's a battle with inside of him, and part of that battle is the is war. He he is a he is a being that is driven by war. I don't think he's going to be happy or content. I think we're still going to see the Mad Titan in this man. Yeah, that that's a solid point. We I, I think the true villainy has yet to come out, or the extent of the villainy of the character. You know, I think by the time this movie's over, it's going to be hard pressed for the uh, Thanos is right people to have a leg to stand on. I, I think once the Mad Titan stuff comes out and mm-hmm. we see like the true reaches and capabilities of the bad things this character is capable of doing to remain in control or what he sees as control are, are really going to bring out the villain in this character. Very interesting to see how that goes down and to what extent this character will be a part of things by the end of this movie as well. He's been very, he, as <laughs> wouldn't you say kind of though, in a way like in that first infinity war film, even though a lot of like, you know, major shit was going on he was pretty damn calm right oh yeah yeah like the whole losing his cool factor exactly Mm -hmm. like it doesn't really ever happen and well one thing i think that's really cool too is so we're the first movie we were approaching him as he had his goal he was on his mission and we were just in the way right it was just a means to an end to get to the thing but what i think is so cool is that we're now approaching him as he's quote-unquote one so it's almost like that revenge is a dish best served cold, right? Where it's like he now no longer has that, like, people are going to stop me and get in my way. I can basically do what I want. So I, I'm going to love the moment when he sees the Avengers and all of their <laughs> all of their fury come back. And he has that moment of, oh, holy shit, I didn't actually. Oh, wow. Oh, no. And then they start checking that realization that maybe you didn't win, buddy, when we're coming back. We're coming for you. Yeah. You know, and then maybe that brings out the anger because he's so furious that he didn't do the thing he thought and Mm -hmm. they could potentially reverse it. And it brings out this, you know, like you said, this crazy villain guy. Yeah, he did this for the better of everyone else. How how dare anyone try to think what he did was an act of villainy or a a bad thing. I'm hoping it's like how disrespectful. And how much he sacrificed, right? Like, I, I mean, how many times do we have to watch that, right? When he threw Gamora off the edge on Vormir to get the the the, the Soul Stone. And then at the end of the movie, when he's talking to young Gamora and she asks him, what did it cost? He said everything. He lost the the one person that he cared about in the universe, his daughter. And then imagine that it all becomes unraveled. And all that loss, all that sacrifice, all that work is undone. Yeah, it, it would drive him crazy. It would literally drive him mad. And and we, w- I think we will absolutely see the Mad Titan in this movie. Oh, yeah, I agree. I 100% agree because we, we haven't seen it so far. So it's like, no, no. yeah. You know what this, um, this um, scarecrow scene that you're talking about, Brian, reminds me of? It reminds me of like... It's it's like a, a trope that like happens a lot in like Western films where like the gunslinger like hangs up his guns right because he's like he's done <laughs> yeah. everything he's supposed to do and I'm hanging up my guns never going to shoot again and then you know he, but violence follows him around no matter where he goes no matter how he tries to settle down that that violence keeps showing up and he's got to strap on the guns one last time. Like it, it kind of reminds <laughs> me of that. And I'm not like complaining about that. I kind of like that idea that he hangs that thing up as like, well, I'm done. And then it's like staring at him and imagine all his work starts to become unraveled 
that armor is staring at him, and he's going to want to put it back on. Yeah, yeah and even honestly, Wolverine. Oh, sorry. Oh no, it's okay. I was just going to say, um, it's also like something for him to kind of look at as, as almost this, you know, not memorial, but almost this like symbol of his of him winning. So he's like constantly yeah. looking at that and loving himself for yeah. the work that he did, right? And and it's almost like honoring this work in a way but i also like that uh the hanging up his guns thing so sorry jake what were you saying how how do you think they're gonna finally reveal like how do you think sanos will be privy to the fact that do you think he will the things will be undone and he finds out or do you think he'll be privy to the fact that people are trying to undo things first i will talk about that later oh okay okay is that cool <laughs> I you know I think I think I think there I think the Avengers have a plan in place, but just like all plans, you know, they'll screw up somewhere, and like that's when, you know, I but we'll get to that, and yeah, we'll get to that because I I don't know the exact moment, but I but I I, I kind of see like it sounds like you think Thanos will know before it, before it completely happens. So. He still is in possession of the time stone, and here here okay here I'll just break it down a little bit. What happens in the quantum realm? It's like Las Vegas. What happens in the quantum realm stays in the quantum <laughs> realm, right? Stays in the quantum realm, right? But right. guys, guys, just because you go to the quantum realm and use the quantum realm to take advantage of its luxurious time vortexes. It doesn't mean that once you step out and you go through said time vortex, once you enter into a uh, into a world, whether you're entering into the MCU in the year 2014 or whether you enter into the MCU in the year 1944, you are still entering into a world that Thanos ha- is all knowing, that the stones are all knowing. Okay, so that means it doesn't mean like you can just I can. Yes, you can. You can time travel with the quantum realm and he's not going to it's unbeknownst to him. He has no idea of your actions. But if you start to make some changes with time, as far as uh, if you start to make some changes in, in time, when you start doing this time traveling, you're not in the quantum realm anymore. And so he it, these these actions these things that the the Avengers are doing this time traveling that I believe that they're going to be doing in this film if they start to do things that catch the attention of Thanos and the Time Stone then yes he's going to be on to them ah like sensing a disturbance in the fall exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah that makes a lot of sense because like if there is time travel and let's say they do go back to the 40s and they start doing stuff there uh it, it will affect the future and thanos will be aware of it well um, you yeah could, that, that makes a lot of sense what, what, what yes you're saying. yes you can do things in the past but you can also try to not do the butterfly effect where it affects things in the future so much to where you can get caught. You can try to be a Marty McFly. You know what I mean? And try to. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, well, that also brings up an interesting point then with the battle of New York, right? Because then if they go back and there's more heroes and the results of that change, that's directly influenced by Thanos. Yeah. I, so, so like you start changing stuff there. He's really going to know yeah. something's up. Yeah. We'll see. I, I mean, I don't know how. I don't know how the the science is going to work when all that stuff happens. But 
you know, I've done a lot of thinking about the the quantum realm, and I think it's an awesome thing. But I think like once you step in through, once you step through those time vortexes, and you come out on the other end, it's 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 Thanos can probably catch you. You know, he can he can like oh oh what's what's Cap trying to do? And then Cap's busted. He's got his hand in the cookie jar, and there's Thanos like ah oh, you motherfucker, I caught you, you son of a bitch. And so you got, you and he's be, like, how did you recognize me without the beard? But their beard <laughs> – see, here's the thing. They're being very careful, and we're going to talk about that a little bit because I, I don't know what all precautions they're taking as far as, like, their time traveling. But I do know one thing, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, there's a quick shot here of Thanos wearing the gauntlet. He's walking through a field. Uh, then we get an overhead shot of the Avengers headquarters in upstate New York. Uh, we get Cap and Widow. They are back there. Cap and Widow are back at the Avengers headquarters in New York. What does that mean? So, like, whatever the snap did, whatever the decimation did, it wiped out so many people. It wiped out so much that they're comfortable enough to go back to Avengers headquarters. This is, like, after they've been branded criminals. They are they're, uh, they're, they're vigilante. Like, they're, they're, they're criminals. They... Their actions after the Sokovia Accords made them wanted criminals, but it doesn't matter now. Like, none of that matters. The world could be at martial law for all we know at this point, too, right? Like, we don't know how fast after the events this is. And I mean, there could be just no established government or law at this point because of the events of the snap. Well, and then it's that fast after. The guy that's definitely after them the most was General Ross. And for all we know, General Ross could be one of the 50% that was taken in the decimation. Mm -hmm. Um, And Cap is wearing his stealth suit and wearing the star again. I'm well, I'm going to talk about that. So I'll just talk about it now since you brought it up that so they're going back to it, they're going to time travel back to the to the Winter Soldier era. Correct. That, that's where he wore that. Sh- so, he wore okay, that suit. Okay. He wore that suit during the, the Winter Soldier movie. Correct. Yes, he did. That was uh-huh. Winter Soldier. So either he's either they're going back to that time and that's why he's got the stealth suit on or it's the only suit he's got left i mean unless no because we see the one from no, the first movie he does because we've seen him in that suit from the unless it's unless we're watching unless because they did the now we're getting into some crazy shit um, <laughs> we've seen the reason i think he shaved and the reason i think he's got that that stealth suit on is because we they are going to do some time travel back to that you know, two th- back to the MCU's 2014, whenever that okay. took place with the Winter Soldier. I think that they will go back to the Battle in New York. Um, I don't know if Cap has a closet with all of his different suits there. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, but I do think some heroes are definitely going to go back. Heroes that are involved in this in in this universe are definitely going to go back to that battle in New York and cap could be one of them. And, 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 and it, and it might be one of those things where are we going to get like that Marty McFly moment where cap sees himself fighting in the battle in New York, mm-hmm. you know, but on the side, he's doing some things to help them. And then yeah. also maybe get in, mm-hmm. get in possession of the Tesseract. So we, we could see some of that. I, I, I think we could, um, I wouldn't mind it terribly. Like, would that like upset you guys? 
guys? Like, would you feel like, oh, that's way too time travel tropey? No, I love it. No, the, I think uh, it could be cool. I, I that, that kind of stuff could lead to really fun interactions. And yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that's how I feel about it too. Well, when that's you what comic books are for right, that kind of plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we, I mean, I. What is what the fuck? We got a traffic jam. <laughs> I have no idea. That was the street in the background. All right. Yeah, yeah, I would expect that from Rebecca. She's living in New York, but <laughs> ah, my windows uh, are closed, my friend. No, I'm in the city we... these days. Hold on, close these guys. But, yeah, um, I have no problem with uh, with that kind of stuff going on in this movie because I love the Avengers movie. Anytime we can go back there and watch different scenes of stuff that was happening in that battle of New York with the Chitari. I have no problem with, or seeing like things that we've seen before moments that we've seen happen, but from like different angles and from like different characters perspectives, I can't wait to see it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. If we get a chance to see two Hulks on the screen at the same time, I am. Oh, <laughs> oh, right. So cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. Her think about her face to face with a Hulk would be awesome too. Yeah, I mean, either or, oh, yeah. I'd be like, happy. How with. would the Hulk react to seeing Banner? That would be, yeah. Yeah. So um, we get a voiceover from Black Widow. She says Thanos did exactly what he said he was going to do. He wiped out 50% of all living creatures. Uh, we then get the, sh- uh, the shot of uh, clean-shaven Cap crying. Um, and then um, I am hearing that there is a scene where Captain America thinks that it would be fitting to honor those that were lost in the decimation, the 50% that were lost, and a way of remembrance to like, kind of like commemorate them and to, um, that he only shaves half of his beard at first. <laughs> <laughs> so like one half of his face is God fully... Damn it. Something all serious. <laughs> God damn it. One half of his face is fully bearded. The other half is just 100% clean shaven. Oh, that is amazing. He's at Avengers headquarters. He walks out. Black Widow sees him, and she basically just tells him how ridiculous that he looks and how awful that it is and tells him to shave that abomination off of his face. (laughs) Yeah, I love the scene where he comes out of the shadows. And you don't realize that's what's going on when you only see half this face and the other half's <laughs> in the shadows. But then, just like Black Widow, you just jaw drops. Yeah, it's a. It, it might be a deleted scene, but I hope they throw that in the movie. <laughs> um, we've got a, a scene here of Bruce Banner, and he's looking at what are believed to be missing heroes. A lot of people were saying, "Oh, he's looking at dead people." It's like, no, he's looking at people that they don't know where they are. Um, they don't know what happened with Tony. They don't, Tony's not on the screen. I get that. But who is on the screen? Um, we see Scott Lang. Uh, we also see Peter Parker. And uh, then we also see Shuri. So Shuri is missing. These are not confirmed deaths. These are not confirmed deaths. So... They haven't I, marked themselves as safe on Facebook yet. Right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Mark safe from the Thanos snap. <laughs> yeah. And I want I, I, I we need Shuri in this film. I, I think the Avengers need her, and I really want this to be kind of like a moment in the MCU where they can lean on her brilliant mind. But also, you know, and I'd love to see a scene of like Bruce, Tony, and Shuri together, like doing like all the science. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. yes. but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I mean, 
if you do remove Shuri from this equation, it makes it that much harder on them. Because, like, you throw Shuri in there, and now you've got the most brilliant mind on the planet helping them. It does – if Shuri is gone, which I don't know. I, I don't think she is. If I had to bet, I would say 60-40 she's going to be in this film. But if she is gone, it does, it's going to make it that much harder on the Avengers to, to get things done. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're, they're relying – basically, at this point, who do they got on Earth, really, other than – other than Bruce at the beginning. I mean, we know at the end of the trailer, Ant-Man comes back. Scott's, Scott's, gonna, Scott's got something because he's smiling. There's no way he's going to show up smiling at the gate if he doesn't have a plan, if he's not excited. <laughs> but I think but, – but really now it's like Tony's off. <laughs> Tony's off in outer space lost. We don't know when he's coming back or if he's coming back. We hope he's coming back. He's probably coming back. But anyway, like we don't – like they got Bruce and that's really it. And sure he's missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like she's definitely – I'm with you, Brian. I'm, I'm like 70-30 there too. Like if we didn't see it and it, she's smart enough that she's probably just been able to remain hidden. She, she's definitely probably part of the crew somehow. Yeah, and it, didn't Angela Bassett actually come out and say like – her character and Shuri are fine. She did say that, which is which is why I'm I'm closer to almost a hundred percent sure that Shuri <laughs> is is okay because it was kind of already leaked that uh, well a- Angela Bassett spilled the beans that like she's still alive and so is Shuri. Which if that's true, you know of course take it with a grain of salt because they sometimes do that to us. But I I, I think it also raises uh, you know an interesting question of like what's happening in. In Wakanda, you know, uh, Black Panther disappeared at the end of the movie. Does that mean Shuri becomes queen and Black Panther? That or? is what I was going to address right now. That ah. is part of my theory is okay. that she is not missing. She and uh, I think that maybe um, since she is the heir at this point, she might be. They. I don't think that the 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 uh, heart shaped herb is as I think that there's I think there's another heart shaped herb out I there. I do too, and I, I, I can't imagine them letting Killmonger burn the whole thing without somebody preserving one of them. And I would and not. Go and, yeah, know, let's let's put this in a pot in the side. Like, let's not tell them about this one. Well, I you know <laughs> there might be like that. Uh, you know, we might hear a story about like oh on you know the the heart shaped herb. Where did they originally find it? Well, let's try to go back there. And I don't know. I mean, now I'm just doing some fan fiction bullshit. Now I sound like a fucking idiot. But anyway, <laughs> they, they, let's, you know, like, that we'll find, we'll, you know, we know of a place where there's more heart-shaped herb. Let's, you know, the legends or whatever the fuck. And, you know, we might get a scene in this movie where they bury her and she comes out and she's the new Black Panther. And by the time, you know, you know uh, T'Challa comes back, they're just like, well... Eh, fuck it. Let's just let her keep her powers. She was pretty dope. So I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I, it does make sense with just the way that it it works in Wakanda. That why would any why would anyone know if she was safe or not outside of the world? So yeah, it's a great theory and the leak that we we forgot about it until Rebecca brought it up. Probably pretty sure. But wouldn't she try to contact somebody in Avengers? 
don't you think? Like, especially after that battle. I, I like, just feel like I feel like if if let's say she is still alive, let's assume that she is. I, I would think her first priority would be to secure Wakanda, because totally. right, Wakanda forever. Like that yeah, is yeah, their yeah. first. That's their first priority. So. If her with her brother gone, she's got to establish authority as the ruler because otherwise there's going to be a scramble for power um, in in, in well, the country. Totally, will be up in the air about it. No, totally. And like, let's think about it. The snap happened, and they were still in Wakanda, and that's where we left them, right? Exactly. That's yeah. where we left them, all of them there. So they probably regrouped and said, "Okay, we're going to go back to Avengers." base and you stay here you get this shit in order and then we'll stay in touch (laughs) (laughs) we we then hear cap say we lost we uh, he says we lost all of us we lost friends we lost family and as soon as he says we lost family we get our shot of hawkeye now as what we believe is going to be ronin and he's got slain bodies all around him and he's not he's not rocking the bow and arrows now he's got a sword and I also I, I, I think this trailer is 100% alluding to his entirely family his entire family being taken by the snap, and it's <clears throat> and it's made and it's made him snap because then we hear Cap's voiceover say we lost part of ourselves, so Black Widow has to track him down. She finds him in the streets of Japan murdering members of the yakuza, and he looks badass. And I I think he might even make John Wick piss himself because he looks fucking <laughs> awesome i think this was my favorite moment in the trailer i thought oh this... same here yeah. i actually loved 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 this and like it's a shot from the back and he like wipes his sword on his like oh yeah inner arm oh my god yeah dude. yeah so <laughs> good. amazing well think like... about the the complete 180 that the characters have both done here both characters in this scene we're looking at natasha showing up and she's found Clint. Natasha was a killer assassin. And we know from the previous movies in the MCU that Clint was one of the biggest reasons. You know, we've seen them, these two talk to each other, have these very personal conversations in uh, Age of Ultron and, and in other films. Where, uh, Avengers, one of the biggest reasons she got away from that old life was, was Clint's belief in her. And basically, who she is now is because of Clint. He's a big part of that. And she used to be who he is now. So this is heartbreaking Dude. for Natasha. That's sad. It's like seeing your like, like, death sponsor drinking or killing somebody, right? Like, you're like, you were my hope. You inspired me. No, and now I'm seeing really... you revert back to everything that I was trying to get away from and you showed me was right, not right and, and not good. <laughs> That's a great comparison, Ashley. I, I yeah, I co-sign hundred percent. It is like imagine like going to AA and like getting off alcohol and like your sponsors like this rock and then you find them and they're like in a bar drunk mm-hmm. and it's like oh, you are my hero and yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, gotta be when we find him, he's not Clint or Hawkeye. No. No like, that that person is that person is not there. So you're looking at him and you're like, I don't even recognize you, but I know yeah. that you're the person, but I don't recognize you. But because, here's wow, the biggest – I mean that's that's cool. Like the that, that's crazy that here we are and like the, the, the journeys that these characters have gone on. And they've done this complete 180 from like you know where Natasha was to now who Hawkeye is and he's turned into Rodin and he's killing you know Yakuza members in the fucking street of Japan. 
when in time is this? When is this mm-hmm. happening? You cannot tell me that literally days after the snap, he travels to Japan and just starts killing Yakuza gang members with a sword. <laughs> this is this is another another scene that I believe is 100% proof of time travel happening mm-hmm. here. I think that Natasha is showing up out of time in the future, possibly oh. 5 to 10 years in the future. This is not a Clint. He doesn't, you know, a week later, he's in Japan killing people with a sword. (laughs) My family all died. Oh, well, go in the closet, grab rocket, kill people with swords. I'm Hawkeye, international assassin. You know, it's like that doesn't happen in three to four days. This is oh, absolutely. this is definitely a time. It's like, who hurt you, baby? It's a baby. It's a time travel. This has got to be time travel involved here. This is post them talking to Scott Lang about the quantum realm. I honestly think, hold on, if we're okay, here we go. They're, they're sending Natasha to talk to him, which that makes sense because if they're sending, because they know that she has a relationship with him, that maybe she can bring him back. Uh, you know, hold on. Here's the other thing. If we know that Cap is in his 2014 Winter Soldier outfit, his Cap costume, is he trying to bring back Bucky? Yes, yes. I think that's exactly what he's going to do. I th- because why else go back to that time period? Mm-hmm. Why? Who else is there that you can get? You have. That's the only thing that makes sense. Are they recruit? So they're recruiting. They're recruiting at this point. They're recruiting dead members. Yes, they're recruiting from the past. They oh. are recruiting from. If he, yeah. if he's wearing, oh, that or the, in the future, because we we're, we're going to we're going to a future Clint. Oh man, I love that the total that. Avengers Forever storyline. Mm. Basically, right there, you get that mm-hmm. fucking time plucked Avengers squad, the greatest hits. Yeah, and that's go awesome. whoop some ass, and they're doing it right here in this movie. And I don't That's think so that cool. this is not – I don't think that this Clint – I don't think that this Clint Barton Ronan scene is the only possible proof of time travel here. I'm probably going to blow your minds here in a second. And I, I'm ready. All right. It, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm not there yet, but I, we'll get there. Um, other shots that we see, we get like – yeah, we get the Thor sitting down looking defeated. Um, we get uh, no rocket raccoon. No mm-hmm. rocket raccoon at all in the trailer. We get a shot of Nebula. This is the shot of her in the ship. We get Cap. We get a Cap voiceover saying, this is the fight of our lives. And we see a shot of Cap closing an old compass containing the picture of Peggy Carter. First off, first off, I want to address this. This has happened to him before. Yep. She, hold on. She was lost to him. In a way, this is... This is Captain America's second snap. He lived in the 1940s, but when he awoke in our time, mm-hmm. all the people that he knew were pretty much gone. And if they weren't gone, they were, they, they were old and, and dying. And I, this is basically his second snap. He's got to live this again. It's crazy. 
It's like, absolutely Cap crazy. Cannot catch a break in these Mm-mm. movies. Mm-hmm. He's like forever sad guy. Like he cannot get a break. Right? Like you also you join something that you're so like you believe in so strongly and you're completely yep. disillusioned yep. By, and betrayed by pretty much everyone you've ever known. Yeah. <laughs> My best friend so. died. No, he's alive, but he's a, an assassin. And he wants to kill mm-hmm. me. Oh, like it's yeah. Cap just cannot catch a break. My biggest question here. How in the fuck did Captain America get that compass back? Ooh. How did he get the compass back? One of two things. One of two things, I think. One, we know he had it in the plane when he put the plane down. He so... never stowed it away in his pocket. He never yeah. – it was lost in the ice. It was – or – or they've already – this scene that we just saw him looking at the compass, he went back in time and got it. That's my point. This is the time. Yes. There you go. Earlier when I asked back you – Back in time and got it and brought it back with him. Well, that's – that that when I talked about the this being the other proof of time travel within this film, I think the compass is that proof. Mm. This is it. This is my – that's why I asked this question is I think that they've already gone back to the 40s. They've already gone back to the 40s. He did not have that compass coming out of – that was lost in the ice. He never put it in his pocket at the end of that movie. There is not a scene where you see him stow that away in anything, put it in his pocket. It was lost in the ice. So, but does he literally go back in time just to get that? No, 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 no. No, I no, we don't I do not know why he's going mm. back there. But part of him going back there is back to a back to a time where he can grab that compass. I, I don't Yeah, I, I think I could see them going back to that time period for something mm-hmm. and then like Cap sees the compass and just grabs it and takes totally. it with him. Like like be like, I'm not gonna lose it this time. I'm 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 gonna keep it with me this time. Like like that kind of thing. And then when we're looking at this scene now, it could be towards let's say the third act of the movie and it's mm-hmm. like this is it. Like and he even says it in this voiceover coming up, like, if this doesn't work, I, I don't like I don't have another plan. Like I don't know what else to do. Something to that effect. Mm-hmm. I, and I feel like him looking at that picture of Peggy is like, this is it. This is it. Like I this is, end, this is end game. My last trick <laughs> up my sleeve. This is it. Yeah. Do you think um promotion will hide the conceit of the time travel all the way up until the film releases, or do you think by a trailer, like a full trailer A and a trailer B, that it'll be just firmly established that that's going to be one of the bigger conceits of the movie? It depends on how. Um smart they think casual audiences are i think that these trailers for the most part right now they can keep them as sneaky as they want to they know that this movie after getting 289 million views on youtube they know that this movie is going to be huge it's going to perform like gangbusters in the theater um if they do show us a scene of loki i i i I think we could get a trailer where we get a shot of loki and I think that people are, it, it, you know, I think for casual audiences, they're going to be like, what? Loki's back? What? <laughs> you know, it just feels like the conceit is such like we were talking like Avengers Forever and Greatest Hits. It, it seems like a hard conceit for them to keep under the vest, even without, you know, even with the popularity, even knowing that they're going to sell those tickets and put butts in the seats. Well, I don't, I, I don't feel like they're yeah. going to be hard pressed to not show us that it's going to be a time-traveling greatest hits fucking adventure fest yeah, by the we'll time s- we get to trailer A. 
We'll see. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I think that, you know, I would hate to see them literally just showing us a scene of them saying, like, let's go through a time vortex. You know, like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, unfortunately what I kind of am yeah. imagining, though. For hey, me, guys. Though. Did we forget there's time for Texas? Let's do no. it. I, I, I like pre-toss that. I hope that they do not do that. <laughs> I'm tossing that now that if they say that. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want it. I don't want like the chalkboard scene in, in trailer A or trailer B, but it just feels like, oh man, especially once like all the promotion, like the coloring books and all that kind of stuff start coming out. They're gonna want you know, they're gonna want eight year olds to color them time traveling greatest hits pages. Because it was like that conceit's going to get out of the bag pretty quick once we get a little bit further into promotion. I suppose. I mean, I think they kept things pretty close to the vest when we went into Infinity War. There was a lot of stuff that we speculated that we thought was going to happen that did not happen. So we'll see. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with that. But if it become, if it is a major conceit of the plot of this movie, it's going to be hard to show us much more footage without just letting that out of the bag and kind of embracing it. Uh, next shot that we see, it looks like Cap and Black Widow in a Quinjet, and they're talking about a plan. Um, I think this is post uh, their meeting with Scott. This is probably the plan that Scott gives them about the Quantum Realm. Um, Black Widow says, this is going to work, Steve. Cap says, I know it is because I don't know what I'm going to do if it doesn't. And um, this is definitely in this scene, this is where he's wearing his suit from Captain America Winter Soldier. So I think they're going to go back to that time period. I think this is why he's wearing that suit. I think this is why he shaved. Um, so it just doesn't seem like it's out of place in that timeline. So you don't want it to arouse suspicion because I think that, like I said before, I think that they are 100% undetectable in the quantum realm, time and space. Those rules do not apply the same the way that they do here in the quantum realm. But once they get out of that, once they get out of that quantum realm, once they go through that time vortex and they're back in the timeline, Thanos has control of time. He's got the time stone. And some people will say, oh, the time stone's damaged. The, the Russo's confirmed that the gauntlet's damaged. I, guys, I don't know. Okay, I, I don't, you don't fucking know either. So shut the fuck up. Um. <laughs> I mean, like, even if the gauntlet is damaged, that doesn't necessarily mean the stone itself is damaged. Sure. The gauntlet just lets the wearer harness the power. I thought he said. I thought. Stone. Yeah, I thought he said. I thought the Russos. I could be wrong. I thought the Russos said that the the gauntlet and the stones were both damaged. Oh, okay, okay. I, but, I, I always thought that the gauntlet was damaged. I don't know. I could be wrong. Who the fuck okay. knows? Some asshole so, will tell me. So. <laughs> So the theory with the Winter Soldier costume is this is the co- – we're putting it on before we do time travel stuff so we don't stand out. Th- that's my theory, yes. And, and that makes – that falls in line. Like you also have to keep remembering if we're going to believe that this is the first 25 percent of the movie or the first of three acts, that that falls in line with that, right? Like the time travel stuff it, is going to be act, a big act two thing is the way I envision it. Really? They would wait that long? Well, yeah, we're going to we're going to check in with the post Thanos everyone. And the check in will also involve the creation of the plan, right? Like if all these scenes are in the first 25% of the movie, then like that the Scott Lang stuff is happening then, we're getting ready to go back in time with the Winter Soldier costume then, we've got we're checking in on Iron Man then. And then we're, you know, we're just doing the quick prelude stuff. 
Don't and within like 20 to 25 to 30 minutes, I think we're, we're going into act two and we're doing all the time travel stuff. That's so, how I envision it. It's a three hour movie. So I mean, at this point, so I don't, I don't know, man. I just imagine the time travel stuff being a really huge, like, like part of this movie. Like I, to me, it's like a 90 minute chunk, like all that stuff. Like reliving all the greatest hits and zapping all around, and plus we've just got so many characters. To yeah, I mean, on too. We, I mean, the only as far as like the time travel that we have seen in this movie so far, we've literally uh, and we've only speculated about it. To be quite honest with you, we've only seen a scene of like Black Widow showing up to Ronan, uh, and 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 uh, possibly, and we haven't even seen the actual scene of like him showing up uh, to possibly get Bucky. Um, and, you know, so we, as far as like the Battle of New York stuff, like that's still all stuff that we still have not seen yet as far as time travel is concerned. Yeah, I just feel like they're not going to redo Battle of New York as the finale of the movie, probably, right? It would be a big middle action sequence. Well, I, the big finale is going to be the, the battle with Thanos himself personally. So yeah, exactly, exactly. So do you think they go to, to the <clears throat> excuse me, the Battle of New York to get Loki? No, the Space Stone. Awkward. I think it's yeah, all about, I think it's all about. I, I think it, I, I think once we get to the Battle of New York, it's all about getting possessions possession mm-hmm. of the oh, stone. Oh, so the Captain America one is getting the first. What what is the stone like? First Captain America. Well, the that's Tesseract, that's that's right? well that's which is also the the Space Stone people. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's I was like trying to figure Duke. out a way to go back to Captain America, but I still can't get it. Keep going. <laughs> all, all the original stones become the MacGuffins. I, I agree with that completely, Brian. We go back and get the stones before Thanos gets them with whatever time travel conceit we have. And, yeah, that's going to take up a large amount of time, though, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I, Jake, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, no, I don't yeah. know either. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just making guesses. Based on the math that we know that we're not seeing anything here that's not further than probably a half an hour, 40 minutes in, in this trailer. And then just making wild speculation. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, we get the Avengers Endgame title screen. A lot of people... Myself included, and this is kind of like what I got out of it. Some people are saying different things, but this is what I thought about. When, the, when we get the Avengers Endgame title screen, the logo reconstructs itself, that it's showing that time travel is possible to repair the destruction. Yes, things can come back from being dusted. It's a redusting a little bit. Yeah. Some people were saying like, oh, it looks like the time travel. Like when in Doctor Strange where the like the bricks and stuff like that would like remember at the end battle with um, with uh, with Mads Mikkelsen's character at the end of that movie where Mm -hmm. the bricks were kind of like, you know, reforming after these buildings had been destroyed. A lot of people were saying, oh, you know, that when when he was using the time travel to go in reverse and. Like, this looked like the logo kind of, like, coming back together. Like, I can see that, too, mm. a little bit. But I honestly feel like it's a little bit deeper than that, that it's showing, like, things can come back to- together even after they've been destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I totally symbolistic. Yeah, it's like all of them, all of the pieces coming back together, all of the Avengers coming back together for one final hurrah before the end. We get uh, Scott Lang, uh, who is thought to be a victim of the snap, 
They think he's missing or a victim of the snap. He shows up uh, on one of the screens that Banner was looking at earlier on the trailer at the headquarters. So they were they thought he was missing. And then here we are. We he somehow escaped the quantum realm, definitely through a time vortex. We we believe that, and he's got a plan. So we're definitely, in my opinion, going to see the Avengers enter a time vortex. We might see them all get suited up in quantum suits uh, and go subatomic. Um, we might see a Quinjet go subatomic, for all we know. I don't know. Um, but uh, in, on the left-hand corner at the top of that video, it says archive. So they're watching this video. So he's not there at that time. He's not at the right time. So he's trying to communicate with them through this video. He's just, he's just in a different time. Mm. Oh, so really? Like, I, didn't, I didn't catch that at all. I, just, I thought they were surprised that it was live. That's crazy. Well, in the, the left-hand corner of the video, if you look at the top of it, it says archive. So it's an archived video. It's not a live feed. Interesting. And so it's, he's trying to communicate with them. He's got a plan. And this is a video from, like, the front gate, the door. But it's an older video now. And I think the reason it's, it's kind of – I think that it's – I, th- I would have to guess that he arrived there at maybe an earlier point in time. Um, I, I, I'm, I don't know. Oh, that's super cool. That makes me want to watch it, like, immediately again now. <laughs> well, we're about to take a break, so you can, so – isn't the van the same van it is. from Ant-Man and the Wasp? It is. It is. It's the same it's van. The same van. <laughs> yes. But that's an archived video that they're not watching him at that moment. He's trying to communicate with them and he's smiling people. He's got a plan. He's very excited. I know it's Ant-Man. He's a jokey character anyway. But you got to understand, one of the first things I think that he probably does when he comes back is ah, but I don't know when he comes back. That's I don't know when in time he is when he shows up at the gate. So it's driving me fucking nuts. I can't. This movie cannot come any sooner. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. You know, just because of the way the first one was paced, that it's just going to be like such a romp, right? And we just love these characters so much. And it's like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see just more Russo Brothers pacing where they just – give us just enough of each character before we move on to the next thing. That's going to, it's always like five, six cliffhangers at once the way these movies are paced out. It's crazy. It's like empire strikes back, but for the entire three hours, the Mm -hmm. way they, they pace these with the separation of the characters. Oh yeah. Yep. I agree. All right. I have to, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I I was going to ask you if, if if we were going to rate this, Oh yeah. Fuck. Might as well. I'm just, I'm sorry. I just, Sorry, I just asked. No, it's just like, no, it's basically like, hey, Brian, you amateur fuck. Why haven't you rated it yet? <laughs> I, I actually took that exact like inference from Rebecca too. So. Oh, okay, good. So my, my message came across then. <laughs> it's definitely message received. Um okay. let's see here. Yeah, uh rating it. Uh Ashley, rate. Uh, first it was a high taste it. And then, because I honestly, the hype was so intense for this, right. That I just was like expecting me blown out of the water. And at first it kind of hit me with it's like, just kind of lower, lower energy and kind of rebuilding on that emotional connection we have with them. But then I watched it again and I rethought it and I'm going to give it a Tupperware. 
because it just brings me right back to where we were. And I just like I'm feverish ready for the next stuff because I just want to see this movie so damn badly. Rebecca. Oh, it's a Tupperware. It's everything I wanted from this first trailer. It set the tone. It showed me how broken up everybody was. Uh, Cap crying. Uh, Tony leaving that message thinking he's about to die. Uh, just enough teasery stuff to get me thinking and wondering and speculating. It's absolutely, a for me, a perfect first trailer for this movie. So I totally Tupperware it. Jake. Yeah, I Tupperware it as well. It was fantastic. I, I applaud just the small amount of stuff they decided to show us. Um, seeing so many people getting angry at that fact just made me love this trailer even more. Um, despite the chintzy name they decided to go with, uh, <laughs> this was a Tupperware of a trailer for me. Yeah, it's a Tupperware for me too. I, I love the fact that they didn't give us too much, but on the flip side, the people that said they didn't give us too much didn't really do a lot of digging to find out what they actually did give us. Because I think that just by breaking this down the way that we did, we've probably opened up people's minds to a lot of stuff that they didn't even think about that was actually in this trailer. Um, So there's a lot more in this trailer that you didn't see upon first viewing. And it makes you want to watch the trailer over and over and over again. I really didn't realize that compass until like literally I'd say like three hours before we recorded I was watching the <laughs> trailer awesome. I was watching was a good call I was watching the trailer again and I was like that fucking compass I was like and so I mm-hmm. pulled out my copy of Captain America the first Avenger and I watched it you know like uh, the, <laughs> at the end and I kept watching to see if I could see him like put that compass in his pocket and you never get that scene you no, never you're right. get that you scene don't get it So I like there's so much there. There's all these little, um, you know, breadcrumbs that are leading leading us to not they're not going to give us everything, but they are helping us a little bit along the way, kind of figure out what's going on here. So I Tupperware the fuck out of this one. (laughs) Um, So I thought it was fantastic. Let's take a quick break. I've got a piss like a goddamn racehorse. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to die if I don't. But we'll be back and we'll come back with good pop, bad pop. Sounds great. All right. Hey, we are back. It is now time for Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. All right. I don't have a ton to talk about this week. I got a few things that I want to talk about. Real quick, uh, I brought up Canopy, uh, the uh, library streaming service. A couple weeks ago. There's another one. I'm not signed up for it. I, I think I want to try to get signed up for it. It's called Hoopla. Uh, H-O-O-P-L-A. And they've got a lot of movies on there. So if you have... Yeah, ch- go to Hoopla.com and see if you can sign up for Hoopla. Uh, or just download the app on like your Roku or Google Chrome or whatever. And then it'll show you how to activate it. And if you have a library card, your library might be part of their network. So... Definitely check out Hoopla. Free movies, people. It's pretty awesome. Rebecca, I've been using Canopy, and today they've got uh, that movie, uh, The Miseducation of Cameron Post, on there. I started that. I'm not finished yet, but that was one movie that you reviewed on our show you know, months ago, and it's, it's already on there on Canopy. So very cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, I have started Night Flyers, the sci-fi, um, the new sci-fi original, the George R. R. Martin book now being adapted to the small screen here on sci-fi uh they've got five episodes up on the app 
and I am through four episodes. Uh, Rebecca, have you watched any of this? Dude, I'm sorry. I ran out of time. I have not watched any of it yet. Okay. Ashley, have you watched any? I watched the first episode. The first episode. Jake, have you seen anything? I watched the pilot. Okay. The first episode. Yeah, I'm through four episodes, and uh, I had to watch the pilot episode twice. The first time I watched it, it was kind of like I wasn't getting into it. And then I watched it again, and I was like, I'm really loving this. My problem now with this series, now that I'm three episodes in, is I really loved the first two episodes. I loved most of the third episode. And there's something that's revealed at the end of the third episode that just kind of blew me away and has taken this whole show in a completely new direction that I'm not sure about how I feel about it. Um <laughs> But I'll mm, that's be, interesting. Usually, it's the buildup that is the boring part, and then you're it's better. It's not not a good sign if the twist is making you question the enjoyment level. Well, hold on. No, it's not that. I'm still here for the mystery. I am going to finish this. We're going to get the next five episodes on the app next week. They're going to release them day to day. I'm still sold on the mystery. I've got to finish this. Whether it sticks the landing, I do not know. I absolutely though. Once I got to. Um, I'm just confused about where it's going. It's it's the mystery is that compelling. I'm going to give everything a high taste it so far. Um, there's definitely a very cool horror element to this. Uh, I didn't know that this had to do with any kind of like characters that had psychic ability. So they, the the fact that they've thrown in the L1 could seem very tropey. We've seen it done in a lot of science fiction, but I think, think the fact that they're out there in space and they're looking for answers on how to be able to sustain like Earth's resources and if there's anything out there that they can learn from a from an alien race, this alien race called the Fulcrum. And in order to communicate with the alien race, they've brought a telepath with them. I think that's pretty fucking cool. Um, I also think it's interesting how people treat the telepaths on the show. Um, it this show has a lot. It's not origin though. Like I was sold with origin on, on YouTube premium from episode one. And I, I, I binged it within a few days. I, um, there's five episodes out right now. I'm through four and I'm not 100% sold on this one. I am going to give it a high taste it though, because I do have to finish it. That rating could go up or down depending on how the <laughs> latter half of this goes. But my God, there is a there's an awesome horror element to this. You guys saw it in the first episode. One of my favorite scenes was when they were trying to get out of the uh, the uh, trying to get it out of the orbit, and the guy was trying to do something with that uh, surface computer that uh, that touchscreen computer, and then all of a sudden the gravity on the ship just starts going nuts, and it keeps slamming him into that control panel. I was just like, oh, my God, that guy is that guy is getting fucked up right now. <laughs> but um, I'm going to give it a high taste it so far, because once I say once you get through like the first couple episodes, um, I was kind of hooked on the mystery. And uh, they they do throw something in at the end of episode three that kind of took me off guard. And I don't know where it's going to go. And I don't know if I like it 100 percent. So we'll see. But um Ashley, what did you think? Uh, 
So I didn't know much actually going in. Like I, you mentioned, we were going to talk about it, right? So I checked it out. And what's really cool is I have Amazon Prime. And it looks like the first two episodes on Prime are actually free. They were just like zero dollars. And I was like, that's great. So that's how we checked out the pilot. Um, yeah, but I didn't know much about it. I didn't know about this uh, this uh, telepath element. And, um, and I'm kind of a big fan of this kind of genre. Um, there was actually a game that came out for a PS3 called Dead Space. Have you, have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Um, so basically it's, it's about this like mining ship out in, you know, the middle of the void basically. Um, and they're trying to mine for elements and all this other stuff. And, and, um, this guy is sent to this ship because it becomes, um, they are not able to contact it. So he has to go onto the ship to basically see what happens. So this kind of me felt to like the, kind of you know prelude to something like that right yeah. Where like everything's great and then horror right like kind of event horizon-y um so i did think it was really interesting i i watched that um the featurette too to kind of see uh the background of um you know how they built the sets and everything and i am really impressed by um by the moving screen and how it really like puts you in that world and like that that cerebro type uh, memory room that they go in, I think is really cool. Oh yeah. That um, is awesome. I love right? that. Yeah. Really, really cool. I love the, the way they use magnetism to kind of, uh, cause that's kind of another element of, um, of dead space. Actually, he kind of has this telekinetic ability, um, as the main character. So it kind of put me in that like futuristic, um, headspace too. And I've been watching the, the newest episode of or the newest season of Supergirl and uh, Captain Eris on this ship is the same guy that plays Manchester Black on Supergirl. So I thought that was pretty cool to see him uh, on this show. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and and it kind of also had like kind of a vault fallout aspect too, which I really liked too. I, I like that idea of like confining a bunch of people in the space that they can't escape if things go wrong. Um, but on the flip side of it, I was a little... It just seemed a little disjointed, the storyline, and it was kind of hard to get into. There were pieces that I liked. I liked the girl that uh, basically talks to the ship, and she has that plug-in, the Matrix style in her arm, right, where she can kind of control the, what's going on with the ship. I thought that was really cool. But then I thought some of the stuff with the psychiatrist um, just seemed a little – like I didn't really connect with the main character, the guy that uh, is basically like proposing this whole – mission out to uh out to space so it just felt a little bit disjointed to me um and i was actually honestly going to hear what you thought about it (laughs) to see if i should continue watching it and see if it's worth watching so i'll probably continue to check out the next episode and see where it goes but uh but yeah give it a taste it yeah i had to watch that first episode two times because the first time going through i was just like there's a lot to uh, kind of like process and i was just like Mm -hmm. i was just like brian just stop just stop. Let's just watch it again. Let's just let's take a break and watch it again. I watched it again. I enjoyed it way more the second time um, because you know I kind of like knew what I was getting into, and I don't know. It there, there there's this, there's enough mystery that I want to finish this fucking thing. But on the flip side, it's like they introduce something so fucking weird into this <laughs> show later that I'm just like, oh my god. Oh my god, I did not see this twist coming and this is so weird. I don't know how this is going to play out. Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I I thought it was pretty decent. I'm going to give it just a middle of the road taste it. I think I'm going to keep with it. Um I did have a hard time with the first episode too. It, it was very fascinating for me to hear you say that you had to watch it a second time. I don't know maybe if I should do that potentially myself too. Um 
but yeah, I liked it. I thought it, it never every some things have that kind of sci-fi channel stink to it and it definitely <laughs> never had that. And I did, you know, really appreciate kind of the maturity of the content. Is this actually airing on Sci-Fi Network? It is. Every Sunday it's airing, but on the app, I think like the second I don't know if they're airing like each individual episode on Sci-Fi, but uh I know on they're not there's no new episode tonight on TV, but like when you go to the app right now, it shows like new episode on Sci-Fi tonight. So I, I don't know if yeah. you're playing the second episode on Sci-Fi tonight, or if you're able to just watch like new episodes sooner on the actual app. I don't know how they're doing that. Yeah, it's a little bit confusing as far as that's concerned, I guess. But if you're doing it, you know, if you have any kind of a cable subscription, you can get the Sci-Fi app. You can connect your cable subscription. You'll have all five episodes there. The other five, presumably next week. So, yeah, yeah, middle of the road tasted for me. I think I'm going to keep going just based on on kind of the stuff you're saying um i'll warn our listeners with the app thing though um i goofed up and when i downloaded the app i just clicked on the show night flyers i'm like okay i'm gonna watch the pilot i'll click on night flyers it's right here on the home page um it immediately started me with the fifth episode yeah which i thought was very bizarre it was like oh here's the newest episode since you clicked that you wanted to watch this show yeah. So you you need to go in there and like click on the episodes, go to the first episode. So it did that to me too. Like I had it like it buffered and then kicked me out, and then when it tried to kick me back in, it tried to. I was on the first episode on my second rewatch, and it tried to get me to watch the third episode, and I was like, "No, fuck you! I'm going back out." Yeah, it's a, the app's a little bit touchy, but you know, free shows if you have a cable subscription. So and you get to watch the stuff earlier than the channel, it seems. So yeah, worth doing. Um, I didn't think anyone was really that stand out as far as a character, at least in the first episode. Like there was definitely no noticeably bad acting by any means. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I thought the two leads were were decent enough, but no one was like, I don't know. I'm not really it, the mystery's there, but I'm not really rooting for anyone. You know, I wouldn't be sad if anyone, you know, got axed. Like a little bit of the difference between Game of Thrones and and this show, as far as the George R. R. Martin stuff is concerned, right? Like I don't. I can't imagine what the huge shocking thing is. I'm really curious. To well, see we saw three. we saw like what happens at the very end of like all these events at the beginning of the first episode. <laughs> yeah, they open. They open. With <laughs> they the, just the throw en- you right in there. Yeah, they? <laughs> they open with the end of the show during the first five minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And so, I guess it's just finding out how we get there. The point A to point B stuff, huh? Yeah, just filling in the sandwich. Yeah, I my favorite character so far, they've only shown in like literally one fucking scene. And it was I think it was an episode two or three. And it's and you'll know when you get there. It's the bee lady. She's so fascinating to me. There's a lady on the ship that can control bees. (laughs) (laughs) And I love her. She's she's really good. I, I, I really like that that actor i thought she was fantastic but yeah that's night flyers people i i would check it out it's it's definitely got like that event horizon kind of like horror element to it that i think could hook you and there's enough mystery in this that i'm definitely going to finish this first season uh but it's not quite grab me like origin on youtube premium did next thing i want to talk about here real quick is uh anybody see mowgli yet no i did not i saw that it was out though on my netflix homepage. Mowgli? I did. You watched Mowgli? I did. I did. A- Ashley, did you watch Mowgli? 
I have not. All right. Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle, uh, hit Netflix. This was supposed to be a movie that was actually going to hit the big screen. But uh, things happened. Uh, and one of those things that happened was The Jungle Book by John Favreau and Disney. And uh, this one didn't quite make it to the theaters. The story follows the upbringing of the human child Mowgli, raised by a pack of wolves in the jungles of India, as he learns the often harsh rules of the jungle under the tutelage of a bear named Baloo and a black panther named Bagheera. Mowgli becomes accepted by the animals of the jungle as one of their own, except for one, the fearsome tiger Shere Khan. But there may be greater dangers lurking in the jungle as Mowgli comes face to face with his human origins. Uh, directed by Andy Serkis, uh, Christian Bale stars as Bagheera, Kate Blanchett as the uh, the Python, is it Ka? Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Shere Khan, uh, Naomi Harris as Nisha, uh, Andy Serkis as Baloo. Um, I... Oh, man, I uh, there's some Tupperware performances. I think the motion capture is just phenomenal. I think it's fantastic. The motion capture, the facial expressions of the animals is just amazing. I thought Kate, Christian Bale was fantastic in this. Kate Blanchett, she sounds great. I don't think that the... I think all the motion capture and all the animals look great except for that fucking snake. I think the snake looks terrible. Oh, 100% agree. That snake looked... <laughs> So terrible. And, like, how long was that snake? That snake was, like, 800 feet long. Like, it was never – it was no end to that ridiculous snake. And it just looked like a cartoon dropped into this movie. It was – it wasn't great. Everything else I thought looked pretty good except for that fucking snake. Benedict Cumberbatch's Shere Khan is amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And I'm a huge fan of Naomi Harris. I loved her in Moonlight. Um, and she's fantastic in this as well. But overall, this is honestly, there are things that I absolutely loved about this movie. I do like it's still a kid's movie, but it is dark. I think your kids need to be definitely older than the kids that are watching like Disney's Jungle Book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I do think that, that this there are stuff in this as an adult that I think like I appreciate it a little bit more than John Favreau's. But overall, I'm going to give this one a high tasted as opposed to John Favreau's Jungle Book, which is definitely, in my opinion, a, uh, a, a Tupperware. But um, and there's one scene in particular, and Rebecca, you probably know what I'm talking about, where it's just heartbreaking, and I kind of just wanted to turn it off in that moment. Yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, I do. Because that character, I loved that character, and that was heartbreaking. Yeah, there were actually, I mean, you, you, Brian and Jake know how I am about like watching animals get hurt on screen and stuff. And um, there were a couple of moments in this movie, actually, where I did cry, like, and I, there, the the scene that, that you're referencing, Brian, I actually really cried and I actually wanted just to stop the movie right Mm -hmm. there. Um, But I, I did finish the movie. Um, I will say, I think the second half of this movie is stronger than the first half in that you do need the setup of the first half of the movie to get Mowgli's story of being brought up in the jungle and all that. You need it for the, for the final act of the movie, but there are, there were parts where I did feel like the story was dragging a little bit. Um, I was engaged because of all the, the great motion capture work and the CGI stuff. Um, And I do actually, I, the perf- the 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 young boy who played 
Mowgli, Rohan Chand. I thought he was great. I thought, I mean, this is a young actor, a child actor who had to act and emote uh, basically almost all, not totally by himself, but he had to really make you believe that he was face to face with a tiger and with a bear and with a panther. And I, I thought, especially like once he goes like to the man village, a lot of the scenes of him like be, feeling lost and he really communicated that so well without even speaking a word. Um, so I, I really appreciated his acting. I, I think overall, I, I would give this movie. <sighs> I, I'm going to give it a high taste it as well. I mean, I almost want to give it a middle of the road taste it, but the, the effects really are beautiful. Um, it absolutely is darker. Like this is not a movie to let like your five-year-old watch alone. Mm, no. Like this is a movie you should, you know, if you're going to like watch it with your kid, you should, you should watch it with them because there will be moments where they may be upset and they may be a little scared or whatever. But um I did like that it was a little darker. Um, it almost felt like a cross between like Mowgli or like um, like yeah that that story and like Tarzan. So I thought like that was kind of an interesting thing there. Um, I thought all the voice acting work was great though, especially Ben Cumberbatch. I thought he was absolutely amazing as Shere Khan. Um, yeah, overall I tasted it as well. I do think the John Favreau movie is better too. I um it's hard to not to compare. It's like the same story, but mm-hmm. um hmm. yeah, it's like I mean, I you can't even say it's comparing apples and oranges because it really is like comparing apples and apples. It's the same story pretty much. So, yeah, it was good. I did again, I did like that it was a little bit darker, but you know, if if you have a hard time seeing animals get hurt, on screen uh, you know there are going to be moments where you're going to want to turn it off but um yeah, yeah I, I made it through to the end which is saying a lot for me no music thank god for me i'm not a musical guy yeah so there, thank god. there was no dancing and singing numbers there no yeah. no no bare necessities in in this movie oh uh, yeah i was <laughs> i was spared from that shit so that was cool because i'm not i would take like there's parts there's elements of this that i would love to put in the john favreau one and then there's elements that I would like to take out. <laughs> so it's, it's, but, uh, overall, I, I think it had, uh, you know, I, I think there's room for both of these movies. I, I, you oh, know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on. Uh, let's see here. Jake, what do you got this week? Uh, I wanted to talk about a couple video games that I played in the last couple of days. Um, my brother brought over Mega Man 11, and I got a chance to play it for about maybe two or three hours. Um, I'm going to give this a high taste it right off the bat. Um, this was a lot of fun. If you're a big fan of the Mega Man series, I mean, basically what they did here is it's still the 2D side-scrolling game that even though we're in the modern game, you know, modern video game era, you still can't shoot up. You know, you can only hit the button and shoot forward. So it's it's just classic Mega Man to the core, but just with, you know, spiffed up modern graphics, you know, really beautiful, almost sometimes distracting backgrounds with so much stuff going on. But and, you know, the bosses fight the boss, get the weapon, just classic Mega Man video gameplay. But honestly, this is probably the hardest, if not one of the hardest Mega Man games to date, which is probably the only thing keeping it from being a Tupperware. I mean, it's, it's not so hard that it can't be done, 
But me and Kurt spent about two hours just trying to beat the first level. And, I mean, it was rewarding. Every time we died, we made it a little bit further than the last time. But it's definitely a lot of side-scrolling memorization about when things are going to happen and just learning the way to do those things better. And, I mean, it's going to take a lot of gameplay to beat this game. I will, I'll probably keep at it, though. So in the next couple of days, I'll probably give it another go for two, three hours and see if I can't beat one more level. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I can't wait to play more of this shit. What, what else do I have here? I've got um, I also played uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate recently. Um, I did the old Unkar Plut GameStop trick where I brought in uh, all my old Wii U games and a bunch of PlayStation 4 games and uh, was able to check this game out. Um pretty great here too i'm going to also give this a high taste it um fighter games aren't my forte and i haven't played enough of this yet to maybe potentially give it a tupperware but there's just a lot of nintendo museum stuff going on here that really rounds out the package for me too um beyond just the the fighting game that everyone knows and loves if you're into that thing there's just soundtracks and clips from every single game franchise included in this thing um the niche here is that it has every fighter ever included in every iteration of any Smash Brothers game ever made, including every stage, uh, plus five or six more additional characters that they've never done before. Um, it seems like they're going to be pretty light on the DLC, too. I'm, I'm hearing that they're going to have maybe five more characters in a few more months that you'll be able to get into a bundle. So it's not going to be just an outrageous DLC smorgasbord, especially with getting... 70 plus characters right off the bat so yeah this is another high taste it for me um it's been a pretty good year for the switch and exclusive so glad to glad to see nintendo is is still at it and still putting out good games the wii u was such a fucking failure as far as hardware and software sales that i'm glad to see them come out after that with a big hit of a system and smash brothers always moves units it's probably as far as nintendo's concerned like one of their biggest esports games that has a lot of tournaments and brings in a lot of money and a lot of draw. Um, Splatoon isn't just quite there yet for the esports side of things. But yeah, it's been, I had a pretty, I don't usually play too many video games and it was fun to get a few hours to play a couple of the newer games. I think Mega Man may be four or five months old, but it was new to me. So hey, yeah, Jake. Two, two high taste of games. Yeah, what you got? Oh no, hey Jake, did you hear uh, the other, the Ultimate Alliance 3 announcement? Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's just crazy. I'm shocked that Nintendo got that exclusive, honestly. that I don't, I'd like to hear some more inner workings of that if that was a result of um, Activision approaching Nintendo or Nintendo approaching Activision. But, I mean, either way, I think that's the kind of game that'll actually move units. There's some really big fanboys and a lot of cry for a sequel to that game for a long time. So. For sure. Very excited, very excited. <laughs> Yeah, I, I still have, uh, and every once in a while, I'll still play my, uh, Ultimate Alliance for PlayStation 3. Right? I yeah, I, I think I got the combo pack of 1 and 2. Yeah. Because they're still a lot of fun, you know? Oh, yeah. I love those games. They're a blast. Especially if, like, you have somebody playing with you, too, and you can just go around just, like, I don't know. Oh, I'm going to be fucking Ghost Rider. Oh, I'm going to be Wolverine. <laughs> and just go around and, like, kick some, kick some ass, you know? It's a lot of fun. Yeah, the switching on the fly, the leveling up, the kind of the way they let you individualize the characters with how you want to proceed with where you want to like allot the powers and your special abilities. Just a really just a modern day gauntlet almost, but with yeah. a great plot and characterization. Yeah. Oh, shit. I just unlocked Silver Surfer. All right. Awesome. Right? <laughs> yeah. 
So very cool. Hey, uh, Rebecca, what do you got this week? I got a couple of things. Um, first thing, um, have ha- have you been keeping up with uh, Titans on DC, Brian? I am two episodes behind. Oh, okay. Same. I, which was the last one? The, the, is that the Donna Troy episode, Brian? Yeah, that's. I haven't watched okay. that one yet. Same. I only watched a little bit of it, so we're in the same spot. Okay, so there's one right. Okay, so there's only one out right now after the Donna Troy episode. Um, so Titans continues just to be. I mean, just just Tupperwares all along the, this whole series. Um, this latest one, though, I think it's my absolute favorite episode oh, of wow. this whole season. And that is saying a lot because I went back the other day and rewatched the Doom Patrol episode because I love that episode so much. Yeah, it's a and great episode. It's great. But this one, the, 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 the one that's out now that just dropped Friday – it's it's my favorite so far of the season and there's crazy shit happens in it and it's <laughs> oh god yeah so like anybody who's on the fence about starting it just watch titans it is so so good um yeah that's um that's where i am with that the um the other I, I saw a movie in the theater. It's called The Front Runner. Has anybody seen this movie? No, that's the uh, Hugh Jackman movie where he's playing um, what's his name? Gary Hart. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Exactly. Yeah, I had seen previews for this and it looked really interesting. And I, I so I wanted to give it a shot. And as you said, it, it, this is uh, American Senator Gary Hart's presidential campaign in 1988. Uh, becomes derailed when he's caught in a scandalous love affair. And it does star Hugh Jackman as Gary Hart. Uh, he's in, I mean, he's in like the, he he has like a huge part in this movie. Obviously he's the lead, but like he's in almost every scene of this movie. Um, it's directed by Jason Reitman, who has done like some really interesting projects. Like um, he directed um, Juno he directed um, Tully, Casual. I love um, Jason Reitman. I'm a huge fan of Jason Reitman. Oh, okay, cool. So I've seen some of his movies, and I'm I'm a little fifty fifty on his stuff. I, I don't love everything he's done, but I do like I enjoy a lot of the stuff that he has done. Um, yeah, this movie's not getting very good reviews. It's probably not going to make its money back on, on the budget, but. Um, just straight off the bat, I'm going to give this movie a solid taste it. I don't think this is something you have to see in the theater. If you want to wait for streaming, you absolutely can. Um, I thought Hugh Jackman did a really excellent job in playing this character. And, you know, whenever they do these, like, period pieces, they, they always take such great care, like, with the hair and the makeup and the clothes and um, – and, it, like, I have to say, like, the first part of the movie, it kind of just chugs along and you're just kind of watching this all unfold. And then kind of in the latter part of the movie, they really start to raise a question about uh, how how much a political person should have their life examined when they're running for public office. What is acceptable to question them about and what is not? What is what should be considered as I need to know this to know if you're qualified to do the job and what is just invasion of privacy. And the movie really makes, it made me ask like some really interesting questions of myself. It kind of 
brings up the question of like the chicken and the egg. Like when did the American people start to become so worked up about politicians' private lives? Was it the press that did that or did we encourage the press to do it? Like it's a very interesting question that's raised in this movie. Um, And like what the girl that he sleeps with goes through, what she's put through in this movie, it's very hard to watch. Um, and to watch how his staff treats her, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a very interesting, like a movie that will really make you think, um, but it does have moments where it like really drags. And, um, so again, like if you don't want to spend the money and watch it in a the theater, that's cool. But I would say, check this out in like streaming or on Redbox. I think it's a pretty interesting political movie. Um, it's nowhere near as good as like the post was, but it kind of raises similar issues. Um, yes, I'm going to give that, like I said, a, a, a solid taste it um, for the front runner. Hmm. <coughs> yeah, yeah. They, I noticed that the uh, the Rotten Tomatoes rating went way down. It was originally at like an 84, 85 percent and it is plummeted. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, it really did. And like I think – I think a lot of that personally has to do with like how like the this is just my own personal opinion on that. Like I think this is I think a lot of that has to do with how like the press is portrayed in this movie. Um, there is a very strong message about the press in here, and um, which is why, like I said, it really made me think. Um, it, it and I, I enjoy movies that do that. I mean, I don't think this is a perfect film, and um, but I do give kudos to Hugh Jackman for taking on a really interesting role, something different than what he's done in the past. Um, And I thought he did a really good job as Gary Hart. I do feel like all the other characters, though, they do definitely fall by the wayside here. Like, you know, J.K. Simmons is in this movie. Um, Vera um, Farmiga, if I'm saying her name right, is in this movie, plays his wife. Um, You've got some really great actors in here, and they're not really given really a lot of stuff to chew on. So, um, yeah, that, that, I think that's a, um, a shame that they could have given them, I think a little bit more to do, but, um, yeah, so that's, um, that's the movie I saw. I have like, uh, two more things. Oh, fuck it's, me. Jesus. Uh, they're, 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 they're quick though. So like, if you want, I could go or, Passes off, whatever. Oh Christ, Jake! Do you think when you can I, handle I was two more? When I, when I was a kid, I, I always knew a ton about Gary Hart just because I was a huge Mad Magazine freakazoid. Oh, and okay. They just like constantly. I remember like asking mom, like, "Who is this person? Why are they always making fun of him for all this crazy stuff?" You know, and just finding out through him. Him and like Ali North were like two political oh, figures yeah, I found sure. out from Mad Magazine just constantly slandering them, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, God. Ali North was on TV all the time when I was a kid. It was always mm-hmm. every time you turned on like CNN or, or whatever channel, and ABC. Back then, I don't even know if we had CNN. But um, anyway, that's fun. That's a fun conversation, Brian. Um, let's see here. Do you guys want to talk about the Brightburn trailer? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, this was the movie that James Gunn was going to debut at uh, San Diego Comic Con. He was. He. I, I think he was either going to announce it. 
I don't know if they were going to show a trailer, but they ended up showing the trailer at uh, that uh, Brazilian Comic-Con over the weekend. And now then they released it shortly after. And um, basically, this movie is uh, what if a child from another world crash landed on Earth, but instead of becoming a hero to mankind, he proved to be something far more sinister. With Brightburn, the visionary filmmaker of Guardians of the Galaxy, and Slither presents a startling, subversive take on a radical new genre, superhero horror. So this movie is produced by James Gunn. It's written by Mark Gunn and Brian Gunn, and it's directed by David Yarevsky. And he was uh, he played uh, Goth Ravager in Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, he's helped James Gunn in other projects. Uh, he, yeah, he was involved in the Belko Experiment, uh, another uh, movie that James Gunn wrote the screenplay for. Um, basically, this is kind of like uh, if like, it takes the story of uh, the Kents from the Superman lore and uh, where they're asking for a kid. They want a kid, can't have a kid, and a kid crash lands here on Earth, and they've got their own little Superman baby. But what happens if that Superman <laughs> baby – what happens if that Superman baby could be possibly a weapon, a weapon of evil? And that's kind of like what we see kind of play out here in this trailer. Um, I I can't wait to see this. I thought this trailer was fantastic. It's uh, We've got Elizabeth Banks in this one. And uh, she looks great. She's playing the mother here. I can't wait to see it. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I thought this looks fucking great. You know, I, I loved Chronicle. Chronicle was a, was a fun kind of like twist on like the superhero genre too. But it was like that first person, you know, found footage shit. This is not found footage. This is not a found footage movie. This just looks like a regular movie. I, I, I think it looks fantastic. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I hope it's gory, R-rated. This kid looks freaky as fuck. Um, this, the last scene in the trailer kind of blew me away. I'm putting the trailer in our show notes, but I give it a Tupperware. I can't wait to see this. This trailer did its job. It makes me want to see this movie now. Um, Rebecca, what did you think? Oh, dude, like it blew me away, this trailer and like just watching it. And I I had read like that same tagline of like, what if Superman was evil kind of a thing. Um, And that's exactly what this movie asks. Like, what if we got Superman, but he was a he was a bad guy. Like um, this movie looks so amazing and just so cool. And it looks scary, but it looks like a lot of fun. And um yeah, like I, I really didn't know anything about this until I watched the trailer, and I am also going to Tupperware it. I love that last scene. That last scene, I watched it, and I was like, "Whoa, oh my goodness!" Like I can't, I'm like, I can't wait to see this movie. Um, yeah, total, total Tupperware. I would suggest everybody watch the trailer because it is really cool. Um, it's a really great concept. Yeah, uh, Ashley, what'd you think? Oh, I, I echo all of that. I I already liked the concept kind of going into watching it. And the trailer, like you all said, <clears throat> excuse me, it just uh, it just blew me away. It was so cool and creepy and weird. And it's one of those reasons why I like I actually started to appreciate Superman because I always looked at him as kind of this untouchable god. But it's like he has all these powers and but he chooses to be good. Right. So what if somebody had that equivalency, but they don't. <laughs> They don't choose good and they just are evil. So I I love it too. I think it's super cool. And I'm always on the 
hunt for something scary that's more psychologically scary or more something that where it's like a helpless like this uh helplessness um that this movie kind of has and yeah that last scene is is pretty crazy so i can't wait i think it's gonna be a romp i don't i don't know if he's got a choice it felt so weird in the trailer because he's like writing down all these different symbols it feels like he's got it in his genetic coding for like like the aliens sent him here to kind of like fuck with humanity but jake what'd you think Oh, yeah, I loved it, too. A lot of echoing what everyone says, man. Absolute Tupperware for me. Um, just to say something, like, different, I guess. I, I mean, I just love, like, all the stuff that you guys described is, like, to me, like, kind of the James Gunn formula, formula right? And it's just great seeing that back in action. And, you know, love seeing his name in the trailer. But, yeah, just the ability to have fun, funny conceits that have charming things going on, but then to just kind of turn that knife into your gut and just ratchet up the the horror element and to do the really outlandish freaky things like yeah this has me really excited um i almost hope there isn't any other trailer besides what we got here for this because i'm sold 100 percent already looks great yeah that's bright burn so check out the trailer it's going to be in our show notes uh but yeah it's it's sony uh looks really good and uh yeah, what if Superman turned out to be a dick? <laughs> right? That's what this What a dick. Yeah, that's what this movie is asking us. It's like what if Superman was a fucking asshole? Can't wait to see Superman be a dick. <laughs> super kid, really. Super kid be a dick. Yeah, a little super boy being a fucking little asshole. <laughs> super boy. Yeah. Super boy being a fucking dick. Um Ashley, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I have a I have a couple things. Um, first one being uh, the Avengers Prelude comic. So obviously, I was pretty excited to hear that that was going to be announced this week. So my friend and I made a whole trip out to the comic book store, made sure we got it, and uh, I fucking tossed this. This is trash. It is literally four dollars of them a story of telling them what we we already saw in Infinity War. So basically, it just takes. The first scenes of the movie with uh, with Thanos and Black Order and they're on the Asgardian ship and doing all that stuff basically up until the point where uh, Proxima Midnight and um, oh, what is his name? When they're attacking uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch. Corvus Glaive. That, Corvus Glaive, exactly. So it basically uh, ends there and then that's all you get. And so I wouldn't normally spoil this. But this is not even worth your money, and please don't waste your money on this if you think it's going to tell you anything. <laughs> wow, fuck so that, that book. That was pretty simple. <laughs> who wrote, like, like, who wrote that fucking book? I'm so – we were so angry. We have, like, this whole thing. We came back, and we, like, both got out of copies so we could read it, and we thought they were going to give us something, and it's all just rehashed it's, completely yeah. just like, you haven't seen this movie, but – you know, buy the comic book. So that's terrible. Yeah. You got two copies. Oh no. Oh, it was awful. Yes. Yes. It was bad. <laughs> so don't, don't, don't do my mistake. Don't repeat it. Um, yeah, the second one actually, uh, is actually another game trailer, uh, that just came out, uh, a couple days ago. Uh, it's called the outer worlds, uh, and it's developed by obsidian entertainment. So they did the original fallout, and Fallout New Vegas, which is like my absolute favorite. And I didn't realize that it wasn't Bethesda that actually produced uh, New Vegas. So I was really happy to see this. Um, I have a quick description here. 
So in the outer worlds, you awake from hibernation on a colonist ship that was lost in transit to Halcyon, the furthest colony from Earth located at the edges of the galaxy, only to find yourself in the midst of a deep conspiracy threatening to destroy it. As you explore the furthest reaches of space and encounter various factions, all vying for power, the character you decide to become will determine how this player-driven story unfolds. In the corporate equation for the colony, you are the unplanned variable. Um, and so I was like really interested in kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of feels, the trailer itself really feels like if you took Fallout and Bioshock and Borderlands and you like combine them all into one, um, it kind of has this, this um, realistic look, but the colors are really bright and uh, the graphics are stunning. And it's all in the backdrop of Iggy Pops, the passenger playing. So it really kind of sets the tone um, for the game itself. And it looks like uh, a hell of a lot of fun. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. So if you're into any of those franchises, I would definitely suggest checking out the trailer and see if it's something you want to get. It's going to come out next year. I wish I could nice. say very. I wish I could say very cool. I just don't play any video games. Uh, it looks like it's going to be out for all of them. It's all Xbox, PS4, uh, I think PC, PC as well. So it looks like it's going to be for for all the console, well, minus the Switch, I guess, but for all of the the main consoles. So yeah, for the gamers out there, I guess. No, it's got to be for the gamers, and that's cool. I just, <laughs> I just, oh god, I'm just so out of the gaming loop. So. I like watching the gaming videos. I love getting on Reddit and watching all the video game videos. They're a blast, but I just can't sit around and fucking play them. <laughs> I don't know how you people find the time to play five hours of video games a night. Oh, my gosh. I'm Well, I'm, if I'm not playing Overwatch, that is. I can't quit that game. That game just invaded my life. <laughs> and then I, I play it so consistently. But, yeah, I, I've turned into a big gamer lately. It's just there's just been a lot in the past few months that it really ramped it up as far as new games. Cause before that, I felt like there wasn't a lot going on and I was kind of playing some of the old stuff. So it's cool to see all these new announcements. Like God of War came out and that was great. Spider-Man was great. Yeah. Um, I'm playing fallout 76 right now, which is interesting. Uh, it's not as bad as everybody's saying though. I'm still enjoying playing it a little bit. So, but yeah, very cool. Rebecca, you got two more things you said. Yeah. Two quick things here. Um, on Netflix, you, there's a new season. It's a short season of Nailed It. That came out, I think, on the 5th. Um, it's So it, it, it's their holiday-themed. It's like seven episodes. Um, I mean, if you're a fan of Nailed It, you're going to love this. It's more – it's just more. So it's like Nicole just continues to be hilarious and over-the-top. Jacques is just so charming. They have a different guest judge every week uh, as usual. Um, they do have a couple of really funny episodes. They have one that is New Year's Eve themed. I think that was probably my favorite um, hmm. because they had um, the guest judge was a guy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine who was on one of the actors. And he was just making so many jokes that like the cameraman couldn't stop laughing. And they kept like calling him out on it. Like, Rob, stop laughing. And they kept <laughs> panning over to him. And um, it was just it was really, really funny. And then they had an episode where like they brought back three previous contestants have nailed it like to play again um and that was just adorable and so funny um yeah like if you're a fan of nailed it like totally check this out it's holiday themed so it's like christmas stuff hanukkah Hmm. new year's eve um 
I, 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 I continue just to Tupperware it. It's just so funny. It's just so. It's hilarious. I'm watching I love that. it. I I'm... just love it. And then, like, this season, so actually, this season, this, this like little seven episode season, I put it on uh, with my mom, and she'd never seen not one episode of Nailed It. Mm. And so she was like laying on the couch, and like, as the episode's going on, she like sits up, then she like leans forward, and then she's like, Oh my God! What are these people doing? Like, <laughs> so like now I got my mom hooked on it. It's just, yeah, it's great. So yeah, it, you you could binge them all in one day if you want to. It's like it's only like seven episodes. So, um, yeah. So uh, nailed it. Uh, holiday episodes are up. That's on, awesome. On Netflix. I gotta watch it. I love Nicole oh, Byers. I love that fucking show. You know how much I yeah, love it. Yeah. Same. Yeah, and then like the, the just the last thing is um the new Mystery Science Theater. 3000 season um i i know brian you've watched a couple of episodes anybody else watched any episodes of the new season i have not mm-hmm. okay yeah so like this is um a f- follow-up to the to to the previous season of course it ended uh with we thought jonah like got eaten got uh by like <laughs> some giant uh reptilicus monster i think and I, I love how, like, in the first episode, J- Jonah's right back on the satellite yeah. of love, and uh, like the bots don't even acknowledge that anything happened. And Jonah's like, "Don't you want to hear how I escaped?" And they're like, "Not really," but it's a really epic story. Yeah, maybe later. Like they just <laughs> so don't care. Um, I'm, I'm about halfway through the season. There's only like I think six episodes this year. Um, I have to say, like, I did enjoy Atlantic Rim, which is. <laughs> It's a complete, it is a blatant ripoff of Pacific Rim. Like, they don't even try to hide that. It is so funny. But I have to say, like, the very first episode is that movie Mac and Me, which uh, one of my younger sisters was, like, obsessed with that movie when it came out. So we used to watch it all the time when we were kids. So I've seen that movie like a bunch of times. And then watching it being riffed was just like, it was it was just magic. I, I loved it. Um, Brian, I don't know how you feel about this season so far, but I'm not a fan of the sketches in between. I don't find them as funny as I did last year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh, it's, okay. I agree. It's the, it's definitely the movies themselves is like when I'm having the most fun this season, you know? And mm-hmm. I used to look forward to like, you know, their the invention exchange and I don't really care anymore, which sucks. Yeah. So I don't know, but I, I've only finished the first two episodes. So, um, but Atlantic Rim was fucking <laughs> amazing. Oh, boom. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god! You gotta you gotta watch it. Mystery Science Theater three thousand. You gotta watch the Atlantic Rim episode. Oh my, that guy is such a fucking. He's like the he's like a mixture of like Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother and Stifler and all the fucking oh, like yes. every yeah. horrible male role model you could ever think of. Like Harvey Weinstein, I'm sure. I mean, just throw them all in there. He's just a huge piece of shit, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, the, the, the like, quote unquote hero of that movie is such an asshole. Yeah. And like, he's like always getting drunk. And uh, like, it's, I can't believe somebody made this movie. Like, it's so just, bad. 
it's just always. But I, I don't know. Like I, as much as I laughed at that one, I have to say, I, I guess because of the, the the nostalgia, I I laughed so hard at Mac and me. Because I remember, did you watch that movie ever, Brian, as a kid, like before? <laughs> I couldn't get through it as a kid. Oh, my. Well, yeah, I, I watched it like a shit ton of times. Um, <laughs> I, I remembered like that movie very clearly. Um, but when they caught, when they like started with the whole pretty nice. like oh, that was great. That was great. <laughs> pretty nice like that whole episode like that was just the catchphrase but yeah yeah, like i i say i would say so far it's it's a high taste it for me i I, i'm just not enjoying the sketches as much this year as i did last year um jonah was great last year oh yeah absolutely he was super great last year yeah but this year, I don't know. And then, like, they're making such a big deal, like, calling it the gauntlet. Like, yeah. I'm going to make you sit down and watch these movies back to back to back. And it's like, well, yeah, but, like, if I watch one now and a one a week later, it doesn't mean anything. Like, it, it just, I don't know. It's like, it's just like a stupid, silly premise that they've just thrown in there. Um I don't know. I still love Pat Oswalt yeah. uh, as like a uh, TV son of TV's Frank. Right. And, <clears throat> but, you know, um, Felicia Day, it, it, it takes a minute to it get does. used to her and for her to grow on you. Yeah. It's, I mean, she's not, I mean, she's not my favorite. Of course, I miss Dr. Forrester and uh, uh, what's her name? Pan- was it Panga? Ugh. Um, Anger. No, I'm trying to think. Is that her? I'm trying to think. Dr. Forrester's mother. What was her name? Oh, oh, gosh. I can't remember his mother's name now. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just I'm, remember him always calling her mother. I, right. I, I can't remember her first name. But, I mean, I had an easier adjustment from, like, losing Dr. Forrester to getting her to, like, that was an easier adjustment to, like, Felic- uh, Felicity Day. Um, yeah. She's, she's hard. She's rough. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of the sketches this year in between. Um, but I think that they've chosen really, really great movies to be riffed, like movies that like definitely should be riffed. But um, yeah, so far I'm at a high taste. I could end up Tupperwareing it by the end, but uh, yeah, I, I've watched about halfway through the season. Nice. Yeah, I uh, I finished the first two episodes, and like I am. Fucking Atlantic Rim was amazing. Oh, it's great. <laughs> fucking amazing. I that guy is such a fucking prick. Dude, he's like talking like 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 what was it? Like his buddy and his girlfriend are like they 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 kept talking about like how they hooked up one night and they're yeah. worried worried about telling him. And when they meant hooked up, I meant I thought they meant like they fucked each other. They just made out? Are you they fucking kidding? It was so stupid. They were like, we have to tell him. We yeah. can't tell him. Tell me what? And it's like, oh, well, we kiss. Oh, as long as you didn't fuck, I guess it's okay. Yeah. Like, oh I was like, God. are you kidding me? <laughs> That's so this weird. This guy is such a fucking douche. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm loving it so far, but... Um, yeah, I, uh, one more thing for Good Pop, Bad Pop, and then we're going to end and then go into news. Um, but uh, I watched Bumblebee this week. They had uh, – you could go to select theaters, had it, where you could watch it uh, two weeks early. So I, I 
you know, they've been teasing G1 Transformers in this film. This film takes place in 1987. I have since I was a seven-year-old kid, wanted to see G1 Transformers on the screen. And so I was like, I bought my ticket. My, I had to drive to a theater that was two hours away in order to watch this. Um, I'm not going to spoil the crap out of this movie, people, so don't worry about that. But I will tell you, this movie, in my opinion, is a Tupperware. It is phenomenal. This is how you roll out a Transformers movie to the masses, but yet keep fans of the 80s cartoon very happy mostly happy and i'm not saying that the transformers movies that came before weren't made for the masses because i know everybody came in droves to watch the bayformers films i'm not saying (laughs) that they didn't those movies were financially fucking box office successes i 100 percent i i 100 believe that they were huge box office successes for paramount My thing is, this is how you make a Transformers movie for the masses that keeps not only, you know, uh, that I think it should do well financially. I would hope it would. But I think it's also going to keep, like, 80s cartoon G1 fans very happy. Um, It's a delicate balance. If you're a diehard G1 fan, like I am, I love that. And, but, and you only want to see shit that happens, like, on Cybertron, you're not going to get that in this movie. They had to, I mean, a lot of it takes place on Earth, but you do, like, literally in the first ten minutes of this movie, you're on Cybertron. There's no humans. You are on Cybertron. And you see Transformers in this movie that you do not expect to see. Like, we saw, like, in the trailer, we saw Soundwave, but I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, is that that person? Oh, my God, is that that robot? Oh, my God, I can't believe that we're getting this robot right now. This is insane. And um, it, it'll bring a – if you're a G1 fan, the I'm telling you, the first 10 minutes of this movie will bring a fucking tear to your eye. It'll it'll. I was like, I had the biggest smile on my face the first ten <laughs> minutes of this movie. I could not. My jaw was open. I could not stop. I want to watch it again. I I want to. I can't wait to watch this movie again and see those scenes again. Not only are the Cybertron scenes amazing, people, but this movie in general has more heart than any Bayformers film before it. There, there's so much heart in this movie. John Cena is fantastic in his role. Haley Steinfeld, her performance with this, with, um, with, with Bumblebee is just so touching. Her family, her interactions with her family are hilarious. Sometimes they're sad. Um, it's, I do. I, I don't want to spoil this, but my God, go opening fucking day when <laughs> how, this comes out. How is Cena, Brian? Cena's great. Cena's really good. Uh, Cena's fantastic. I, I mean, he's one of the first characters that you're introduced to in this movie, and he and he sells it from the get go. And um, I, you got to see this movie. This is this is hands. The inter- I, I said this on Twitter that and. Don't take okay. the introductions to the two Decepticons that are the major Decepticons in this movie is taken straight out of the page. Their introductions to the to Earthlings 
to humans is taken. It feels like it's taken straight out of the pages of the screenplay for Superman two. When Gen- oh. when oh my god when General Zod arrives here and he meets like you know like the the rednecks and shit like that, that's what you get here. It feels one hundred percent like it was like a love letter to Superman two with the way these aliens show up on the planet, and 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 you know there's even uh, do you want to hear one thing? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You do get to hear a little bit of You Got the Touch. <gasps> Are you serious? I'm not oh kidding you. <laughs> this movie, this, this movie. Lyrics and all? Yes. Um, <laughs> this movie. I, oh, I'm so happy to hear you say all this, Brian. I'm so happy to hear this. The music in this is fantastic. The way that Travis Knight uses um, Bumblebee to communicate with not only music but with like you know words that are said over the radio in this one are just absolutely amazing. Haley Steinfeld is so good. She is so fucking good in this movie and like um I'm this is not I don't think that this is necessarily like like you know everybody got that Amblin feel like this is not ET. You I don't think like you're watching ET here. You're not watching fucking ET. There is a you scene that then. There is a scene at the end of this fucking movie that'll bring a goddamn tear to your eye if you're a G1 <laughs> fan. There is a f- I I when I when I watch that scene. And the people that have seen this, they know what I'm talking about. When I watch that scene, <laughs> that scene on that bridge. You know what I'm talking about people that watch this early. You know what I'm talking about? That scene on that bridge. Yeah. Yeah, that scene. That fucking scene. That'll bring a fucking tear to your eye. That was beautiful. I think that this movie right here was kind of like it's the it's basically I don't think that the world is ready for a 100 percent Cybertron movie. You have to do this stepping stones, people, because you got to do this one before you get there. All right. You got to learn to crawl before you learn to walk. And like this is what this is what this movie does. This is like this is getting families into Bumblebee. And also at the same time, they're there's they're spoon feeding them Cybertron. Like, hey, check out the shit going on in this cool alien robot planet. You know, you get that. You get sound wave with the vocoder voice. You don't get us, oh you know. Yeah, you get. I you, watch this movie. Yeah, you get. You get. <laughs> I had to drive. I had to drive two hours to go to a theater. The closest theater that was playing this was a Warrenburg Theater, two hours away from me in O'Fallon, Illinois, and it was a great theater, beautiful screen and a huge screen and leather recliner seats. There was a guy that that was in there, an usher, and he was watching the whole time. Do not have your phones out. No recording. Like, and if somebody had their phone out, he'd be over there fucking, like, barking at him and shit. You know, put your fucking phone away, you know? And so, um, but uh, I'm telling you, this is the best live-action Transformers movie ever. It is amazing. It'll make fucking G1 fans squee in their fucking seats during certain scenes. Uh, yeah, you think you've seen all the G1 Transformers in the trailer? You ain't seen shit. Wait until you watch the first 10 minutes of this. You will be blown away. And not only, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Um, 
<laughs> oh man! Oh, it's it's so good. It's so good. I I think that maybe some like diehard Transformers purists might have certain issues with some of the things that happen in this movie. And there are some dumb shit that ha- there is some dumb shit that happens in this movie. But I think this is the way that you get. I think this is where this is how you can show audiences that this can work. You have to make this movie to get the next one. And this movie also, in a lot of ways, kind of like ignores what happens in previous movies. It doesn't 100% ignore them, but it kind of does in a lot of ways. <laughs> it, it doesn't kind of pay a lot of homage to the Bayformers shit. I mean, it, wait, so Brian, so yeah. Brian, so for somebody like me, I am the opposite. I don't have the past, the history. To love, all I have is you, occasional Bayformers. Yeah. Can I watch this movie and fall in love with these characters? Yeah, you're gonna watch this movie and you're gonna like. It's gonna give you everything that you need, and it's like it's like the Transformers starter kit. <laughs> Soft reboot. Yeah, I really like the trailer. Honestly, like, yeah, I thought it it was really. I, I loved the interaction she had. You know, with with him, little Beetle. Like, I, I was like, okay, I I think I, I'm hesitant because my experience, like I said, has not been great. Oh, so you're gonna, this is really exciting. It's great. This is the holiday movie to see. I don't know how Aquaman's going to be. I got my early tickets for Aquaman. I'm going to see that uh, next Saturday. But I don't know how that's going to be. But, like, as of right now, I've already purchased my second ticket for my second viewing of Bumblebee. And I can't wait to see Bumblebee again. It was – I had a blast. I'm pissed off that I got to wait two weeks to watch this movie again (laughs) because it was that good. It was so fantastic. I had so much fun. Like, I – yeah. My – I – the first ten minutes – awoken my inner child and then the rest oh, of it. Oh, I love that. It was, yeah. it was, it was that moment because like this has been a gr- great year for Transformers fans because we got to see the animated movie brought back to theaters for the first time since 1986. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip mm-hmm. side, we got this Bumblebee movie where I got to see my G1 characters acting like G1 characters yes. doing shit on Cybertron, transforming into like their Cybertronian vehicles and yes, if you go back and you watch the very first episode of Transformers and you see what Thundercracker and Starscream transform into, they look exactly like they fucking did in oh this God. movie on Cybertron. They turned That's into awesome. they turned into their Cybertronian vehicle counterparts on Cybertron. I was blown away by that. That they looked exactly like they did in the very first Transformers cartoon. Travis Knight, this is a love letter, I think, to Transformers fans of G1. And I, you know, for some Transformers G1 fans, this might not be the movie that they want. They want to get that, they want to get Unicron, they want to get, they want to see a full movie on Cybertron. Guys, we got to get this movie. You got to crawl before you learn to walk. You got to, this is the movie that, that's got to set things off. And it's crazy, in my opinion, that Bumblebee is the movie to do that. That's crazy. But now, now I'm ready for an Orion Pax movie. I want a tra- I want an Optimus Prime origin story movie starring Orion Pax. I want to. I want to see that movie now. Yeah, I'm down. Give it to me. I want to see it. And I think like maybe this opens up the fact that they can bring humans to Cybertron to help fight in this war. Maybe we'll see John Cena show up in another movie. 
You know, maybe we'll see John Cena show up in another movie, but he's showing up on Cybertron. I don't know. We'll see. I this if this does not get a sequel, I would be surprised. I would love to see. You know, when they were talking about getting that whole new Transformers writers room and and just kind of like restarting and redoing this whole thing, I was skeptical. And then when they when they when they got director Travis Knight. That's when I kind of like said, hey, we might have something here. Everybody else, Jake, besides me and you and a lot of other people still focused on Michael Bay. They're just still focused on Michael Bay. But like when they said Travis Knight, me and you were like, what? They might, they're doing something different here. This is the guy from Leica Studios. This is the guy who's been able to put together some great stories over there at Leica. Kubo and the Two Strings, Coraline, uh, Paranorman. We thought that, they, that we thought that this might be something special. We were one hundred percent right. That's great, man. I'm so glad. I know how much you were looking forward to this, and then like added to the two hour drive you had to make to go see it. Like it would have been just such a fucking bummer if it would have not lived up to your expectations. But it sounds like it more than exceeded them. Dude, I've been waiting twenty plus years to see this in live action. I couldn't wait two more weeks. I had to go see this, and <laughs> it was worth every fucking minute of that drive it was so good i had so much fun i had a blast and it, there's so much heart in this one too there really is and there's you're hu- making me smile just like hearing you talk about it <laughs> just because of like the geek and tell you know like, yeah it's that's that makes me excited because i was i yeah it's kind of hard to get into since it's been established for like you know decades at this point uh, all this backstory and stuff, and it was like hard for me to now presently go back. So this is exciting. It's so sweet. You've got Optimus Prime saying, "Bumblebee, you, <laughs> it is, it's your job to protect the planet." And you're just like, and then, yes. and then, and then, oh my god, there is a scene in this where, like, okay, so he's bonded with that girl. There is a scene in this where they, where they, where someone hurts her. And you see Bumblebee get fucking pissed. Oh, my God. That scene, I was just like, I was just glued to my seat. Like, you see, like, Bumblebee's, you know, beautiful blue eyes turn to red. And he just starts kicking ass. Like, I'm, oh, that's all I'm going to say. Man. That's it. Oh, I'm not I can't gonna... wait to see this movie. It's, 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 <laughs> it's a story about, it's, it's, a, it's a story about an alien and a girl who has um, her family, her family element has changed quite a bit. And it's about two people that really need each other. And it's a robot and this little girl. And it is a, I love this movie. And it, and it like, like I said, it brought out my inner child from that first 10 minutes. I was like, this is what I have wanted to see since I was a, since I was a six year old boy and my parents bought me my first transformer trailbreaker. <laughs> my first transformer was trailbreaker. And then my next, my next birthday or Christmas or whatever it was, it was like, I, that's what I wanted all my toys to be. I wanted all transformers, all transformers. I love these toys. And this movie was just everything that I've wanted to see. And I think that this movie was enough to hopefully kick that off to where we could, we, Jake, we could see fucking like Unicron. We could see a Cybertron movie in the future. Like this, I think this movie can do it. And Travis Knight, thank you, sir. I fucking, my, my hat's off to you. You did it. You did it. You did, 
You did the fucking franchise right, in my opinion. And my God, a, a proper Devastator. Can I get a proper 1987 Devastator with real, <laughs> with real fucking like concrete mixer vehicle and a real fucking like four, you know, like one of those fucking, uh, uh, I'm, I'm fucking trying to think of like what all the vehicle, they had uh, the cement mixer, they had the, uh, I'm trying to think of all the different vehicles that were that made up Devastator, but you know what I'm getting at. All those construction vehicles, like the dump, oh, yeah. the, the big dump truck, and um, I mean, it, it could all happen. It could all happen just from this from this movie if it is a success. So yes, please go out and see this movie. I'm going to see it at least two, three, four times. Perfect. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be a thick crowd with the holiday movies. But, man, if it's as good as you say it is, I think you will get people return seeing it. You're going to love it. I know. I think Jacob Harmon's going to love this movie. I think Jacob Harmon will love this one because it's got a lot of 80s. Oh, my God. All the 80s stuff in this movie. Oh, my God. It's so much fun. Um, I don't, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it. I really don't want to spoil it. I want people to go in and enjoy and have fun with all the eighties nostalgia, um, d- everything down to eighties movies, eighties music, and even eighties cereal people. It's all there. It's all there. You'll be like, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. You'll love it. it there's so much goodness in this movie. It's so fun. So my audience is cracking up. We all clapped at the end. It was fantastic. It's not one of those things where we are all kind of caught up in the hype of it just because, like, oh, we're the first people to, you know, first audiences to get to kind of, like, see this. It really wasn't that. It was people watching a great movie and having a fun time. So, yeah, Bumblebee, highly recommend. It's a fucking Tupperware through the roof for me. So I loved it. And I, well, I'll, well, I'm going to have a future breakdown episode. I've got some people coming on. Rebecca, you're going to be on that one. Right? Yes, I will. Yes, right. I will. I was like, you better fucking wait be. Watch yeah. it. I can't yeah. wait for you to watch it. I know. You know I love it. <laughs> like I, I went to go see when they when they put the, the, the movie back in the theater this year. I went uh, and saw it too and yeah. uh I, I dragged my best friend who only like has like casual knowledge of the Transformers and she loved it. Like she had no idea about all this G one stuff. So I was super pumped about Bumblebee movie. Mm-hmm. I and hearing you gush over it, like knowing how much of a fan you are, it just I it just makes it makes my heart happy. Like that this is gonna be a movie that I'm I'm so sure that I'm gonna love it too. Like Oh, man, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> it's, oh, God, I had so much fun. I can't wait to see it again. I want to see it right fucking now. I want to stop talking to you fucking yahoos and watch this fucking movie again. Aww. I know. It's, it's, it's too bad they were so strict on the cell phones, right? No one got a good cam. I know. Oh, so <laughs> fantastic. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll do the Pop Culture Leftovers news. Sounds good. All right, hey, we are back. It is now time for the Pop Culture Leftovers News. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. Real quick, Bumblebee is so fucking good. Ha! <laughs> this just in. <laughs> just in case, you forgot. You get to see a full <laughs> view of Cybertron the way it should look. 
is beautiful, Jake. Oh, man. It is gorgeous. I can't wait to see that. I need to see that. Hopefully my theater has the 3D. Did Uh, you see it in 3D? No, it was not 3D. I will be seeing it. Hopefully if it is in 3D, I'll be seeing it in 3D. I've already got my uh, ticket to see it in uh, Dolby Atmos, which I can't wait. But uh, I will watch it definitely again in 3D. Oh, man. Can I talk about something I've already talked about again? (laughs) Fuck it. Why not? Dude, I, I forgot to tell you one of the most hilarious things about Smash Brothers Ultimate. They totally rip off um, Marvel's Infinity War movie. Have you seen this? No. Like, I, I saw people talking about it on social media, but I didn't click or pay attention to it. And I was just like, oh, whatever. But the whole plot of the game is, like, basically all the characters get dusted by the main villain. And they literally show, like, every major Nintendo and franchise character getting dusted and it's it's basically almost the same effect they get hit by this light and then they turn into all this black dust and like fade away and i was just like oh my god how cheap i mean it's still fun to see all these different characters have it happen to but it's hard not to imagine that someone at the boardroom didn't just say let's just do the exact same thing that happened at the end of that popular marvel movie thanos is a big dude right big guy right yes okay uh, and he dusts people, you know, with the infinity. Gun. Can you imagine if Thanos crop dusted some heroes in a movie? If he just, if Thanos, like a fart? Yeah, like if he cracked a, if he cracked a rat right there, it just, you know, can you like with the? <laughs> I think a few of the heroes might die if Thanos cracked a rat. You know, if he fucking dropped ass. <laughs> Right on the yeah, Avengers. He potentially could have saved the gauntlet and just gone with that route and had the gauntlet for backup. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty much. Oh, man. I would hate. Yeah. Oh, I would hate to be around to smell a Thanos fart. You think we'll get a, a like a Thanos Hulk fart off in the second movie? Yeah. Maybe like they all go eat shawarma and then drop ass later. <laughs> that sounds like post credit, like thumbs up right there. Right. Uh, we didn't do a uh, – I didn't do a uh, Michael Cannon mashup this week. I'm going to give him the week off unless <laughs> unless he wants to do – I got one mashup. You guys ready? Yeah, I'll hear it. It's a Dumb and Dumber mashup, and it's Dam and Dahmer. It's Jean-Claude Van Damme and Jeffrey Dahmer, the serial killer. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> So much. Oh, my God, I love that so much. So, yeah, if you want to give me damn and Dahmer. (laughs) Dumb and Dumber. man. Yeah. Dahmer loves that scene in Bloodsport where the fucking bone pops up that everyone else cringes at. Dahmer just fucking rewinds that shit over and over again. (laughs) And he gets hungry. I was. was, He fucking loves it. I'm going to go for a snack right about now. Everybody else watches Food Network. He just watches that. (laughs) <laughs> like oh cringe he's like oh give me more more of that <laughs> Rebecca did you hear that uh, the director of the last two Mission Impossible movies Christopher McQuarrie was in an interview with Forbes and he was talking about another franchise he'd be interested in he said Star Trek is another one of those really yeah wow yeah. that's interesting yeah so what I mean hold on do you think that uh do you think that the uh, studio is like, okay, I know we've got this Tarantino movie possibly in the works, but my God, can you imagine Christopher McQuarrie doing a uh, – I, 
I know he's busy. It, it, it'll be a while if this ever happens. He's working on Top Gun Maverick right now. He's expressed interest in possibly if they ever do a Man of Steel 2. He wants to work with Henry Cavill again. He's expressed interest in that. I don't know if we'll ever get that. But, like, Christopher McQuarrie doing a Star Trek movie. Oh, my God. I, I'm I, all- I- I'd be more down for that than a Tarantino movie. I'm not going to lie. Oh, like, I want I, ta- I want Tarantino. <laughs> give me Tarantino. Yeah, I, I, give me the Tarantino. No, I, I get it. I, I know. I'm just so, like, I'm so protective of Star Trek. Like, I, I'm so, like, I just want to, like, I want to, like, wrap my arms around the franchise and, like, examine people who want to come and look at it and be like, no, not you. <laughs> Like, I, that's just how I feel about it. But, like, I, I'm sure I'm in the minority. There's plenty of people I know who are Trek fans that want to see Tarantino do it. But I, I, for me, anyway, I, I would be more interested uh, for uh, Macquarie to do it. Yeah. Uh, the Rap is reporting that Patrick Stewart's Jean-Luc, Jean-Luc Picard tra- Star Trek series is going to debut at the end of 2019. Uh, David Nevins, the newly named chief creative officer of CBS Corporation, told attendees at the 46th annual UBS Global Media and Communications Conference that the still untitled series should debut sometime a year from now. Quote, in 2019, it's not one Star Trek, it's two two Star Treks. Uh, Discovery at the beginning of the year and Picard will start at the end of the year. So, yeah, uh, we're going to have two Star Trek series in 2019. I hope the series is just called Picard. Me too. Oh, dude, I if they just call it Picard, I oh, that'd be so good. I I cannot wait for this series. Oh god, I'm just so excited that like Patrick Stewart is excited to do it. You know what I mean? Like he's been on Twitter talking about how excited he is to step back into this role and oh, I can't wait to see it. Whatever they give me, I just can't wait to see it. Yeah, I think it's going to be great to see where this character is now, mm-hmm. you know, years later. Oh, yeah, what 100%. And, you know, there are people who are, like, worried that uh, about the Star Trek finale, um, all good things, where he, he sees his future. He has Iverson's – not – is it Iverson's disease? He has, like, some disease that they have in the future. <laughs> and, it, and they're, like, afraid that, like um, – Oh, he'll have this disease if they follow that same timeline. But I mean, they're not, they don't have to do that. They're not locked into it. The, the next generation movies have gone on timelines that completely contradict how next generation ended. So, I mean, they could, I mean, they're not locked into that. If they wanted to do it, they could, or they could go in other directions too. So like, I'm not worried about like little things like that. I think, as long as they just keep him as the focus of the series, mm. it'll be a success. I agree. I can't wait. It's gonna be, it's gonna be exciting. I think it'll. I think that's gonna be one of those shows that CBS All Access once it that once they roll it out, they're gonna start seeing the subscriptions coming through. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. Sure. Also, I mean, CBS All Access um, as as much as like YouTube Premium looks like it's gonna be kind of like going to the free ad ad route you know which is unfortunate um we kind of talked about that last week it looks like cbs all access with like the twilight zone series with jordan peele and everything i think that they're just going to keep on trucking with stuff so hopefully it'll be a success and we'll get 
Wow. That's, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That is <laughs> that was somebody walking by out the window. I'm walking <laughs> further inside. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, but yeah, hey, let's move on from <laughs> <laughs> from the window. <laughs> I no, I live so I am in my friend's apartment, and it's on the first floor, and it's like one of those old spots, so it has a radiator, and it gets super hot, so you have like the windows propped open, so like. You know, I'm in the city, so there's weirdos that walk by and like to, to say random ass shit. That's awesome. We got like <laughs> a to, like, we got a total like rando moment there with like a weirdo totally. walking by. <laughs> that, that's a real thing. That that's not uncommon here. So. <laughs> hey, uh, news from Variety: Halo series at Showtime loses director Rupert Wyatt. Rupert Wyatt has stepped down as the director and executive producer of the Halo series that's currently in works at Showtime. Quote, it's with great disappointment that changes to the production schedule of Halo prevent me from continuing in my role as the director of the series. My time on Halo has been a creatively rich and rewarding experience with a phenomenal team of people. I now join the legion of fans out there excited to see the, the finished series and wishing everyone involved the best. Um, this is not good news. This is really bad news. And I don't think that it's what he's saying here. I honestly think that this – if I had to guess, I'm thinking this comes down not to down to scheduling issues. I, I think it's coming down to the budget that they're giving him and creative differences. I think that this is a smokescreen for a bigger problem that's going on over at Showtime. This Halo series has had the longest – I mean, Jake, this has been a nightmare. This was originally supposed to be a movie over a decade ago. I think at one time, uh, I'm trying to think, Guillermo del Toro was attached to this thing. Uh, Steven Spielberg has been an executive producer on this thing. Who is writing, writing this thing? It was Alex Garland at one time was writing the theatrical version of the Halo movie that was supposed to come out. Um, Denzel Washington was once cast. They, they, he was rumored to be cast as Master Chief. I, I, I just, I don't I don't think Showtime's going to give this thing the budget that it deserves. I think that there was creative differences, and I think that's why he walked away here. I could be way off base and not know what I'm talking about. It just sounds like production schedule has continued. Come on. I, I'm not buying it. Yeah, there's just so much money that's it's going to take to make this thing that, it, and they're not just going to come right out and say what the real issue behind the scenes is. I think, but yeah, I agree. It sounds like sounds like some wag the dog action going on behind the scenes there. This had an order of ten episodes, and I don't know. I'm really worried for this now. I really thought that they. We're going to give this the money, the attention that it deserves. The Halo is a big name. It's a big name in the video game market, and I think like it's a big name in science fiction for me. I, I love the Halo series. Yeah, last time we talked about this, Brian, both of us talked about this being like a premium channel seller, basically. Yes. Yeah, like this is the real dude. You can't tell me that they tell that they, if they if they nail that first trailer for this series. And you hear the music. Oh, dude, people go nuts. <laughs> the people would go nuts if they fucking nailed it, dude. If you hear that music and you see the action that's going to go on. If, if you see a live action fucking Halo Warthog, if they built one of those things, 
right? I mean, you can if you can build a Batmobile, you can build a warthog. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they got to give this the attention. They got to give it the effects. They can't half-ass it. It's Halo. Just by name alone, it's going to bring eyes all over it, right? The first image, the first trailer, the first anything yes, yes. is going to have the heads turning and the heads scrutinizing. Who doesn't want to so. turn on their TV every week and see space marines fighting aliens, Jake? That's awesome. And it just feels like – I don't know. I, I don't – Showtime lost a really good director. I think Rupert Wyatt is the kind of director that could have could have done a great job on this series. They lost him. I don't see this going anywhere right now. I don't know. This could even stall out, man. This whole series could stall out. This whole ten order episode could go away if they don't get somebody to come in here and fill this up real quick. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I think um like the only solace, I guess, is it's a big enough name of a franchise that even if this gets washed, like it's definitely gonna, it's gonna come back to life, right? It's gonna Phoenix, and someone else is gonna want to have to do something with. Yeah, it. and then we're gonna get the fucking Assassin's Creed movie, right? I mean, I, that's what I don't want here. <laughs> <laughs> have you? Did you go see? Did you see that? You yes, I reviewed it on the fucking. <laughs> I reviewed it on the show. It was terrible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I blanked that out. Either I missed that show or I blanked it out. Yeah, I've I've still avoided that shit like the plague. That's what I don't want here. I don't want them to like you. Oh man, I was so hopeful for this for the first time ever. I was so hopeful that we were gonna get something Halo that wasn't gonna be like, you know, one of these direct-to-video fucking like movies. I know they've done Mike Coulter, who was our Luke Cage, was in a live-action Halo movie that they did but like might as well just watch a atlantic rim right rebecca i mean come on yeah pretty yeah. much yeah so, I, I mean i i don't know i watched that assassin's creed movie at home and i fell asleep halfway through it was pretty sad. <laughs> it was pretty terrible gosh <sighs> it's unfortunate hopefully the they can get somebody to come in there and fill rupert wyatt's shoes but man that was a great get for them i think rupert wyatt's the kind of director that can come in there and do something really good and he he's a good director he gets shit done and it's unfortunate they lost him so i don't have that much confidence left in that project gi joe spinoff movie news here from the rat people uh oh no Oh, no. I love that. Oh, no. What was the best part of the new G.I. Joe movies? It was Snake Um, Eyes, right? Sure. I was going to say the second one was the fact that I didn't watch it. Well, (laughs) fair enough. The the best part of those G.I. Joe movies for me was Snake Eyes, was the relationship with him and Storm Shadow. It was all that stuff. They're making a G.I. Joe spinoff movie here. Robert Schwanke, the director of Red and R.I.P.D., is set to direct Snake Eyes based on the G.I. Joe universe, the Paramount AllSpark Pictures. Individuals with knowledge of the project tell the rap. All right, so I recently watched Bumblebee, which was Paramount and AllSpark Pictures, and I love this movie. I love... Travis Knight, huge fan of Travis Knight. I am not a huge fan of Robert Schwenke. I did like Red. I don't know what 
like what's the general consensus on red the bruce willis helen mirren spy older spy movie i enjoyed the first one never saw the second one but i really loved rad yeah i think the second one's considered a pooper and most people appreciate the first one but r.i.p.d was garbage that was uh, that was um, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, with um, Ryan Reynolds, the dude, and, and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, it was Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds, and it was based in the Hellboy universe. Um, R.I.P.D. Uh, that's a Mike Mignola creation. It was not a good movie. It was kind of like Men in Black meets Monsters instead of. Yes, I actually did see it, and you were you were correct. It was terrible. Yeah, probably one of the five worst movies I've ever seen in the theater. Potentially, so they're looking. They're looking at a GI Joe spinoff here, directed by Robert Schwenke, um, and it's going to be eyeing a March twenty seventh, twenty twenty release date. This is a tough one, Jake. I loved. I loved. I really did enjoy Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow in the. G.I. Joe movies. The problem here is you've got a character that doesn't talk at all. Your main character doesn't talk and he has a mask on the whole time. So that this is not like Carl Urban's Dread where he has a mask on the whole time like, and he's still able to talk. This is literally your main character doesn't say a fucking word and wears a mask the entire time. He does have like a little wolf dog that hangs out with them and shit. But like, dude, I, dude, how do you how do you and and like you're they're not giving me any confidence with this director at all. It's not like they've got like a director that I'm like confident in that that can do this. Like I haven't seen anything from Robert Schwenke that makes me think that he can handle a lead character that doesn't talk and wears a mask the whole time. And um so I mean I I the second the second uh the second, his name's fun to say. His name is very schwanky. <laughs> it's very fun. Schwanky, schwanky or schwanky, whatever his fucking name is. But he's got that going. He's got that going. That's like a really great adjective. Like, like how was the party, Brian? Real schwanky. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. His last name yeah. might as well be his last name might as well be Kessis, you know, as far as I'm concerned. But <laughs> I don't, it's it's the uh, the second GI Joe movie. Correct me if I'm wrong here. I think it was directed by the same director that directed Crazy Rich Asians. Whoa! Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I didn't see the second one. I have no <laughs> idea. The second one had Bruce Willis, and it had uh, what's her name from uh, Friday Night Lights, and uh, she was also in uh, Agents of Shield. I'm pretty sure it's the same director. Um, Kobe, uh, Ages of Shield, Friday Night Lights. Jeez, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, I think, I think this. But I, I don't know. I, I think that this. I don't think this is going to be good at all. Unfortunately, <laughs> this there's none. Of, none of this news has me excited for this movie and and i don't know if snake eyes for as a for as cool and as mysterious as the character is i feel like if you throw him in his own solo movie jake they got to take they got to pull away a little bit of that mystique and i'm kind of worried about the mask coming off i'm kind of worried about the character talking at that point you know i as well you should be that's the classic hollywood bullshit that they would try to do especially if they got a big name in the role 
Yeah, I am not a fan. Snake Eyes is easily ruinable, right? It's just a very fine line between making it super fucking cool and really copping out with the character. I want to see him show up in another movie again if they can do a G.I. Joe, Joe movie and do a G.I. Joe movie right. There are, there are so many cartoons and so many different comic books over the year that they can do a G.I. Joe movie and do it justice. It's just they haven't gotten the right director to be able to do this, this this whole Hasbro universe that they've kind of like started off has just kind of been like a complete clusterfuck. And I see what they're doing here, Jake. What they're doing is like the exact same thing that they did with Bumblebee here, right? I mean, they're taking this one character that's very kind of popular and starting a movie around them. And Bumblebee was a popular character in the Bayformers movie. People liked Bumblebee. He's a very sweet character, endearing character. And, you know, give him his own movie to kick off maybe possible future movies in the Transformers universe. And that's kind of like what they're doing here. They're like, oh, let's not do a whole G.I. Joe movie. Let's do the Bumblebee route. And let's start a snake eyes movie i just don't know if this is the right character i don't think this is the right director i just don't i don't see any promise in this at all i think that they need to they need to scrap this whole idea and figure out another way to bring gi joe to the masses as far as the big screen is concerned this is just insane to me what if they what if what if they it's easy to make a dumb movie here that's for sure what if they said chad stahelski is going to direct this fucking thing would that change your mind at all Chad Stahelski, director of John Wick, coming in here. He's gonna do. He's gonna do a fucking Snake Eyes movie, fucking Ninja Clans, Storm Shadow, Snake Eyes. He's got a goddamn wolf. I mean, I don't know. It's is, is it just Robert Schwenke that's turning us off to this thing? <laughs> or is yeah, it- I don't know. I, I think the. I think with the Snake Eyes thing, um, you need to do the Deadpool Logan trick, honestly, or it just comes off as comic booky or cheesy, more likely. You just need to fucking be willing to say, fuck the toy license, which they would never do, and fucking R-rated Snake Eyes movie, right? I think that's the only way you get a creditable good movie. Hey, Ashley, the guy that laughed outside of your window, what do you think he would think? (laughs) 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 who knows brian who knows he was in a goddamn (laughs) he was in a good mood wasn't he he would be all about this though yeah he's excited about it life yeah yeah he's (laughs) he is high on life rebecca do you do you give a fuck about gi joe do you care well i mean the thing is that like I liked G.I. Joe as a kid. Like, I watched the cartoon. And um, much like Transformers, like, I was a big fan of that cartoon, too. And, like, I just haven't seen anything live action that I've been like, you know, yeah, G.I. Joe, I love this movie. Mm. And everything I've seen has been shitty. So it's just like, Mm. I mean, yeah, like, if you do a Snake Eyes movie, unless you make it, like, an origin story where, like, he could talk. And then somehow he loses the ability to talk. Like, well, hold on. Bumblebee does not have the ability to talk in that movie. So maybe they can do what they did in the Bumblebee movie and 
Snake Eyes can communicate through a radio. <laughs> I was gonna say Snake Eyes can transform into hold on. a Hold on, hold on. We I'd can, watch that movie. <laughs> we can have uh, in the middle of like okay, right before a huge like ninja clan fight, Snake Eyes can hit the play button and we can hear everybody was kung fu fighting. <laughs> oh my God. Those cats were fast as lightning. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can understand why it works with Bumblebee because he's got a little girl with him. And, she, you know, you know what I mean? Like they can kind of like work off one another. But like with Snake Eyes, it's like you got the whole movie is going to be based. If you're going to do a whole movie, it's based off like that whole relationship between him and Storm Shadow. So like I don't know, maybe Jake they take a deep dive into Snake Eyes past and we get to see Snake Eyes as a boy and then Storm Shadow as a boy and then it goes Snake Eyes past is a great way to <laughs> fucking start it out and just not worry about any continuity. I agree with that. Yeah, but you're also taking away a little bit of the mystery of the character, which I think is kind of like bullshit. So I, I don't know, man. I really, I think this whole but you, but you making money. Yeah, I, <laughs> I guess, I suppose. It almost sounds like they need like a supporting cast, uh, kind of like Black Bolt with like the Inhumans around him, right? It's oh like, yeah, because the the Inhumans worked out so well. To, like, <laughs> I know you're really <laughs> selling me that it's going to be awesome. Say <laughs> oh, it needs to be more like the Inhumans. Terrible, right? I think the characters. But still, hearing the word Inhumans makes me like flinch now for a little bit. Still, <laughs> you got that PTSD. <laughs> I'm surprised as soon oh, God, as no. I'm surprised as soon as you did as soon as you mentioned Inhumans that that guy didn't walk <laughs> past your window and laugh again. <laughs> True. Where was he when I needed him? Oh my gosh! I would rather see that guy play ba- Black Bolt. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it's uh, no. I love Anson Mount. It's just uh, anyway. Um, Rebecca, I'll have you talk about. I had a, you prepare a story, and I want you to tell everybody about that. Okay, so uh, Deadline is reporting that uh, Brian K. Vaughn. We all know who Brian K. Vaughn is. He's written Saga. He's written. Uh, Paper Girls. Uh, Why the Last Man? Machina, sorry. Why the Last Man? Yes. Why the Last Man? Uh, Ex Machina. Uh, Barrier. We stand on guard. He did that first Runaways um, comic. Uh, he has signed a three-year overall deal with Legendary Entertainment. It's the first deal for him, and it is also one of the first major deals Legendary has made since they have Nick Pepper as their president. Um, Under this uh, deal, Legendary will adapt several of Vaughn's creator-owned comics, as well as produce exclusive original projects developed by by Vaughn for film and television across traditional and non-traditional platforms. So... This is actually a really interesting story because, um, like, the statement that, that Legendary has put out is, like, you know, they, they wanted him because he's got, like, this inspired storytelling. And, you know, Brian K. Vaughn is saying in his statement, he says, quote, Legendary was instrumental in helping to revolutionize the way the world thought of comic book movies. So it's a tremendous honor to work with them, unquote. And basically the idea here is that, as, as it said, they're going to – apparently work on some of his established projects or works and then he's going to develop new stuff um 
the other uh, little just sort of tidbit here from the Hollywood Reporter is saying that this is an eight-figure, uh, excuse me, this is a deal in the eight-figure range and is the largest overall film and TV pack to date for a comic book creator. So it's really interesting to me because, like, Legendary has done stuff or they're they're producing things like Godzilla versus Kong, uh, Dune, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Detective Pikachu. Um, they're also working on the second season of Lost in Space. Uh, they're going to be doing the Pacific Rim anime, uh, Carnival Row, which is a fantasy noir drama with Orlando Bloom and, Claire, and Cara Delevingne. Uh, and that's going to be for Amazon. So my question to you guys is, and I went back and found an interview back from March 2018 where Brian K. Vaughn was asked if anybody, if, if he had to pick a medium, what would make the most sense to him to, to adapt Saga? And they specifically asked him, would you want a big budget film, a television adaptation, or a mature animated series like Netflix's Castlevania? And, of course, Brian K. Vaughn is like, uh, he's like, I hope I don't have to pick any of those personally. Um, you know, he, And he said that for years, right? Like, he doesn't really want Saga to be developed. But now that he's inked this deal, right, it's a three-year deal. They're saying they're going to produce some of his original stuff. Do you think he will write a script for Saga? Do you think we will actually get Saga on some streaming platform as a series or is it as a movie no no okay i think that we're gonna get we stand on guard that sounds yeah definitely like something legendary would do um, okay you know that deals with like i don't know if you guys have read that one but it deals with like mechs and stuff like that and they legendary has already done work on pacific rim sure. so i definitely see we could see possibly like animated or even live action, we stand on guard. I, I, I understand the saga. I do understand, like, that's the big question here. Would we ever get live action Bye. saga? Like, for me, I, I, I don't know if this package would include saga. What's really interesting about this, though, is the fact that he signed with Legendary. So they could literally find distribution anywhere. It's not like he's mm-hmm. limited like Mark, exactly. like Mark Miller's deal where Mark Miller, like everything uh, that he's putting out is now going to straight Netflix. Like legendary could find distribution with Netflix. They could find distribution with another studio. It just really all depends. But Jake, what do you think? Like, do you think we're ready for a live action saga? Do you think that that's even being considered as part of this deal? I, I would think that we'd be looking at new works plus maybe, Maybe we stand on guard. Uh, why the last man? That's that's already that's already a done deal with FX. They they right. own the rights to that unless they don't do anything with it and the rights revert. So I I, I don't I don't man I don't. Dude, just knowing how Brian K. Vaughn is as a writer and a creator, I imagine. I'm like 90% sure this is probably going to be new material and new works. I mean, mm-hmm. he he is a world builder of a writer. And he what makes him such a great writer is I think he very much understands the difference of the mediums between comic books and television and movies and can like move like he he gets the differences. Right. What you can only do in comics and only do in movies. And Mm -hmm. I, I think he would create something unique as a television show or, you know, maybe just 
one-off movies for television or not not television but you know what i'm saying yeah but you know what what you're saying makes a lot of sense jake because he has worked on tv shows he's he's been show he's 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 been a showrunner he's written for tv he's written for comics he knows the difference so like um, he worked on he, Under the Dome, uh, the secret. Yeah. He did Lost episodes. Yep, too. I was just. Yep, uh, absolutely. He did Lost. He did Under the Dome, mm-hmm. um, and he, he of course is like a consultant for Marvel's Runaways, but he's also done work with with Why the Last Man uh, for for TV as well. Like, if they said it in the eighties, would you want to see Paper Girls? Yes, I want to see Paper Girls on Hulu. Like, I, I would absolutely agree with that. If they said it in the eighties or in the, even early nineties. I think it could work really well. Oh, Paper Girls would be huge. I mean, I, yeah. I, I think you're going to get not only with Paper Girls are you going to get like uh, comic book readers, but you're also, I think, in my personal opinion, you're going to pull over some Stranger Things viewers. Oh, absolutely. for sure. Right? Yeah. That's what, just what I was thinking. What do you think, Ashley, about, about all this news with Brian? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is exciting. I, I haven't, uh, I've read a few issues here and there, and I'm familiar with a lot of his work, and and I, that's what I was just thinking. You said you put it in the 80s and 90s, you get that nostalgic crowd, and it kind of introduces a whole new uh, kind of version of storytelling, because like you said, he, uh, even though he's a comic book writer, he's familiar with TV, and that, I think, with that kind of eye, it's just a whole different way of of the way you approach your storytelling and the way you approach um, the way it's presented to the viewers because it's kind of you're already used to splitting it up into pieces. So I mm-hmm. think that's always a really cool cool aspect. So yeah. I'm all for it. Put it everywhere. I know. Um, I, I think Kelly Sudaconic and some other uh, comic book writers are starting to kind of dip their toes in TV and and some other image writers. So that, you know this is this is awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I think Saga's off the table, though, Rebecca. I do. Yeah, I mean, you're you're probably right. Like, like there's, like, a part of me that would love to see Saga adapted, like, if Brian K. Vaughn wrote it, like, for the screen. And then there's another part of me that, like, wants to shake that part and, like, shut up, Rebecca. You know, no, no, it's going to be messed up. Don't do that. Like, it, it's, it's true. I'm sure, like, it couldn't be done right. And who would air this? Who would air... Uh, you know, two people who have television sets who are fucking each other. Like, who's going to air <laughs> that? It's, it's, it's crazy. But. I honestly think that – I honestly think that in – I think in a decade – I think in a decade – I think after this after this series this has time to, like, gestate amongst people and it's been out for a while. But who knows? Like, you know, that, that – the, the – the timetable on this stuff getting put like look at Deadly Class. It's gonna be on Sci-Fi now. I someone's gonna want to do Saga. Saga. I mean, it took forever for us to get Watchmen on screen, and now we're getting a Watchmen series. They said Watchmen couldn't be done in a movie. Like th- th- there was like there's no way you could make this amount of content and do it in a movie. And and yeah. you know it got cut down. It got cut down. It got cut down. But we finally got a movie. And I think Zack Snyder did a great job with Watch with Watchmen personally. Yeah, um, too, I, I enjoy that movie. I love Watchmen. But anyway, I, I know Jake's not a huge fan. You're not even a, ha- a fan of the source material. So it's like, it's not like the movie's going to do that much more for you. <laughs> yeah, well, but, yeah, I don't, I don't hate the source material. Right, you're not, I just, just don't not put a fan. it on the pedestal. Sure. I think, yeah, I, I don't know. It's one of those, it's one of those things where I think like, I don't know. Jake, do, am I making sense here? I feel like the timetable for Watchmen getting made, it took a lot longer because, like, back then it wasn't like 
people were like actively seeking out comic book properties so that they could adapt them to screen or like to TV. But like now that's the thing. Like everybody's looking for like that next TV show. Fucking like sci-fi's got Winona Earp. They're getting deadly class. They've got happy. That's a Grant Morrison comic. You've got, it's a fantastic point. If like Watchmen came out yesterday, it would get like a movie deal tomorrow. Yeah. What if, what if HBO, what if HBO comes to legendary and says, yeah, we know that you've got this whole deal going on and, and, you know, maybe Saga's off the table, but we're willing to throw Game of Thrones money at this fucking thing, and we're ready. We're <laughs> ready to do it now. The streaming wars have started. We need something different. We right. know that this is a Eisner Award-winning comic book. We think that we we want to give this one season. No, we want to give this a two-season order right now. We want to give it a two-season order. We've got Oscar Isaac on the phone. He wants to play Marco. Let's oh. do this. Yes, give me Oscar Isaac as Marco. Oh, not only one hundred percent co-sign that. Not only have we got Oscar Isaac as Marco, but Tessa Thompson wants to play Alana. Let's go ahead and wow. do this. Wow. <laughs> okay, now, now, now you're just whispering nice things in my ear. No, Brian, no, 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 no. I'm not exactly, being exactly. I love it. I'm not speaking out of left field. Uh, fucking Tessa Thompson got on right. Twitter. You know what I'm talking about. You've I read it. I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, because she said it. Yeah, she said it. She said that she would love to play Alana. So, like, I'm I'm not saying these things are going to happen, but I'm like, I think I think that you know, I don't know. I I think that there's um, there's only a few networks that can do this. Sci-fi can't do a fucking saga TV show. No. Um, uh, <laughs> but I think I think what you're saying about like. You know, this is of course all speculation. HBO throwing Game of Thrones money at it, yeah, or or stars, because what they did with American Gods, I think, is a good example of what you could do with a property that's kind of out there. That's with and, casting. I don't know if stars is going to be able to throw the money at this thing though. That yeah, HBO, that, that's true. That that's a valid point. But no, um, stars, stars will not. They, stars will not. They they will not um, skimp as far as like getting cast. I, I think stars would go all. I mean, you know, I think that they would go all out there for cast. But on the flip side, I'm looking at like the cast. Like a lot of those people are just kind of like uh, unknowns that they got though for American Gods. You know, they got Crispin Glover, but like anybody, I could have Crispin Glover star in a movie in my backyard probably. <laughs> probably you. <could>. Shit. <laughs> I feel like they got a few bigger names to like sprinkle in yeah. there. Yeah, they did. But, they did. But like, like Ricky Whittle as the main as the main guy is is pretty unknown. He came from the one hundred that CW. Yeah, show. he oh, was on the hundred. But, but he was an unknown. I mean, it's yeah. not. Um, it's not like I, he even was, on there. He wasn't a main character. Right. He was kind of a side character. He is so fucking cool. He is the. Isn't he? And he he's is. Super, he's like the coolest guy. He's ever. the coolest guy ever, and he's funny as shit. I, when he was when he did the American Gods panel at C two E two, I actually talked to him. I, Oh my god! And he's fucking so energetic and so funny and so charming and charismatic and just hilarious. Great sense of humor, so funny. But uh, yeah, oh my god, so fun. I don't know. Saga is is one of those things. If you're not reading the comic book, you don't know what we're talking about. But it's such a high science fiction plus fantasy show. I know, like. Like you've got characters that they'll land on a planet and there's giants 
Uh, you've got uh, people with TVs for heads. You've got uh, uh, giant cats. You've got a woman uh, who's an assassin called the Stalk, which she is a spider woman. You've got a spaceship that's not only is it a spaceship, but it's a it's a fucking tree. <laughs> so I mean, there's so, there's so much going on in this comic book, and they go to so many different worlds, and there's so many different aliens that the budget on this thing would just be astronomical. So. Yeah, the art in this book is is ridiculous. Like, like I said, not even really being from, that familiar with a lot of the characters, I can visualize them in my head because it's just so iconic the way that Fiona Staples, mm-hmm. uh, what she does with those characters. So it, it's, yeah, it's fun to visualize what that could look like in real life. But you're right; it absolutely has to have like insane amounts of money to pull it off in a way that makes you feel like you're in that world and the right creative team behind it. And you want Brian K. Vaughn mm-hmm. involved. And on the flip side, it's like one of those things where, like, for as much as I say, oh, you know, I, I, I don't want to see him fuck it up. I don't want to see it done wrong. There is a part of me that's, that says, I don't want to just keep this to myself. I want the rest of the world to see how beautiful this fucking story mm-hmm. is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it has to be a series, too. It like, does. Obviously, like, oh, I don't, yeah. even more so than Watchmen, you can't do this and. A movie, no, two, three I, hours. I, I would never if, if they ever did adapt it. I would never want to yeah. see just like one saga movie and like one and done. I, oh, a series what it has was, to be a series. What was? Would what? you guys be opposed to animated? I would. I would want to see live action. Me like, too. I kind of would like to see live action. Jake, I, I if they did it. I wouldn't complain if they did it kind of like Castlevania anime style, like on Netflix. I wouldn't complain. That'd be kind of dope. But on the flip side, like live action just takes it to that next fucking level. You know what I mean? I think, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. If they can pull it off and, and make it cool, it is the next. I, I get you. But I think we're a decade away before we can even make this work budget wise, mm-hmm. even on HBO. It's insane. Because like, H, you know, even with I don't know, man. Yeah, they're making dragons on HBO. But my God, like. I don't know, Rebecca. That's a this is the saga. I know. Listen, right? I, like I said, I'm so split on it. <laughs> but um, like part of me just like wants to see it come to life with real people on the screen. Like there's a big part of me that wants to see that. And then uh, – but you'd have to let – You'd have to let Brian K. Vaughn write the script and you'd have to like get an amazing showrunner and you'd have to cast top notch people. Uh, you you, this you is could never half ass it. Saga to me too. It's gotta feel I don't know. There's parts where saga when you're reading it, you might think I'm crazy. It feels like a soap opera. Oh no, it's a total soap opera. It's absolutely a soap opera set in space. One hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. You've got you've got Marco later on, like you know, Alana is doing her like daytime job where she's an actor and she's acting in like she's actually literally acting in alien soap operas, right? Yeah. And so and then you've got Marco at the park with baby with the baby uh, Hazel Hazel and. Uh, Talking to other, uh, talking to other mothers in the park in the alien park, you know, like crazy. It is crazy. It is a crazy fucking story. So it's like part of me. I want to see that too. Like 
it's not all just this big adventure. There's some real human moments that are brought yes. into this story. It, it's 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 about having a child. Uh, it's about uh, two people from different worlds as well. You've got two different races of aliens that have made this baby, a baby that people didn't think would even be able to survive. And you've got two different groups, sometimes even more, looking for this baby. You've got their babysitter is a fucking, uh, uh, de- not decapitated, but a uh, floating... This- Ghost like girl. a disemboweled ghost person. Yeah, it just, like, <laughs> and that's their babysitter for their child. <laughs> this show is fucking nuts, people. This uh, <laughs> comic is nuts. The show would be nuts. The show would yeah. be nuts. And I, 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 the more I talk about it, the more I want to see it. But the, the more I think about it, the harder I think that this would be to adapt. You got to have the budget. You've got to have people that give it the right kind of care and attention. Jake, this has to be, this has to be an endeavor just like it was making those first Harry Potter books come to life. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's and it's definitely his baby right now in the comic book world. So I don't think he just let it get like you know, cheap sci-fi channel treatment by any means. No, no, he, he would, I'm sure if it ever happened, he would be involved in this so hard. I can't even imagine. I'm sure Fiona Staples would be involved in it too, at least as a consultant for the look of it. But um, yeah, I can't imagine him not being, you know, you know, elbow deep involved in this. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Rebecca, thank you for doing all the research on that story. That's fucking I don't know. I think we will see, you know, I I I think we could see like uh we stand on guard. Paper Girls I think is something, but I think every I don't know. I think for the most part it'll probably be kind of like the Mark Miller deal. Mm-hmm. In in mostly like original stuff coming original out. Original stuff. But yeah, the Mark Miller deal that we are going to get Huck. I mean, we're getting mm-hmm. Huck. What else did they talk about in that Mark Miller deal? We're going to get Huck, Empress, Shark, the Bounty Hunter. So we are going to uh, – they're bringing uh, – we're getting uh, Jupiter's Legacy now on Netflix with uh, Eric Bana possibly being rumored here for that role. Eric Bana and Pablo Schreiber. So Pablo Schreiber from American Gods. Um, so we're – you know, we're hearing about a Jupiter's Legacy series possibly coming to Netflix here, and um, I don't uh, American Jesus as well. So we shall see. Let's move on into Marvel news. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta keep shit moving. We gotta keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel news. We're going to make this real quick. We are going to fly through these last few things, and I really apologize. We're just not doing great on time because, like, we we spent a lot of time on those fucking two trailers. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and well de- well deserved. Oh yeah, it was yeah. a lot to talk about. It's a big week for sure. CCXP big event that happened in Brazil. Jessica Chastain was there, and she was talking about Dark Phoenix. She was talking about her villain character. We still don't know who she's playing. 
I still think that there's going to be scrolls involved in that movie. I think they're trying to keep that close to the vest and they're not letting us know. I think we're going to get scrolls in that movie too. But she talks about a scene in that movie in Dark Phoenix where we're going to get to see her character. And I don't care how what you guys think about this trailer and about this movie. I think this I don't know. I have hope for this film. I really do. She talks about a scene in this one where we're going to get to see Jessica Chastain's villain character fighting all of the X-Men simultaneously. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty fucking awesome to me to see a, a, a battle of that magnitude. You know, you're talking fucking Professor X, you're talking Magneto, you're talking Cyclops, you're talking Beast, you're talking all these fucking characters going up against her characters at the same time. I... So then how powered is she? Like, who is that? Yeah, what the fuck? And we've already got fucking Jean Grey. We've got Jean Grey going to go all full Dark Phoenix, this movie. Right. I mean, and who? That's That's crazy. And that's interesting that you have um, that you're excited for. I mean, you have to imagine that the people behind these movies know what everyone thought of the last movie and that they kind of have to deliver this time. It was a singer movie. It was a singer movie. And Mm -hmm. think about this. Let me throw this out to you. We've had fucking like five Transformers movies that were all done by Michael Bay. And my favorite one is when we get the new fucking director. Now, hold on. Let me throw this out there to you. We had a bunch of X-Men movies, which were okay. X-Men one, I thought was great just because we didn't have that many fucking uh, comic book movies coming out at that time. It was like it, the X-Men was the first comic book movie that really kicked off this new age of comic mm-hmm. book movies. That was it 2000. Then we got then we started getting like X2, then we got Spider-Man. It really kicked shit off, you know? We owe a lot to the the the, the that X-Men film. And but but here we go. What what okay, when those movies were starting to go away, who did they bring in? They brought in a guy called a guy named Matthew Vaughn. And he gave us uh he gave us X-Men first class and that movie was awesome right and i know yeah yeah they mixed it up and they just were like let's do this fresh and i know (laughs) i know i maybe i'm wishing in one hand and shitting in the other but like simon kinberg he's never directed before and he's not always been my favorite writer but i'm gonna give this movie a chance I, i i i really am i'm hoping i really want this to go out on top and maybe i'm putting a little bit too much hope into this but i mean We'll see. I mean, we, I've got the to get... potential's there, though, Brian. You're right. There's reason to have hope. Like there mm-hmm. is a yeah. potential for this to still come out and be a good movie. Right. I don't know. Yeah, Brian, I'm right there with you because I, I was. I feel the same. I'm not a fan of singer Bird stuff. Yeah. And even uh, even first class and whatever, like they were good to me, but they weren't exactly what I wanted. Like I feel like I still haven't really see, fully seen the X Men I want to see. Yeah. Yeah, but we might you, not- you even talking about this when the when the trailer came out and all the theories and I'm like you somehow like my dark heart is now like somewhat hopeful for this. I film. flipped you. I flipped you because like <laughs> the, the, and I hate you for it, but the, I love you. Doesn't like, the, it's, it, it does. Me- the trailer fucks with you because the trailer fucked with me because I was like, oh my god, we're gonna get the is the villain in this one in the first in the first two acts of this movie is the villain in this movie Charles. Is the villain gonna be? And, and no, if that see, like, yeah, they're they're on that last movie. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, they can do whatever they want, right. and that opens up that opens up possibility in a place I didn't know that hope existed. Yeah, I really didn't. I really didn't. Like, who would have thought? I'll so, be honest you know with what? you. For as much as like I didn't love 
you know, Apocalypse. I've still loved seeing, I loved First Class and I loved uh, Days of Future Past. And it's mm-hmm. like, we're getting these characters coming back for one more movie. I'm going to get to see Fastbender Magneto again. I'm seeing McAvoy Xavier again. I'm getting Nicholas Holt Beast, which I love Nicholas Holt Beast. I really do. I'll take Nicholas Holt Beast over Kelsey Grammer Beast any fucking day. for sure. Like, I don't... For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I love Kelsey Grammer. I'll watch Frasier all fucking day. I'll, you know, I'll sit back and uh, have some tossed scrambled... Uh, salads and scrambled eggs, but I don't want to watch him as the fucking <laughs> as the beast. That's terrible. But no, that was some stupid cartoon shit. I want these yeah. characters to kind of go out on top, and I don't. We'll see. I have no clue. But if we get a scene of Jessica Chastain as whatever villain she's playing, fighting all of the X Men simultaneously, that could look pretty fucking amazing on screen. And I'm ready to see that scene. I hope it lives up to what she was kind of hyping at CCXP. So we'll see. Um, Kubo and the Two Strings and Bumblebee director Travis Knight talked with Bad Taste It. That sounds like a website we should start, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> that, just sounds, that sounds like a new rating, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm going to yeah. give us a Bad Taste It. I'm going to give it a Bad Taste It. Bad Taste It. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. But he was talking with Bad Taste It. I've never heard of him. Anyway, he was uh, he addressed those Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three rumors that we were talking about a few weeks ago. He says, after Bumblebee, my goal is to return to work at the animation studios, Leica, my child, bringing with me all the baggage of experiences I have gained with this project. I am a huge fan of what Marvel did. It's no surprise for anyone to know that as a child, I was a huge fan of comics. But no, it's just a rumor. So Jake, it's not. There's nothing behind that one. It's just a rumor. Yeah, I'm not surprised. We we know how these websites get. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm. You know what? I'm hoping that Bumblebee breaks the bank and we can get Travis Knight to come back and do future installments in the Transformers universe because he gets the Transformers, in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. Hopefully, he doesn't break the bank so much that he even tries to. Who knows what this? You know, the sky's the limit for this guy. Yeah. Hey. Um, Shang-Chi movie coming. Uh, I never would have guessed it, but now that the news has come out that the uh, Marvel Studios is fast-tracking a Shang-Chi movie, it makes sense. It makes sense. Huge success this year with both Black Panther and with Crazy Rich Asians. Did you hear Crazy Rich Asians bombed in China? It bombed. Yeah. They were pulling it from theaters. What is that? What's that noise? That's, What's going on? Somebody, somebody whittling wood over there. <laughs> I heard that too. I, someone's making fire. I think. <laughs> I scratched my ear. Any, uh, and so, 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 wow, you were scratching your ear, and it sounded like whittling wood. That's awesome. I was like, oh my gosh, to hear is it. Ashley making me a sailboat? <laughs> I was, I was getting so excited. I was giddy. I was like, oh my god, she's making me a sailboat. It's happening. <laughs> But no, you just, you were fucking you were scratching your goddamn ear. And <laughs> That's what that guy outside was was laughing at because I'm not really good at whittling a boat. So. Yeah. Oh my! You you you've whittled your ear down to look like a boat sail. Anyway, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, Shang Chi, Jake. Are you 
that familiar with Shang-Chi. I'll be honest with you. I've maybe have seen Shang-Chi show up in a couple comics, but I've never like read a bunch of Shang-Chi. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I think the character is cool. I, I don't think I ever like collected a run of the comics myself either, but I've definitely seen him show up at a bunch of different you know occasions and different different stuff. I think it's really cool that they're making this movie. I, I think it's a great idea. I do too, and I, I think he will be a big part of the MCU going forward. Um, as far as the character is concerned, as far as I know, Jake, he's kind of like Batman where he doesn't have powers. He's just really fucking good at kung fu and martial arts. Oh, nice. hmm. I thought he did have powers. I, really? I, now I'm Googling it. I, I you could be right, though. <laughs> I don't know, because after I know there's a run of Spider-Man comics where Spider-Man lost his powers, and so he went to Shang-Chi to teach him how to fight. Hmm. Upon joining the Avengers, he gains the power to create countless duplicates of himself. So that's just some silly later on Avengers shit. Uh, okay. But before that, he didn't have any powers. Yeah, it doesn't seem like. Uh, yeah, he's one of the best non superhumans in martial arts. So he's able to deflect gunshots with his bracers, but that's not him. Yeah, it looks like. Yeah, it looks like mostly no powers. Hmm. So, yeah, like a Hawkeye in very much that way. Yeah, like a Hawkeye. Rebecca, what are you thinking? Shang-Chi. I don't know a ton about this character, but listening to you guys talk about it, I sounds like an interesting movie. I'd be I'd be down to see it. And you're right, it with the success of Black Panther and Crazy Rich Asians here in the States, I think smart move. It's absolutely a smart move to do it. But how and do you Marvel's make how, good No, go sorry. ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm cutting you off. I was going to say that Marvel's had really good success with bringing forward characters that maybe not everybody is super familiar with and making them into huge, you know, blockbuster films. So, yeah, why not? How many martial arts movies would you say that you've watched in your lifetime? Oh, you don't have gosh. to give me a real number, but like, yeah, I mean, it's a lot, uh, right? I've I've watched a lot in my in my life. Yeah, I've watched over a hundred, I'm sure. So, how is Marvel gonna make this? Because that's what this character essentially is, is a martial arts character. How are they going to make this movie special in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Mm. Well, then you if – if we're comparing him to Hawkeye in the sense that like, he doesn't have like powers and he's just really good at what he does, then you bring him in as part of a team movie. And then once you've established him and you give him, like, let's say a really good personality and uh, interesting backstory, you, you hint at the backstory, then I think you could give him a solo film. Has Marvel ever done that? <sighs> the answer is no. No, they haven't. Yeah, I was racking my brain to think if I could think of somebody. I no, mean, we're getting a, Rebecca, we're getting a Shang-Chi movie. I'm just saying, like. I, what I'm saying is, like, I, I understand what you're saying, and it makes complete sense. Like, bring this mm -hmm. character in, like, kind of establish him. Like, I know we're getting a um, we're getting a Black Widow movie eventually, and we've had her established. I get that. But, like, as far as every other character that we've had before, they've just given us those movies. I'm just trying to think of, like, this is essentially, like, we're basically taking, like, 
Enter the Dragon, which is like a great martial arts movie, and we're gonna like MCU the fuck out of it. Like, how do you do that? How do you how do you make a martial arts movie in the MCU, and and make it successful and make it work with the whole world of the MCU? Like, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this, Jake. Well, then- man. I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe the you connection. give him powers. Then, then you give him some kind of powers, or you say that he doesn't know how he got these powers. You make it a mystery. I woke up and I had these powers. I don't know how I got them. Or you, you, you tweak it so that there's a mystery element involved that makes people want to watch this character on that discovery journey. Yeah, like, or potentially like, like a Wolverine Logan type thing. I'm sorry, Jackie, to cut you off. Uh, or potentially his villain or something he's from or something he's protecting is you, there has to be some kind of like dot connector to the main like MCU somehow, or it's just another martial arts. Movie. Yeah. yeah. Let's see here. The comic launched around the time that Enter the Dragon became a global sensation and martial arts films raged in the comic. Shang-Chi is the son of a China based globalist who raised and educated his progeny in the reclusive China compound closed off to the outside world. The son trained in the martial arts and developed unsurpassed skills. He is eventually introduced to the outside world to do his father's bidding and then has to come to grips with the fact that his revered father might not be the humanitarian he has claimed to be and is closer to what others call him the devil's doctor. He also might be centuries old. The deceit makes him bi- deceit makes them bitter enemies. That's mm. basically what we're looking at in the comics. Um, his father might be centuries old. Yeah, Rebecca, with his father having some sort of like um, long-lasting life or something, that might give him powers that we find out about later. Or do, do you tie it into Doctor Strange? Maybe, maybe his the father knew the ancient one. Wow, you think they were hooking up? You know, you know, you know, things get lonely up in the mountains in those reclusive camps, and you know, things happen. (laughs) Yeah, holy shit, (laughs) man, that's hot, right? I know. Yeah, I like it. That's a great. I I like how you connected the dots there. I just, I want to see like the weekend getaway between Shang Chi's father and Tilda Swinton's ancient one, like out there in a fucking like secluded cabin. (laughs) There's nothing to do. They're in a cabin. They're alone. There's no Netflix. There's nothing to watch. And maybe the heat goes off. Like you know, they can't get a fire started. You know, they're not. Like Ashley over there whittling wood so quickly that it can, <laughs> it can start a fire, and so in order it's to cold. keep it's cold. So in order to keep warm, they gotta do the nasty. In order to survive, <laughs> they have to do the nasty. Uh, hey, did you know there's a taxi episode that deals with that exact same thing? Have you ever seen that episode? <laughs> I don't think so. Yes, maybe yes. as a kid, and I didn't really get it. There's an episode of Taxi where, like, they're in the back of a taxi, and it's uh, what's his name? Uh, the the goofy guy, the silly guy. You know who I'm talking about. Andy oh. Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. What's his uh-huh. character's name? Latka. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah, Latka and his girlfriend. What's her name? She was. She was. She played the little fairy in the Bill Murray movie, The Scrooge. Yeah. You know who oh, I'm talking God. about. I can't. She I, was I also. I, yeah, I could picture her. Face. She was in the Princess Bride with Billy Crystal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that yeah. scene. Yeah, that was his girlfriend in that show, and they have to. They have to have sex in the back of a taxi cab to stay warm because they're going to die if they don't during a blizzard. It's like during a blizzard, they're stuck in the back of a taxi. It's a real episode, people. 
<laughs> so yeah, Shang Chi. <laughs> 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 hey, would you buy a Shang-Chi Chia pet? Oh, my God. Uh, Shang-Chi pet? That's what I was going to go. That was my mashup, Jake. You beat me to it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> well, you gave me the outline. I know. I told, I told I told. I wasn't upset, Jake. I was glad that you finished it. <laughs> I was glad that you tested the waters first before I sat it, and it sounded <laughs> stupid. <laughs> hey. Oh, I see. You were setting me up to fucking fall. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I'll let this. I let this dolt do. It. I'll let this dolt finish it. <laughs> it's either Jake or that guy walking outside of Ashley's goddamn window. Anyway. Exactly. <laughs> Ashley, you're still with us. How you doing? Oh, I'm, of course I'm with you. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, they've pushed it back, this trailer. We were actually supposed to get it on Saturday, was the word. And now I've hear- I'm hearing that it's going to come out on uh, December 18th. I don't know <laughs> if that is uh, the truth or not, but that's the rumblings that I'm hearing online. Anyway... Uh, they debuted debuted the trailer at CCXP in Brazil, and Cinepop had a description. IGN Brazil had a description. I'm going to read IGN Brazil's uh, description because I think it's really well done. The trailer begins with Peter Parker, Aunt May, and Happy Hogan, who Happy Hogan tries to flirt with Aunt May. Peter is going... Uh, on a school trip to Europe with Michelle, uh, that's MJ, Zendaya, and Ned. And then uh, while packing his clothes, he leaves Spider-Man, the Spider-Man suit at home. His objective is to go overseas and just take a brief rest from his life as a superhero. The group goes to Venice, Italy, sees the canals, and there is some sort of budding romance between Peter and Michelle. Uh, soon after that, we see Peter in a hotel room with Ned, and then... Then they start to have a budding romance in the hotel. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just making sure you guys were paying attention. <laughs> yeah, the next Spider-Man movie is going to be really fucking progressive. Wow. Yeah, it's it's called Call Me by Your Name, Spider-Man. Oh, oh my, my god. god. Call, call me by your name, Peter. Call me by your name, Peter. <laughs> Um, it's about the budding romance between. What the fuck? Who's getting arrested Whoa. over there? City life. Yeah, one second. <laughs> Gosh, that was it's good. Not me this time. It's not me this time. I like how we had to call it it's out. Still happening. It's still it still happening. It's still happening. Those sirens were violent too, right? I mean, that was like that's not like normal <laughs> sirens. It was just like those those sirens were not going to be ignored. I started hiding stuff, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh my flush gosh! Flush it, flush it. Hurry. Uh, anyway, Peter is in the hotel room with Ned, and a, when a, a mysterious person suddenly appears and shoots a tranquilizer dart at Ned. Uh, it's Nick Fury who is calling on Spider-Man for a mission. Several new uniforms are presented, like the stealth suit, similar to the noir suit, and the classic uniform with the spider webs under the arms. Uh, at the end of the trailer, Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio makes his first entrance to help Spider-Man against a new enemy, Hydro-Man, in a breathtaking sequence. Yes, it looks like Spider-Man and Mysterio are fighting together in this movie. This sequence 
uh, sees Hydro Man emerge from the Venice waters and attack the Italian city in a sequence full of explosions, screams, and chaos. That sounds like Ashley's end of this phone call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or at least her neighbors. Spider-Man starts to fight him but gets into a little trouble, and that and that's when Mysterio appears to help him at the end of the trailer. It should also be noted that in the trailer, at least Mysterio wears his full armor but not his distinctive fishbowl helmet. He also appears... <clears throat> He also appears to work in some capacity for Nick Fury. Uh, there was no mention of the events of Avengers Infinity War in the trailer. Um, I'm hearing that Nick Fury has Spider-Man and Mysterio fighting the Elementals. And the Elementals are four extra-dimensional humanoids who become immortals with power over natural forces and who ruled a kingdom on Earth before the rise of the original Atlantis. Uh, there's Hydran. The Lord of the Waters, Magnum, the Master of the Earth, Hellfire, Wielder of Flame, and Zephyr, Mistress of the Winds. That's that sounds more like Thanos cracking a rat, right? Anyway, um, <laughs> let's see. No, um, what are the chances that the elementals that they're battling are just illusions from Mysterio? And he's, and of course, he's going to be the big baddie at the end of this fucking movie. We're not stupid. Oh, that's it. that's cool. That like Hydro Man is just yeah. He's making it all happen, and yeah. that's why with his help, him and Spider Man are able to defeat him. Yes, exactly. It's all a ruse. Oh, I love, I love that. It. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's what that's 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 what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this. It's all you know, getting Peter to trust him, you know, and then take him down at the end. So. <laughs> And Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. at that point, right? Like, he's tricking everybody. Oh, yeah. He's, like a... he's totally tricking everybody at that point. So, I do hear at the end of this trailer that you do get to see the full costume. I did. I Yeah, it was uh, Collider said, uh, as the trailer ends, we are shown some massive water-based creatures on the ocean like uh, ocean lake. And then we get to see what we've all been waiting for. Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio wearing the classic costume without, oh, without the helmet. But don't worry, before the trailer ends, you will see the entire costume with helmet. And it's exactly what you want it to look like. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, very cool. I'm glad that we're getting to see the whole thing because it's such like a weird comic uh, like costume, very like iconically co- comic book. So it'll mm-hmm. be really cool to see it kind of translated into real life, but also still be badass somehow, right? Like, yeah, it's so it's got to look cool. It's cool to hear about like the Hydro Man stuff because like like Tom Holland was posting all those videos on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Did you guys watch those when they were coming out? I saw a few of them on Twitter that were retweeted. They. Yeah, they were they were pretty funny. So my but I was trying to talk about that Mysterio thing, but I did the shitty mute button thing there earlier. I'm sorry about that. That's no, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I you know I booed earlier when you said that in the sneak peek we didn't see it. So it's I'm super excited to hear that we're gonna get Mysterio as full on Mysterio at some point here. Okay. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, can't wait to see the trailer. Hopefully. We get to see the trailer sooner rather than later. Um, DC probably news. a good move that they delayed it. I think I, I think too much in one week 
kind of dilutes, right? Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think I think the plan was originally to uh, release the um, Captain Marvel trailer on Monday, the Avengers trailer on Wednesday, and then boom, like Friday, Saturday, get like far from home. But it, there's just so much that happened this week that they couldn't do it. Um, yeah. The Joker movie. I'm, we're moving into DC news. We're going to wrap this because uh, I got to wrap this up soon. Um, DC, uh, the Joker movie has wrapped filming. Uh, we're getting a Plastic Man movie. This news comes from THR. They're developing a Plastic Man movie, and um, who do they get? They got screenwriter Amanda Idoko has been hired to pen the script for this yeah um, love this i mean I, i've hyped plastic man as one of my favorite dc characters since the dawn of this podcast so a lot of fun and a lot of potential here maybe i hope they really just go a la and really like lampoon hollywood while doing a fun superhero movie here i'm just interested to hear a casting because like if you had a casted this character like you know 25 years ago it would easily have been jim carrey but like who do you <laughs> pick now for plastic man yeah, geez, I I don't know. I'm not sure. Rebecca, are you excited for Plastic Man? Oh, absolutely. I'm I am a big fan of the Gail Simone run that she did, that that miniseries. Um which was like the first time I really read Plastic Man was that series. Um uh, and I I love the character. Um oh gosh, who do you cast as plastic? I guess it depends like how young you want to go, but like, uh, what about somebody like Timothy Chalamet? Mm. What? What do you? Is that too out there? Yeah. What, what do you think? Yeah, that's way too out there for me. Right. I haven't. It's no, late. I, as best I can do. I know. I'm, gonna, we're, I'm not even going to do Star Wars news this week, to be quite honest with you. Um, I, no, I'll do one story for Star Wars news, but yeah, Timothy Chalamet is like way out there. Rebecca, that's like that's like that's like Brian wants to wrap up the show so Rebecca can get some sleep out there. Oh, okay. There <laughs> <you go. laughs> like I'm, I'm worried about like I don't know. I'm worried about your mental health at this point. <laughs> you know, like I like there's yeah, there, there, I don't know, shades of sleep deprivation. You know what I mean? It's like, are you seeing? Are you starting to see hallucinations? I mean, like, is everything okay? Well, I, I'm starting to see Timothy Chalamet as Plastic Man, so I yes, think that's a problem. No, I, <laughs> yeah. I, part of the symptoms. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he can do it. Maybe he would be the best Plastic Man ever. I have no clue. But, yeah, that's crazy. I've just I've – seen, I've seen him in Lady Bird. I've seen him call me by your name. I saw him in Beautiful Boy. I just – I don't know if I've seen, I, like, I that mean, – that. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm sort of going off like I I he's just like the first person that popped into my head is like kind of like a like a name that gets bantered around a lot or thrown around a lot is mm-hmm. like a really upcoming young actor. Yeah, and I just thought like I mean obviously like I'm I'm I haven't seen him in anything that even closely resembles Plastic Man to say like oh well I saw him in blah 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 movie and I think he could do this but like I don't know it just struck me as like. He's kind of like a really talented kid 
he's not really a kid kid, but like a kid who let's see what he could do, like with something a little funnier. Let's see if he could bring a little uh, seriousness to a, a funny comedic role or vice versa. So I don't know. I just threw it out there. I'm sure it's a terrible choice. Oh, man. You shouldn't have thrown <laughs> it out there. You should have thrown that away. That was terrible. No, I'm kidding. Oh, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it was definitely it was definitely a swing and a miss. But you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I am not making it any better for you. I apologize. That's okay. Listen, you, you, hey, you at least win them all. At so. least you gave, <laughs> at, no, at least you gave an answer. I haven't even done that much. You know what I mean? <laughs> I haven't even taken a swing, right? <laughs> so I have no clue who I'd want as Plastic Man, to be quite honest with you. I was like, I don't know. I, it, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I don't know. Timothy Chalamet just hasn't shown me that he's got the comedic chops for it. So that's one of those things I'd have to see him do in a role. So anyway. Yeah, uh, Star Wars news. The last thing I'm going to talk about here is we finally got some uh, possible uh, news as to like, what The Mandalorian is going to be about. This comes from Star Wars Leaks. Somebody on Star Wars Leaks on Reddit shared this. And they said, I guess the Mandalorian encounters a baby on one of his missions that he's supposed to kill. But instead of that, he ends up saving it. And a lot of the rest of the story revolves around their growing relationship and his efforts to keep the child safe and protected. So this is also kind of like, I think this was also reported by making Star Wars. Yeah, it was also reported by making Star Wars. So it looks like it could have some legs. So the Mandalorian's about a Mando protecting a baby. Hmm. It's okay. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cable or or what was that movie? Um, the Professional. Leon the Professional. Right with uh, you know what I'm talking about? Gary Oldman, young little little uh, Natalie Portman when she's a little. Mm-hmm. Baby. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I mean, a baby makes as good of a MacGuffin as anything, I guess. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's not not necessarily getting me hyped up for the show, but it's interesting. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, last thing, and then we're going to wrap this fucker up. <laughs> Kylo... <laughs> What? I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Just, I'm done with this shit. I, I was just like, oh, man, I got nothing on this Star Wars baby thing. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see like it. I want to see it turn into like Mr. Mom in the Star Wars universe where we've got like a Mandalorian trying to take care of a baby. The baby's pissing in his face. You know, he's changing diapers. You know, baby's spitting up. Mandalorian doesn't know what to do. He's asking like, you know, the neighbor Mandalorian lady, like, you know, what do I do with this fucking kid over here? You know, it's like, that's what, yeah, whatever. Moving on. Uh, Kylo Ren might be getting a new helmet in the next movie, makingstarwars.net learned. Uh, does Kylo Ren wear a helmet and does BB-8 get a new sidekick in Episode Nine? Uh, in Star Wars The Last Jedi, we see Kylo Ren degraded by Supreme Leader Snoke. He lifts him up to t- uh, by telling him with his bloodline he saw the potential for a new Vader. Snoke looks at Kylo with his helmet on and says, take that ridiculous thing off. Kylo, having been bested by a young woman that had never held a lightsaber before, disappoints Snoke and that pushes Kylo's hate for Snoke. 
into it. I'm just reading. This is stupid. Yeah, he, gets, <laughs> he, he, he might get a new fucking helmet. Uh, what's, uh, what, what else happens here? Uh, new helmet. <laughs> of course he's going to get a new helmet, dude. I know. Got to sell toys. Uh, BB-8's going to have a little baby. He's going to take care of a baby just like the Mandalorian. <laughs> so we can sell new Spiro toys. What do we what do, what do we got here? Yeah, they talk about I don't even Yeah, BB-8. I also heard a report the BB-8. Oh yeah, here. Yeah, Kylo Ren's got a reforged mask in the various stages of dress. So he's yeah, new fucking mask. It's going to the visual gave the mask a very corrupted look. So, yeah, whatever. <sighs> Um, is the baby BB-8 called Baby 8? It's called uh Jake. <laughs> that was good. That was good. It caught me off guard for sure. It's called the little droid is named it's a, it's a sidekick. It's not a baby, but it's a sidekick named Dio. And um. I've heard it as Dio, but the Reddit poster said Dio, like D-I-O, or Iden's ID-10 droid in Battlefront 2, like the 80s band, um, perhaps because it was only heard in that show. The Reddit poster compared it to a megaphone, and that also rings true. When the guys at Pinewood spoke about the little droid, they said it was sort of an ugly duckling idea and that the droid treated BB-8 as a parent and was very attached to him. It sounded like he interfaced with BB-8, and someone thought the mechanism created for lightsaber storage in The Force Awakens that was never used in that film was redesigned to actually house Dio. Uh, so, <laughs> A little recycling going on. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. BB-8 might be a baby daddy, and Kylo gets a new <laughs> mask. So good fucking shit out of Star Wars this week. Anyway. That was a waste of time. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid stories. Ridiculous. BB-8, you are the father. (laughs) I would love to see the BB-8 episode of Maury. I'm in. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Let's wrap this up. It's getting late. Um, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Always a, always a good time. And, uh, yeah, uh, Ashley, thanks again for joining us. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, guys. This was awesome. Yeah. it's like, I'm just – Jake, it's like I, I don't even want any <laughs> funny banter at the end. I just want to fucking – I just <laughs> – Fucking pull the plug. I don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. I'm pulling the plug on this bitch. It's late. All right. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for listening. Jake, thank you for everything. And just like all good leftovers stay in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. We will see you next week. See ya. All right. Later, everybody. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's mix it, can erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushed over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Original and good. 
have already been done before So we should separate the wheat from the chaff And we're the chaff, the crap, even though we're the shit We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushover Pop culture, leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. I'm uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.